Hello fellow homebrewers, JP here, and I want to introduce to you the brand new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Series available at More Beer. More Beer sells the highest standard in homebrewing equipment, and the Brewbuilt Conicals are just that. They're made from mere polished 304 stainless steel, and they come with loads of features that you and I have been looking for. They have a full 2-inch bottom dump valve, which will eliminate your clogging issues, while the sturdy base includes four reinforced legs, just like those big pro tanks do. More Beer also carries the Brewbuilt line of options and add-ons like casters, pressure kits, and even external glycol chillers. So you can find out more about the new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Unitanks by going over to morebeer.com for detailed videos on the entire line of Brewbuilt Conicals. You can trust Brewbuilt with your next fermentation, and you can trust More Beer to find the right conical for you. Brewbuilt at morebeer.com. This week's Sunday session is brought to you by homebrewing source of awesomeness online. More beer at morebeer.com. Feels like work. Shooting the shit for two hours, drinking beer and talking beer. What a wonderful experience. Can we not have the barf bucket near my mixing board? (laughs) (laughs) I think everybody can read the book. I knew you were going to use this book as an excuse to quit doing this show. <laughs> Mrs. Bub, if you want, I can mail you the bub timer. Yeah, Newcastle. Especially in the can. Have you ever had it in the can? <laughs> no, I have not had it in the can. <laughs> Notice I closed my eyes and I concentrated really hard. Now, live from the Brewing Network Studios in Northern California, this is the radio program for home brewers, craft brewers, beer lovers, and beer geeks. It's your only source for live beer radio that brings expert brewers together with, well, expert drinkers. This is the radio program with a head on it. This is the session. All right. Welcome to the program, ladies and gentlemen. It was about to be a very strange start to the show. Uh, Do you remember the uh, 80s movie Three Men and a Baby? Yeah. (laughs) Well, uh, it's a good thing that... Abigail is the best baby in the world because her mother is the worst mother in the world. And like five minutes to showtime, there, there's no babysitter here. And she's like, can I just leave the baby in the studio while I go do something? And the poor kid is just sitting on the studio couch by herself staring at us, dude. Like, we're just getting ready for the show. And the, the poor kid's just sitting there terrified. Doesn't make a sound. She's literally the, the most well-behaved baby on, on earth. But you could just see in her face, she, and she's just staring at the door, waiting for Bevo to come back. First of all, I have to pee. <laughs> and your bathroom well, is no, creepy, uh, and I don't want to take my baby in there. That's a good call. But you left her with me, Justin, and Tasty? <laughs> she recognizes you guys, so whatever. And it's like the show's about I to know, start. I know, she's not going to freak out. And I don't really know what to do. I don't know if I delay the start of the show, or if I just fuck it, and we go ahead, and, and the creepy kid's just staring at us the Oh, you should have just gone with it. <laughs> I was about to, and, and then luckily, fine. Alexa came in, uh, Scott's girlfriend, comes in at the last second and saves the poor girl. From having to listen to us. Right. And I mean, what happens if uh, we go to air and then she just gets up and walks out the door? (laughs) I'm not going to stop because I have a job to do. (laughs) There's like a full flight of stairs just beyond the glass. Thankfully, I'm pretty sure she cannot open that door on her own. (laughs) Right. And I'm just I'm just feeling so bad for this baby going. She and and she's just sitting there like with her hands in her lap and just kind of looking down and and looking around. Literally the most well-behaved kid on earth. 
And she, it's three men and a baby. Thank you. If, if I were a terrible mother, she wouldn't be the most well-behaved child <laughs> in the planet. Uh, well, maybe it's Sam. Maybe Sam's the part. Yeah, that, that's yeah. that's who it is. <laughs> or maybe, maybe she's just traumatized and like dead inside. Or just because know? we live near a refinery. <laughs> there is a part of her that looks dead inside. That's as she's awful. Sitting, well, as she's sitting on the couch, they're not... Like, she should be panicking at this time. And She just woke up. She's fine. All right. She's a little stoic. <laughs> Babies fine. aren't known to be stoic. This is what Bevo says as she leaves her in the car while she goes into Walmart. She just woke up. She's fine. She's not going to go anywhere. I had to pee. I mean, I left the keys in the car. It's fine. The windows were cracked. It was only 82 degrees outside. She's going to be fine. Oh, man. What a mess. Got a great show planned for you today. It's good to be back in the studio. Um, We got Scott from Round Guys Brewery in Lansdale, Pennsylvania is coming on the program tonight. And uh, according to my notes, the guy's got some crazy stories. Yeah, that guy is, uh, you know, it's unfortunate because I think he's he, he's a little infamous in, in recent months because of the uh, cans of Pilsner at NHC right. in Philly that uh, a few people had explode all over their luggage. And he's doing a lot of great things <laughs> oh, out there, but now he's known as the guy. guy yeah, see how Be- Bevo knows. Even Bevo knows. Oh, that guy. Did, you had one explode well, in your luggage, I right? I was getting into a cab, and I was carrying it in that stupid brown paper bag. Right. And uh, it exploded, and I, it was my first time in New York. I thought somebody was shooting. <laughs> Right. Duck for cover. And then, like, I'm sitting there, I'm like, what was that? And then the bottom of my brown bag fell out, and all my crap went everywhere. Wow. Oh, I didn't know what happened to you. I was retarded. Did it yeah. happen to anyone else on this crew? I don't know. But No, you never bring the conference beer home. <laughs> See, Tasty's a veteran, and, and I agree with you. You never bring well, conference well, beer. The only one I did is the uh, Brother uh, Lavernia from what, in 2009. I did take that home. But that was a craft beer uh, conference, it was, right? Yes. Pro. Oh, no, no, that was, that was a conference beer, okay, but it was, right. a, it yeah. was a beer that was, you know, a dress bottle, and it just begged for some time to I see. get yeah. ready, you know. Has, it, has this happened before? You know, I don't know that it's happened before, but what my experience with conference beers is that they generally don't age well. Hmm. And here's why, and maybe we'll hear this from Scott anyway, I don't know the story behind his exploding beer, but I think what happens is usually a brewery is commissioned to help out with the conference and brew this batch of beer. And it's they kind of rush to fit it into the schedule. And so it doesn't mean that they're not good beers. It just means you probably want to drink them sooner rather than later. Unless, like Tasty's talking about, if they're a beer that is either bottle-conditioned or, or meant to, to last in the bottle a little longer, if they're pale ales or IPAs or, or any of these things, you know, there might be some residual sugar left in there. I don't know. I just say drink them quick. And don't bring them home. Uh, certainly don't yeah. bring them into a New York City cab. the conference. <laughs> You know, I wonder if that's going to start to to change. I mean, just anecdotally, I was up in Bellingham for their Beer Week in uh, Washington, and uh, the specialty beers that were brewed for Beer Week were were brewed to age. It was like a Belgian Dark Strong. There was an Imperial Coffee Porter. And I talked to the brewers, and they were saying, yeah, we we purposely thought maybe these will last. People can age them, bring them home. Right. Well, the hard part, right, is that there are tons of people, most of us, if you're brewing it for the conference, we kind of want to enjoy it at the conference. Let's experience the beer while while we're experiencing yeah. the conference. The the side that says, well, we're going to make a commemorative beer for the conference that you take home with you is kind of a, of a whole other mindset, right? So it's really the cross between the two. Are we going to drink it here and enjoy it together, or is this for you to take home? And they should probably clarify that in the beginning. You know, they should say, uh, maybe even the people commissioning them, we want you to brew a beer that's drank on premise. You know, let's do it right here. It's it's for us to share together. Or 
make a commemorative one for people to take home. I wonder if they think they're they're implying that based on what style they're asking them to brew. So round guys got asked, hey, brew a Pilsner. So oh, maybe I see. it just goes without saying it should be, it's for the conference. Right. The thing about the, uh, the homebrew conference, too, and we'll talk to Scott about this, is there's so much beer to drink. You, you almost don't even want to drink the conference beer yeah. at that time. You, you, you kind of do want to take it home to experience later because you're busy tasting all your buddies' beer. Exactly. You yeah, know. it's all on draft, and you know, here's some package package beer that, yeah, it's made to go. So I can see where there'd be some tendency to yeah. pack it up and take it with you. Of course, either that or it's 3 a.m., and you're going back to your hotel room, and everything's you know, shut down. Yeah. You, <laughs> right. need, you need another beer. Sure. You're cracking that bad boy open. It, yes. I've never done that. Nah. <laughs> What do you mean? You find it. Where's the party at? You go find that party and you drink yeah. till it gets daylight. And you're like, "Hey, I brought this beer." Yeah. And they all go, "Yeah, we got the same fucking one, idiot." Yeah. Uh, anyway, so we got Scott from Round Guys Brewery on. I'm excited to talk to him. We're going to learn a little bit about Berliner Weitz tonight. Tasty. That's a great style. Uh, yeah, he's got a, a, a fantastic Berliner Weitz, and uh, I think he sent us some to try. Oh, wonderful! Which is good because I know that you and JP, JP's out sick today. By the way. Uh, Doc's on his way here, but right now we're uh, a smaller crew. Um, you and JP got to taste the Berliner Weitz in Philly at the conference. Um, uh, but I had it there. The McGillan's had it, right? Yeah, exactly. That's it was right. on at the uh, the uh, the bar we talked to on the show. Remember McGillan's Old Ale House? Yeah, I didn't make it over to McGillan's. Oh, you guys cool. did, yeah. yeah. That's my first uh, stop. We, did, we went there more than once, yeah. and that, I had that beer both times we were there. It was excellent. And did you guys end up meeting the owner uh, who did the interview? Chris, yeah. He hung out with us. Oh, nice. Uh, he was definitely there. He was stoked. He, he liked being on the show. Cool. And uh, that beer was great. I mean, uh, they had, I can't remember if McGillan's made the syrup themselves or if they got, but they definitely served it with some Woodruff syrup. You could get raspberry as well. Okay. It was delightful. So we just have the plain Berliner Weitz version here. Yes. That's fine, because I don't ever really do, I'll taste it every now and then because I'm curious, but I'm not a fan of the syrup in the Berliner Weitz. Of course, that's the traditional way to have it, but I just want that kind of dry, sour. Yeah. It's a session beer too, right? Yeah, it's really low ABV. uh, Yeah. Under four. Okay. All right, well, I'm excited to try that. We'll do that uh, today. we got a few other things going on. We're going to be doing our Brewcaster Challenge. It'll be our last update before the finale show, mm. which is next week, right? Yes. We're doing the finale next week. So, October 6th. So Jamel's going to call in and give us an update on how his brew day went, and Moscow's going to let us know how his brew day went, and what we'll have to do today, Tasty, is place our official bets on who we think is going to win right. the challenge. Okay. So we'll do that Um Maybe we'll, we should email J, JP and see what his vote's going to be. We'll have to do that remotely. Doc will be here later, so we'll get that. Uh, and then, yeah, next week at all, Moscow, are you, are you nervous? Uh, um, um, no, no, I'm, I wouldn't say confident, but I wouldn't say nervous either. And okay. I, I think that after uh, we talk about my brew day today, the the, the line will be uh, better than 10 to 1. Oh, yeah. I think. <laughs> okay. I mean, not that much better, but better. All right, well, that's promising, isn't it, Tasty? It means yeah, he had well, at least a decent beer yeah, day. Well, right. We had no confidence you could actually bring the beer in. So, yeah, <laughs> not that you have. Right, I yeah, will they, have beer, It's yes. definitely going to change the odds. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, well, I'm looking forward to, to tasting the beer and talking about it. So we'll talk about it with both uh, Jamil and Moscow today. Um, a couple of things to recap before we get into our announcements. Uh, the NorCal Homebrew Festival was last weekend, Tasty. <laughs> what a good time that is. It was a great time. Tasty and I went up there. Um, Doc actually showed up in the middle <laughs> yeah. of the night on Saturday. He, it was like 8, was it? 8 p.m.? Yeah. Was it middle of the night? It, I shouldn't it was, say middle of the night. Well, yet. it felt like middle of the night because we've been partying since like 10 in the morning or something. Right. Like yeah. the, the fest was kind of over. It was sort of everybody wrapping up. And yeah. at 8 o'clock at night, Doc comes walking in. So apparently he did his, his family stuff, uh, which was his son's birthday. Um and then bailed and drove, you know, the three hours up to Dobbins and hung out with us. So another great year at the NorCal Fest. I had fun. Uh, 
I would say it was a little more tame this year because it poured with rain mm-hmm. the entire day. And I mean, I haven't seen rain like this in a long time. Yeah. It just poured. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, made it kind of interesting, I thought. It, it forced you under the easy ups and then, you know, to find, you know, make friends with the people you're with or weather the weather and uh, jump from one, you know, bar to another, so to speak. Right. Because it's the traditional uh, club night format. Uh, we had like 40 clubs, I think, uh, each pouring like, you know, five to 30 beers, whatever each each one brought. So you could go to, you know, some you can actually, you know, go between the easy ups and, and not get wet. Yeah. And try different beers. You just kind of bounced around. And, yeah. So that was cool. I mean, it made it, it did make it interesting. If you wanted to, you know, it's a big square where all of the clubs are set up on the perimeter of the square. So, you know, you could venture and sort of dart across yeah. the, the field. Um, or you could just walk from tent to tent. Was there more and more of the darting happening as the, the day wore on and people got a little buzz going, you know? No, you know, you would have <laughs> thought so, but uh, I think us homebrewers are a bunch of pussies, man. Uh, they did start handing out garbage bags at one point, you know, that you could put on. Yeah. But I think most people just did the, let's go from tent to tent. Uh, don't get me wrong. There were several people who didn't have a garbage bag or an umbrella or anything oh, yeah, and just, just walked around drenched, you know. Yeah. But I think most of us... We're kind of sissies. Any good wet t-shirts? There's a lot of good-looking girls no. at that festival. Unfortunately, no. <laughs> Not this year, huh? No. Uh, well, two. I, I seem to. Re- <laughs> Is that a lot? I seem to remember <laughs> yeah, last year. Two a lot. I don't know. There uh, was no. Okay. All uh, married or with their boyfriends, too. Oh, well, I guess well when is that relevant? <laughs> it doesn't mean you can't look tasty. Well, well, so you're, who you're are we telling? Yeah. Who are you talking to there? Come on. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, there were some cute girls. Everybody was bundled up. Okay. Yeah, it, it, wasn't, yeah, it wasn't cold, a... per se, but it, it certainly wasn't hot. Maybe my perception uh, is skewed because last year it was the opposite, right? It was, it was sunny, hot. it was warm, and right. uh, the girls were wearing the T-shirts and, the, and less, you know. That's the thing. A little skin goes a long way. Yeah. In fact, it... You can turn a lot of butterfaces into, you know, uh, nice-looking ladies. Uh, and by the way, men, too. Don't get me wrong. Uh, us, too, if we have to uh, bundle up, I think become a little... Actually, no, it's the opposite. If yeah. men have to bundle up, we become more attractive. When it's hot outside and we're just letting all it all hang out, so to speak. Yeah, you don't clean up so nicely. you <laughs> yeah. got to wear a suit. Right. Um, too much hair. Anyhow, uh, you know, I had some nice beers, uh, especially at the Doe's Tent. I had some great yeah, beers at the Doe's Tent. Yeah. Um, a couple of other tents. I, I I don't like I used to. I don't go around and take notes anymore. Like ah, oh, this club had this and this club because there's so many clubs and 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 each one has so many different beers now. I really do. it's kind of like going in and just taking a stab at everything. Don't you think, Tasty? Like you kind of go in, you you look at their menu. There's 30 beers on it. Well, I always just go to the whoever's pouring beer and say, "What did you brew? I okay. want to drink that with you." And that's just how I decided. Typically, that guy's brought one, two, three, or four beers. So. That's kind of what I do and drink those beers. See, that's a good thing for you to do because you, you can talk about well, that. Yeah, you know. I talk way too long. My God, yeah. I, I, people want to like roll around with me. Right. They just get tired of my shit. I be there <laughs> one place for like 20, 30 minutes. They want to just jump all over the place. Right. Anyway, yeah, that, I can do that. It's a lot of fun. I just kind of take a stab. I'll take that. I'll take that. And, and the, the pro, I have to change that process because the problem is it's a needle in a haystack. You know, I'm just grabbing whatever. Oh, I love pale ales. Let me try it. And, you know, pale ale's hard to brew. So I'm getting a lot of shitty pale ales. Uh, and and then, of course, there's the experimental beers. Well, here's one that I brewed with a, a fireball candy and um, and a pack of Wrigley's gum. And and you're like, well, it if it if it tastes 
half as bad as it sounds, <laughs> it's going. It's not going to be pleasing. Um, good to me. You know, but I did find some good beers. I had a great Flanders Red at the Doe's Tent, like I said. Um, so that was cool. And I had some. I had some excellent meads. There were a lot of people brewing yeah, good meads this, mead year. this year. Yeah, I think there were a lot more, and uh, and and a lot of really good ones. Mm-hmm. Um, good so, for the cooler, wet weather. Like there were warmers. Right. Yeah. yeah. At that point, I needed a little buzz. You know. Yeah. You know, hearing you say that, I wonder if it's going to if there's going to be a cap on how good, like what the batting percentage is going to be, right? Because five years ago, it was you know you were saying, oh my god, year over year, it's noticeable how much better more of the brews are. And now I wonder if we've reached a sort of cap with how good it can really get no. with the batting percentage. I think it's, we've lost some ground. There's yeah. a lot more new brewers. I there mean, you go. The hobby's really doubled in the last seven, I'd say. Kind of like a listenership here. It kind of We're riding that wave, and there's just a lot of more new people into the mix. Now, they're more informed. They're better earlier than, than they used to be, but they're still fine in their way. The guys have been brewing one or two years. We're riding the wave? I thought we were the cause of the wave. <laughs> well, you might. You could, I don't know. We could be, yes. Tasty's right. It, 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 we've lost ground, but it's just a numbers game because yeah. now it was that we used to come in after the first year of going, and then it got better year after year for a couple of years. But that's because we were seeing a lot of the same brewers come back have really practiced, got some new information, and coming back with great beers. Well, we're still seeing those brewers come back with great beers now, but there are just so many new ones that it's sort of, in some ways, it's back to square one right. where we're dealing with a lot of new brewers again. Hmm. Um, but I can't help but think that what that's going to mean is, um, hmm. as it plateaus, it's always it's always going to plateau, and, and then it might rise again. Um, those new brewers, if they stick with it, we're going to be having... A plethora of good beer in coming years. I think we noticed maybe the same thing at Club Night Tasty this year, where there just were so many new brewers that uh, it, seeking out quality was was tough. A little tough. more work, yeah, a little more work. That's right. all. But I have faith. I think that uh, you're right that they're getting better faster, mm-hmm. and um, I have faith that we're going to have a, a ton of good brewers out there here pretty soon. So another great year at NCHF. I encourage you, if you're in the Bay Area or Northern California, uh, or even above Northern California, you can make it down. Uh, you know, pay attention when tickets go on sale. It sells out every year. In fact, it, uh, like everything else, it, it sold out even quicker this year. But it's always a good time. Just pretty mellow. You get to camp and, and hang out and have fun. The NorCal Homebrew Fest. Uh, another update is that uh, Moscow was up in um, Bellingham, Washington. Oh, yeah. And it was Bellingham Beer Week, which I'm. By the way, it's it, Bellingham's pretty small, yeah. isn't it? So to yeah, it have is. a beer week kind of surprises me. Yeah, well, it's only their second one, so it's you know they're just starting. And you're right, there's they're a pretty small city, pretty sleepy, and you know nobody think, thinks of anything between uh, Seattle and Vancouver. But you know there it is, right the 30 minutes south of the border there. So they get an interesting mix of uh, Canadians coming down from uh, British Columbia, okay, and people coming up from Seattle. But I mean, you know, for the size of it. They sure do have uh, some world class breweries. I mean, Chuckanut leading the way. We've oh yeah covered them on the show plenty, and they just. I mean, you talk about a world class brewery in this sleepy little city. And I mean, I mean, I say sleepy, but the the beer scene isn't. There was a, a lot of buzz around that whole town. There's a couple of new breweries open up. There's one uh, called Colshan Brewing that opened up last year. They're they're doing some great beers. They got a great atmosphere environment over at their brewery. Uh-huh. Food trucks out front, and so there's some real buzz around the scene. It was great. Nice. So what is a beer week like there? Is it the same as everywhere else, where it's just a pint night here and a beer dinner there? And or- Pretty much. Uh, what I mean, I think that they're still trying to get it established, you know. So, you know, in San Francisco or Philly, you know, the businesses 
are dying to be a part of it. And I, you know, I think it costs money to be on the list of events and stuff. But, oh, yeah. you know, in Bellingham, they're still going to the businesses. Hey, please carry some beers. Hey, please be a part of Beer Week. But they've done a good job. You know, lots of the lots of the places around town are on board. And, you know, a couple of them are a little, you know, oh, it's a Belgian tap takeover. And, like, there's one tap of, like, delirium tremens, you know. <laughs> right. But, I mean, you know, with... with, with well, so- if they only have one tap, it, it is a, tech, a takeover. <laughs> That's true. Technically. Yeah. Well, but, I mean, you know, the, at that particular place that there was, you know, six taps or show and it was just the one delirium chairman's but meanwhile they've got chuck nut on tap which is like i'm stoked you stick know? with that yeah all the bellingham residents i'm sure are used to seeing it but that is just mm-hmm. a killer killer brewery what did chuck nut itself do uh, um, in the, at their facility yeah they had uh they had a, a couple they had a book signing that i went to uh and uh you know he the guy did a presentation and uh they got a couple of beers on they had a roush beer on uh, oh, yeah. that was just phenomenally good okay and uh i think uh, you know every day of the week they were they were doing something nice um and yeah it was great and they treated me really well and uh and you know i i think that that's an, a beer scene that is going to continue to blow up that'd be great yeah i think it'd be great I don't live there, so I don't have to deal with the idiots coming in and getting drunk all week for beer week. But uh, I think it would be great. What's the other brewery I've been to there? Um, uh, Boundary Bay? Yep, I went there, too. They had some good beer. Yeah. Small little system that you can see right from the bar. Um, Actually, it's not even that small. I think that I think they move more beer out of their brew pub than any brew pub in the U.S. Oh, yeah? I think they're like literally number one in that category. I think it's still only a, like a seven-barrel system or something. It could though. be so. Yeah. Maybe it's just that they're selling brew almost all of it on site, and, okay. and they're brewing all the time. But, I mean, that, that place is popping. That place has been for as long as I've been going up to Bellingham. That place has really excellent food and uh, great atmosphere. It's on the water. Um, so, I mean, just every spot that's up there is, is, you know, sort of above its britches, you know? Right. Well, there you go. Another beer week, Tasty. Beer weeks are everywhere. Yeah, it's a great format. Now. We should have a Martinez beer week. <laughs> and just, How would that go? And there's be a bunch of homeless guys. And, <laughs> Drinking uh, malt liquor. <laughs> beer week. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Doc's made it into the studio. Hey. And, uh, what do you have, a soccer game with the kids? Two-day soccer tournament. And, Did uh, the boys win? Yeah. Oh, yeah? Yeah. They won the whole thing? Yep. They won their division, yep. Nice. It was like right, uh, double overtime and Ooh. scary stuff right at the Exciting. end. Wow. So, so now one, they're, they're all out drinking and partying? Yeah, I did say take them out and do that. <laughs> what are they, eight or something? How old is Bryson? I forget. Thirteen. Oh, okay. Not, they're out shooting up, not drinking. Yeah. yeah. Well, they're in, they're in Stockton, of course. <laughs> right. They're doing a little meth to celebrate. All right. Well, those are your updates on events that we've been to uh, recently. Here's some updates on events coming up. You'll find us at the uh, Oak Toberfest in Oakland. Uh, JP will actually be there. Um, that is uh, Saturday, October 5th. It's an all-day event happening down there. Just uh, check out Oak Toberfest, and we'll have merch on sale there. And you can, you know, poke fun at JP. And I don't know. I think there's a bunch of food. And uh, as Jade from HopTech was telling us, it's kind of a, a whole family event. There's not some isolated beer tent. You can bring the whole family and grab a beer and walk around and enjoy all of it. So come see us out at Oktoberfest. That's uh, coming up Saturday, uh, October fifth. Just uh, a little less than a week away. Also, uh, the Great American Beer Festival is coming up. Uh, I think it's just me and Tasty from our crew this really? year. I forget if Nate said he was going. Nate will be there. Yeah, he'll be there just Saturday, I think. He is. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, but we'll be out there, and we have a booth. As always, we're in the Home Brewers Pavilion, so you can come meet us, and we'll have our merch and all sorts of cool stuff there. You can take photographs, not only with us, but with our likenesses. We have cardboard cutouts uh, in case we're not around. You can take photos with and do dirty yeah. 
do dirty things with them. Put holes where there shouldn't be holes. <laughs> we got a dock one. I know that. We didn't have a All dock right. one last year, but uh, we took some photos to get a dock one there this year. That's going to get some action. Oh, God. We still got the Tasty one. Uh, plus, it, Tasty will be up? there live. I, I got to take a look at them because I might need to order a new one. It's getting kind of late. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I should take a photo of you tonight before you leave. Uh, I didn't use the same photo. You still have it. I'll send it to you. It was a little, I, th- I think I remember it being a little short. Well, oh, that's a production issue. Yeah. Could you give me about 6'5", I'd like to be. <laughs> you want I'm, me to... And then I'm like 5'7". You want to be looking down. I mean, Doc might look like he's about 4'5". I don't know. Yeah, you got to be careful. I, he might be bigger than me if they, in his incarnation, actually. Oh, I was loving Doc because I'm looking through the pricing, and JP's a, he's an expensive motherfucker because the guy's like 6'5", or, or something. by the inch, yeah. <laughs> Doc's a shit. He's a bargain. <laughs> <laughs> Get two of me. Yeah. Well, and it, and they don't do like half sizes, so it's like, uh, you know, 5' or 6' foot, and I'm like, oh, yeah, 5' foot, perfect. <laughs> We'll, we'll yeah. do a little camera work, and it'll be great. You put me on a pedestal. <laughs> yeah. So I was loving you this week, Doc. You're, you're like a fucking coupon. Hey, well, uh, just make sure you uh, wet sponge me off at the end. <laughs> <laughs> right before I bring you home? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I Sanitize me. Uh, all right. So we'll be out at the GABF. Uh, of course, you can watch all of our live broadcasts. We'll be broadcasting all week from the Brewer Studio Pavilion, where we're doing, uh, like we always do, different panel discussions, and I'll be moderating some of them. Other ones, uh, uh, you know, just we'll get the brewers up there. I know we've got one from Stone, and uh, there's all kinds of good stuff. There always is. You can go to the Great American Beer Festival uh, website and check out the whole schedule, and, and that, that'll be uh, our broadcast schedule. You can watch all of that at thebrewingnetwork.com slash GABF. Not to mention the awards ceremony on Saturday where you get to watch your favorite breweries uh, and cheer them on, see who wins. That's the Great American Beer Festival. Uh, sorry, uh, thebrewingnetwork.com slash GABF. Uh, you'll be able to watch it all. And we'll put a link there on our homepage so you can find it. The Winter Brews Festival is coming up Saturday, January 25th. You ready for this, Tasty? I am so ready. We got a little time ahead of us, but we're planning, and it's going to be another great year. I'm, I'm talking to breweries now. Uh, we're planning some new things. It's going to be another fantastic festival. It is once again in Toto Santos, uh, downtown Concord, our favorite spot to do a fest. It's Rain great there. They got a nice uh, music uh, stand there, and uh, yep. all the breweries bring special beers, and uh, we have, always have a great music lineup. That's right. And this year is no exception. We've got Lucas Ohio oh, Patty yeah, yeah. is going to play. He's great. Yeah. And Forrest Day is back. He's got a brand Both new album, so we're putting the two of them together. Nice. nice. It's going to be our awesome. best. It's going to be our best lineup. I might in a long actually time. go. <laughs> you might actually show up <laughs> wow. this year. Yeah, I had. I you know I I we always have the Jimi Hendrix guy, oh, but yeah. I was like you know. Lucas, Lucas is rocking. Yeah, and his full band. His Forrest band. has got a new album, so I axed the the Jimmy guy this year. Uh, oh. He he can't just do a little like small slot. He's too good to give him like a fifteen minute opener. Yeah. So we'll bring him back, you know, in in, in another. He's done it now for uh, a couple years in a row. So I think Lucas is going to be a great uh, yeah, new, definitely new band to, to bring in. You should have him just come hang, you know, and drink. Yeah, I don't know. He does, he's not that way. Um, he's a, he wants some cash. Uh, he's a professional musician. Every time I call him, he's like, uh, he's very nice. Don't get me wrong, but he's a professional. Uh, yeah, oh, I love that fest. What are you paying this year? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you want to come hang out? I don't know. What are you paying? <laughs> so uh, yeah, he's he's a pro. Uh, anyway, Lucas, Ohio, Patty, and Forest Day. Uh, we'll have a website up soon. Um, tickets will go on sale, but I'm just giving you guys a, a save the date. It's Saturday, January 25th. As always, it's the weekend between the Super Bowl and the playoffs, so we don't we don't fuck with your sports hangover. You know, we we'll yeah. give you we we'll give you our own hangover. Yeah, we know who would, who would lose on that. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> 
Uh, all right, so that's Saturday, January 25th. Dr. Homebrews is online. That's uh, JP's new show, Dr. Homebrew. You can find it on iTunes and on the ONTAP page right there on our homepage. I got a new uh, episode posting tomorrow, as a matter of fact. But just search Dr. Homebrew, and you can subscribe to it. It's a great new show, and uh, they're do- the boys are doing a great job on that. You got Lee Shepard hanging out, and Brian Cooper, and JP, and those are uh, Brian Cooper and, and Lee are uh, BJCP master judges, and you right. can send in your beer and have them give you feedback on it. So Good it's a bad. pretty, you know, it's a pretty excellent resource that you don't really. There, there's not, there's nothing else like it. I mean, other than entering a competition where you're one of hundreds of other beers right. getting feedback, these guys are are sitting down and focusing on two brewers per episode, and, so been, and their palate's not dead by the time they get to your beer. Yeah, and they're not trying to save points. Right. And for the end? No, no, because they're not necessary. I mean, they might give you a score. Here's how it would do in competition. But, yeah, they're not looking to, like, oh, I better not score this too high. You're just getting some raw feedback from master BJCP judges. In it's real a- time. I'm loving it. I think it's a great a great show, and the boys are doing a good job. Um, so check it out uh, right here on the Brewing Network. Uh, you can uh, help support the Brewing Network by shopping on Amazon. You just click the Amazon link on our homepage, and then shop as normal, and we get a little cut. Do we have a product of the week, Moscow? Yeah, this week it's the uh, it's a hardcover book called 25,000 Years of Erotic Freedom mm. by Alan Moore. Uh, someone ordered it's the, the description. With each new technological advance, porn has proliferated and degraded in quality. Today, porn is everywhere, but where is the art? 25,000 Years of Erotic Freedom surveys the history of porn and argues that the success and vibrancy of a society relates to its permissiveness in sexual matters. Really? Yes. I, I don't have an argument against yeah, it, but I, but I, but I, don't, years? I, don't, I, don't, I don't understand the title. 25,000. What was porn like back then? Yeah. Uh, Wasn't everybody just naked back then anyway? <laughs> yeah, was that just walking around was porn well, back then? I wonder if this was stemmed by our uh, person who didn't want to listen anymore because we promoted Pornography. Right. It might have been that this guy. Is art. <laughs> this is art. This is art. Remember, where's the art? You know, I've it. never been able to look at porn as art. And I hope we, we never, as a society, never do that. I hope we never go, oh, now it's, now fucking is art. It's beautiful. And I just, yeah. come on. It's not, if you want beautiful sex, get married. And, you know, no, it's beautiful for like HBO. the first night. And, yeah, right. <laughs> you watch Skinamax yeah. where, you have to, where they're erotic and it's very lovely and nice. Porn is, it's not meant to be art. Is no, it? it's like sex. If it's not naughty, it's not good. Right. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I give my permission. Wasn't that why Deep Throat from the 70s became such the, the phenomenon that it was? Because the sort of New York, L.A. crowd announced, oh, this is art. And then so everybody went and saw it, you know? Yeah, I, I don't remember that, but that could be the case. Yeah, but the people from the late 60s and the 70s were fucking douchebags. Let's face it. Oh, everything's art or, now. Oh, they were slimy. <laughs> yeah, it's all art now with your hairy vaginas and balls. Deep Throat was from the Nixon <laughs> Watergate thing. Well, it was, deep, no, no. but Deep Throat, the movie, was a takeoff from that, yes. I think, basically. Oh. No, I think it was the other way around, wasn't it? No, Deep Throat, the movie, uh, came was first. first yeah. Oh, it was first? Yeah. yeah. And oh. then, and then well, he, and really? how the hell did that guy get that name? <laughs> what was he doing <laughs> yeah, in that parking garage? Well, yeah, he, he, <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, he picked it. I thought, oh, he did? That was just a code name he went yeah. down. Because it was, it was hip <laughs> to be that. It was, oh. yeah, it was uh, pop culture at the time. Yeah, I don't know what the backstory is on that. Deep Throat, uh, the movie was 1972. Okay. And, Deep uh, Throat, the scandal? Let's see, what was Watergate's? Yeah. I think he disguised his voice. He put the guy in the scandal, I should say. Watergate was 72, so it was around the same time. Yeah, I see. It was in pop culture. Hmm. Coincidence? I think not. <laughs> uh, anyway, I, I still don't understand the title of this book of our Amazon. 25,000 years. Uh, you, know, you know, 
you probably got Neanderthals by the campfire, and you know, <laughs> couple people kicking back, watching. Some so, stuff. is it that like like one guy, the the guy who paints on the walls, is watching two other people fucking, and he's just painting it on the walls? Absolutely. Is that the history of yeah, porn? And, yeah, and they I'm char- charges, <laughs> he charges people to come and look at the wall. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah you want to see this? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> Pop up ads. That'll be one tusk and a half of a rib. <laughs> if you want to watch this, if you want to check this out. Oh man! Oh, I hear he's got the best walls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, well, thanks for ordering it, you perv. Clucknuck is way dirtier than oomph doomph. <laughs> uh, clearly, those were names back then. Uh, all right, you can listen Probably to this. Names now. Uh, you can listen to this on the go uh, with our iPhone and Android apps. Just search BN Mobile and iTunes or the Android uh, Marketplace, and uh, they're free. Uh, if you if you see a, a, a paid one on there, you shouldn't see it anymore. It should be gone. If you don't pay, our apps are free, and then you can listen live on the go. And whatever's playing at the time, uh, we'll be there. I just found out my kid listens live because. He downloads the same apps I do when I download them, so he's got this app. Oh shit! And he he didn't tell me he'd been listening for quite a while. Oh really? Yeah. Really? Yep. Mm. Why well, is this the older one? I hope. no. It's the younger one. Yeah. Oh shit! Mm. <laughs> is he like listening every week? Yeah, but he's a critique. He's a critic too, man. <laughs> is like, he? Dad, you weren't very funny. This you weren't week. very funny. You don't talk enough. Really? You know? It's like. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, Dad, you were a little mumbly this week. How, how long were you listening? Uh, I've been listening a while, Dad. Really? Yeah. JP's dick jokes weren't that good this week, Dad. <laughs> yeah. You got some better ones than that, don't you? Come on. Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. He has, he has a few things to say. Did you ask him to stop listening, or are you going to allow this? No, I just told him not to tell his mom. <laughs> yeah, you tell him to stop listening. And, and you don't know. tell his mom how to listen. Wow. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or what I said. So the older one hasn't listened, or you don't know that I don't yet. think he gives a shit, but right. for some reason... The younger one does. Yeah, he's been... Well, he's the entertainer in the family. Maybe he's just doing homework. Yeah. Mm. Might have to start grooming this kid, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And start bringing him to the show. So if you Google a picture of Alan Moore... The whole title of the book makes a lot more sense. Oh, yeah. Is that the author of 25,000 yes. Years of Porn? Is he like 25,000 years old looking? <laughs> yes. Right. Wow. He's uh, around at that campfire with Mook Look. All right. Yes, he right. might drive a, a van with no windows. Oh, God. Uh, yeah. A Flintstone mobile. Is he naked in his author pick? Uh, he looks like John Foster with longer hair and a longer beard. <laughs> and a creepier look, if you can believe that. What do his balls look like? They're not in the photo? Uh, I haven't found one. No. <laughs> I'm still, I'm still looking. Yeah, yeah. What's his name? Alan Moore. You have to search Alan Moore balls <laughs> in Google Images and see what you find. All right. Uh, also, you can support us uh, by subscribing and joining the BN Army. Just hit the donate button there on the homepage, and uh, recurring donors are entered into the More Beer Monthly giveaway. That's a chance to win a hundred bucks. Uh, it's a gift certificate to More Beer, our our wonderful sponsor of this program and every Sunday session. Go to morebeer.com and check them out. Uh, you can watch this live over at thebrewingnetwork.com slash TV and then click on the most current episode uh, and there there will be our shining faces streaming to you live whenever we're live. Or shiny heads. Get all these updates and more over on Twitter and Tay-tay. Tay-tay. Uh Send show ideas to scott uh, at scott at thebrewingnetwork.com. Send your feedback to feedback at thebrewingnetwork.com. Uh, we don't have JP this week. As I mentioned earlier, he is out sick. Um, but I thought we'd do the Twitter game forum 
anyway. Please. I look forward to that. Um, yeah, Twitter game's fun, although it has to be tweeted out, so someone has to figure out how to do that without JP I, here to I, do I it. don't do that. I think I can do it at the break. I think I know how to do it, sort of. Uh, Twitter game is brought to you today by our old friends, our good friends at Downtown Joe's Brewery in Napa. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're back supporting the program. Wonderful. Glad to have back. Hung out with Colin at the NorCal Homebrew yeah, Festival, he was actually. There. Uh, apparently, yep. apparently, I did, too. <laughs> yeah, we had a good time with Colin. He's fun. I didn't see him. <laughs> you hung out with him, but didn't see him. Right. <laughs> uh, I don't remember him. Go to downtownjoes.com and check out our good friends. They're bringing you this Twitter game. The Twitter game is this, with JP out sick, you know, just in case. Oh. And clearly, I don't wish this upon him. I know where him. this is going. I, mean, I, I don't know, but just in case, it's it's terminal. I mean, we all know that JP's a bit of a hypochondriac. Uh, he's uh, constantly worried about having a heart attack or spontaneously combusting. I don't know. He's Or, always, <laughs> or touching somebody. Yeah. It's fair. His cholesterol was like 714. He does have a, an insane uh, cholesterol level that apparently he inherited because he doesn't eat all that bad. But um, well, yeah. He grills like every form of meat known to man. <laughs> yeah, but not a, not as much as you might think. I think he likes to, to talk about it and research it, but he actually eats pretty well. And he certainly started to eat well when he found out recently, again, that his cholesterol was, was gnarly. And it didn't it didn't fix it, even chain, even altering no, his diet a little. It, it doesn't. So anyhow, uh, that aside, the the man, he's, that's not the only thing he's worried about dying. That might be the only valid thing the poor kid's worried about dying from. Everything else is just he's just worried in general. Yeah. Well, a stroke. He's got he's sick now. <laughs> Let's just say hypothetically, hypothetically, him in an alley. it's terminal. <laughs> so if JP dies oh. this week, what will you miss most about JP's contribution to the Brewing Network? Do you know, think about the things he does, uh, the games he creates, uh, comments he makes? I don't know. Um, uh, think about your old friend JP and tell us what you'll you'll miss the most. And tonight there'll be there'll be two prizes for the Twitter game. First of all, we'll give our normal gift to whoever has the best one. And if JP actually dies, we'll read your tweet <laughs> at his funeral. We'll read the thing that you'll miss the bonus, most right. at his funeral. Uh, I just I thought that would be a, a good bonus. It is a good bonus. Why are you pointing your beer at look, me, Doc? Look at what I found on the bottom of my beer. What's I can't see. Uh, is it a bug? Yeah. Oh, that's gnarly. I know. That's disgusting. You drank the whole thing. Yeah, I did. There's like a centimeter left. Uh, the well, I, got down to the, I got down to the bug. <laughs> at least it didn't go in the mouth, which would have made me throw up, by the way. Well, well you know, looking down when you tip yeah. that up and like, oh, that's no. Actually, even thinking about it, just going think in the JP mouth would have seen that. Up. Yeah, he would have died. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just, just look at it like the uh, tequila with the worm in it. It's a delicacy. Eh. All right, so tweet your answers in to uh, Brewing Network over on Twitter and let us know what will you miss most about JP if he dies. And we'll read it at his funeral if that actually happens. That's going to be a weird conversation I have to have with Taryn. So, Taryn, uh, I sort of last week came up with this game... <laughs> Where I promised a listener I would read his fucked up now, tweet. Now stop crying. I'm not done. <laughs> yeah, I'm not done. Um, I promised I'd read his tweet at the. Well, is it bad? Well, it's not good. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know that. Yeah, that's true. We don't know. Well, we sort of know. It's, <laughs> <laughs> we know what's coming, and we know what we're going to pick too, don't we? So, all right. Twitter games brought to you today by our good friends over at uh, Downtown Joe's. Uh, I think Colin's going to come in and do a Bruce Strong soon. Uh, his new water book with uh, John Palmer is out now. Yeah, okay. uh, pre-orders are over. I think it's about to to release that you can start actually ordering. So I've got I got one. mine. I got mine from Amazon uh, this week. Oh, so it is up now. Yeah, great. Did you click through the BN link, Tasty? I certainly did. Oh, right. oh boy, I've got one next to me here on the desk. I'm going to steal. Uh, Moscow, write Tasty a check for uh, four dollars. 
It's actually like 36 cents. Is that what it is? Well, interest. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it. Give him four. He works hard. Uh, all right. Bonus. I think we got time for some feedback before we get to our guests. Yay. So let's do that. Oh, my God. You've got mail. Kick ass. All right, feedback's brought to you today by Keystone Homebrew Supply, our good friends over at Keystone. We love those kids. And in fact, they're local to our guests tonight, aren't they? Yeah, Pennsylvania. There we go. Keystone Homebrew Supply, bringing you feedback tonight. Uh, hey, Brewcasters, uh, this is from Dave in, in uh, Worcester, Mass. That ma- What's M-A? That's Mass, yeah. right? Thank yep. you. Good. God, i got to go back to this. The longer you are from college, the less... You remember anything. Like, spelling is getting really bad now, and, and I don't remember what a fucking pronoun is anymore. Like, if someone goes, oh, find the pronoun. I don't know. And you can't see anymore. <laughs> it's, you know, I, I gotta read more things. Stop listening to reading things. All right. Hey, Brewcasters. I was just listening to the session with Boxing Cat Brewery and caught the bit of beer news about a new Trappist brewery in Austria. Uh, it was mentioned that there weren't any Trappist uh, Abbeys in the U.S. on the show, and I thought you might be interested to know that there is a Trappist Abbey in Spencer, Mass., uh, that's planning to open up a brewery in the near future. Uh, not uh, No opening date yet, but from what I've heard, they've been uh, working with one of the brewers from Chimay, and it's a pretty sure thing. So thanks for all you do. That's from Dave. All right. Thanks for the update. I also seem to remember I should have looked this up, but I didn't. Um, I think there's one in on the west coast here, north of us, like north of Chico. I seem to remember that there's yeah. a Trappist Abbey. Maybe it's just an Abbey. Maybe it's not a Trappist. It's an Abbey, but I don't think it's a Trappist. Okay. Well, th- what I meant when I said that was that uh, it is recognized by the International Trappist Association. And as of now, that just is Chimay, Orval, Rochefort, West Mall, West Vlederen, uh St. Benedictus, and Koenigshoven. And uh, Gregorius, okay. which is the new one that I mentioned, Stift Engelzel. And I would be, I'd be wary that this one opening in Mass would be a registered Trappist. An Abbey is one thing, but a Trappist is is another. I'm not saying it's not, Dave. You, you might be right, but I think similar to our one here on the West Coast, it uh, just look into it and let us know. I'd love to have a Trappist brewery in the U.S. That'd be great. All right, um, Shark Guy 05 writes in. Um, oh, what's up, my niches? Uh, do you guys know when you'll be getting the black zipper hoodies with the mash paddles uh, back in, in in non-fat-ass sizes? Yeah, uh, next week. Our new store is going up next week with uh, all sorts of new merchandise, including uh, both of the zips that we had. So you'll be able to order. Um, coming up. Those things get a lot of comments. <clears throat> that, that I That's of any BN merch I've ever worn. People that love people them. love them. And girls especially. They... they they like wearing them, and they like commenting on them. Yeah, we got a whole bunch coming in, so they should... I'm hoping that store goes up Monday. We'll, we'll see how that goes. Uh, what else? He says, uh, keep up the awesome work. Screw the bitches and whiners and JP, lots of love, bro. Uh, also, a question. So if you have a wife and a girlfriend, is it okay for them to hang out? And what does it mean if they make out, but the girlfriend is like, is like kissing is cool, but I don't want to eat your snatch? That's from. Why did JP highlight that? What? That's the part that I should read. Let me let me make sure I understand this. So, guy's married, and he also has a girlfriend. And can they hang out together? And if they do, like they only kiss, but there's no there's no oral play between the two. I don't know, man. Do what do what you feel is right. <laughs> what the am, when did I become the expert on uh, swingers? You know, uh, kick it all into the shower. Do Maybe it'll to, work out. Probably make a call. <laughs> Tasty. Yeah. Can you take this one? <laughs> yeah. Let me get this one. Yeah. 
That might, I got be, this. That might be the guy that ordered uh, 25,000 years of erotic freedom. Right. The first, uh, oh. last 10 years. You should make a call to your dad. <laughs> My dad would know. I should call. <laughs> yeah, confusing know. book for a confused man. <laughs> I should call Spare Dad on this one. And I think he would say it's fine if they don't want to go down on yeah. each other. You got two broads there. One knows the other. You're only married to one. If they only want to make out. Just keep making out. Listen, you are ahead of the ge- ahead of the curve, man. First floor, second floor. I'd say anything is okay. Yeah. If you have, if the two, it's all gravy. If the two know about each other and that's fine, everything is else is... Exactly. You're doing great. It's all good. You're ahead of the curve, man. Yeah. All right, Scuba Steve writes in, uh, Hey, asshats, I have to say, uh, you guys are some lucky fucks who can hang out and talk about beer and possibly get paid for it while drinking. Even though some people don't like your show, and I say F them, I think you guys are funny, and your show makes me laugh at work while listening to uh, informative guests. Thanks. Uh, keep up the good work from Scuba Steve. Thanks, man. It is, it's a good gig we have here. No, I'm not complaining. Uh, Charlie writes in, uh, Hey, BN non-asshats. Greetings and positive feedback from the UK. I've been a home brewer for about five years and been a listener to the podcast sporadically for around four years. Uh, I know people give all sorts of criticism and random bullshit as feedback, but I think that's just further testament to the quality and quantity of information you give. You guys set the bar high, and I see it as some people being familiar with and wishing to maintain the high expectations you've set as precedent. Uh, Anyway, I just thought it was time I sent in a little thank you and keep up the good work. Also, good work uh, on Dr. Homebrew, JP. Uh, Blah, blah, blah. Uh, thanks from the UK, uh, from Charlie. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. And I guess you're right. Yeah. uh, By the way... I don't think any of us get down on negative feedback. It's very rare that one gets under our skin, and I think you're right. It's a testament to people who are listening. They're listening even if they hate us because they want to know what stupid things we do that they can be angry about. They want to be haters. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Sent from my wife's crappy laptop writes in, uh, Dear BN, don't worry. This is not another angry email berating you for taking a week off. In fact, I'm glad you're taking a week off. Uh, it will give me a chance to catch up on all the beer podcasts that aren't as good as yours. Uh, kudos to Moscow for producing a string of great shows. And kudos to Disneyland for whatever it does that keeps JP fresh and funny. Uh, <laughs> suck at other podcasts. You're, you're all right, but you're all right, but you're no BN. Okay. But I'll listen anyway. Right. <clears throat> That's the thing. Like, it, we're lucky now because if you think about it, like people like to compliment us that we've set the bar high, and, and maybe we have. But let's be honest, the competition is dismal. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the day that a really another professional podcast comes out, uh, we're in trouble. Don't you think? We're change our game. Like, <laughs> we have to, what? Say, Who are these guys? We have to start showing up more uh, than more yeah, than like yeah. just Showtime yeah. and uh, actually be, doing something. Or a minute after. Right, yeah. Got to be aware of the up and coming. <laughs> oh, you hear these guys? Exactly. Let's okay. hope they don't figure out how to just order a decent mic. Because that's all it takes. <laughs> right. Uh, did I tell you? know, I used to get emails from other podcasts like asking me for audio stuff, like information. And I would give it, but I wouldn't give all of it. You know, I, I would point people in the right direction and go, yeah, if you do a little research here and there, and, and here's a couple pieces of, of equipment that are key. Uh, but the rest, look, I'm not going to give you, you know, give away all my trade secrets. But. Them, them writing you, that was them doing research. <laughs> yeah, let's just ask Justin. Hey, you spent four long years in community college to learn that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. And, could... yeah. and another two at a real college, <laughs> by the way. Uh, and then how many years as a shitty board op at, a, at CBS uh, just gl- hanging out with the engineer? Who has since committed suicide, by the way? No, right. Uh, which is not which is not funny, but uh, yeah, I forget his name now. But which sucks because I actually really I like the guy. He is the guy who built uh, 
the original uh, San Francisco KFRC. Like, he was behind that original sound and had been with the company for years. And he was a nice guy. He was a busy guy. But I would take any chance I could get, which was most of the time, because being a board up at, at a shitty AM station means you're just sitting around babysitting a, a signal. So I would leave and go hang out with this guy and just ask him about audio chain shit. And he was he was really cool about it. Yeah, he jumped in front of a train or something. Oh, my. How yeah. long ago? Like a year ago. Wow. Yeah. Kind of a kind of a shitty way to go. I wonder if it's something about the radio game. How long do we have? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right before I jump in front of a train. Right. I don't know. He probably found that, you know, all that radio streaming stuff gave him a tumor. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I'm not going out like that. Yeah. <laughs> Ain't nobody got time for that. All right. Uh, last one. Uh, Matthew writes in, uh, Hey, Asshats. I started listening to many of the archive podcasts uh, of both Brewing with Style and Bruce Strong episodes. Great information and entertainment. As of tonight, I've listened to my first episode of the Sunday session. It was uh, the one with Michael Jordan. That was... Uh, <laughs> that was Boxing Cat. Boxing uh, last show. Yep. Uh, I laughed so damn hard out loud throughout all of it. Great uh, combination of hosts. Uh, Justin, you're funny. Thanks, man. Uh, I see myself wasting more hours of listening to you asshats. Fuck. Thanks from Matt. All right. There you go. <laughs> That's how it starts, man. Uh, and by the way, this the thing about our shows. Like, not all of them are all that funny. I'm the first one to admit it. So... Most of the time when I meet listeners who go, uh, or non-listeners, I should say, yeah, no, I tried the show. I, I couldn't get into it. It's because they tuned into the wrong one. Like, it wasn't the one that, that like, struck the chord, right? Or, or the wrong time. The, only a portion of something. Right. And they caught us talking about wieners or something. But most people who go back to it, who go, God, everyone keeps talking about it, so I'll give it another shot. They they get hooked, you know, and they just know they got to put up with our bullshit to get to the stuff that they like, and uh, yeah, that's just the way it's it goes. A freaking soap opera, come on! Yeah, what am I going to do? That's the way it goes. All right, uh, don't forget your feedback was brought to you today by Keystone Homebrew Supply, our good friends uh, over there. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, it's time to get into the good stuff. We got Scott from Round Guys Brewery coming on the program, and. Uh, He's got some crazy stories, an interesting brewing setup. And and, interesting beers, too. And very interesting beers. Join Bevo in the chat by hitting the chat button on the homepage or call 888-401-BEER to ask your own questions. We'll be right back. It's the session. You're listening to the Brewcasters. Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. Since the first time the Brewing Network microphones turned on, More Beer was behind it. More Beer sponsors the programming on the BN because, like you, they love brewing. And like the Brewing Network, they love sharing their knowledge. Morebeer.com isn't just a website to place your next equipment or ingredient order. Morebeer.com also gives you access to free beer information that will make you a better brewer. Go to morebeer.com and click into the Learning Center. You'll find podcasts, technical facts, video tutorials, and more, including access to The Buzz, More Beer's social network of more than 5,000 members. And some of them might even be crazier about beer than you are. Get over to morebeer.com today and take advantage of the buzz, the forum, the learning center, and make sure you're signed up to receive the newest More Beer catalog. More Beer, bringing you absolutely everything for beer making. Hi, I'm Jamel Zanishef, and in addition to my work on the Brewing Network, I write the style profile column in every issue of Brew Your Own magazine. 
Hi, I'm Sean Paxton, and when I'm not prepping for the homebrewed chef on the Brewing Network, you can find me writing articles on how to cook with your homebrew for Brew Your Own magazine. Greetings, Cretans. This is John Palmer, and when I'm not writing for Brew Your Own, I'm reading it. John Palmer, Sean Paxton, Jamil Zanishev. If you love listening to them on the Brewing Network, you'll love reading their articles, tips, and recipes in the pages of Brew Your Own magazine. Join Jamil, John, and Sean eight times a year in Brew Your Own. And when you subscribe to BYO on the Brewing Network website, half of your subscription price goes right back to the BN to support great beer and food programming. So sign up for Brew Your Own magazine through the BN website today so you can listen and read Read your way to better homebrew. Nico, listen, our lawyers said that we had to do this for one hour, and after this, we don't have to talk to each other for three more months at the, to the next meeting. Kids. Come on, let's get out of here. I'm supposed to have more lines, so I'm the professional. <clears throat> hey, it's Sully. And I'm Nico. And we opened the 21st Amendment nine years ago at 563 2nd Street in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park, to make great beer and have a great time doing it. That's right, because to us, the 21st Amendment is more than just the right to make beer. It's the right to experiment, to be innovative, and just do things differently. And so now, we're putting our craft beer in cans. That's right, cans. You can find our world-famous Heller High Watermelon Wheat Beer and Brew Free or Die IPA throughout California and Alaska. And now, it's also available on draft at select accounts in the Bay Area. So next time you're at your local neighborhood pub or good beer store, be sure to ask for 21st Amendment in cans. Because everyone likes it in the can. Tasty Crack Cans. Tasty Crack Cans. A vial of White Labs yeast is the key to your best beer. When you open a vial of White Labs yeast, you're giving your beer its best chance for a perfect fermentation. In addition to their already incredible variety of yeast, White Labs is proud to announce WLP 90, San Diego Super Yeast, now available year-round. WLP 90 is super clean, super fast fermenting, with low esters and has a neutral flavor and aroma profile. It's alcohol tolerant and highly flocculent. For more of the latest White Labs news, click over to whitelabs.com, where you can read reviews of yeast, learn in the lab section, and join the customer club. And if you should find yourself in San Diego, White Labs has a brand new training facility for craft brewers and home brewers alike. Whitelabs.com. Discover yeast, nutrients, enzymes, and more for commercial breweries, home brewers, and homebrew stores. White Labs. It's all in the vial. Hi, I'm Jason Harris, the proud owner here at Keystone Homebrew Supply. We're thrilled to be entering our 20th year of supplying this great industry. And to show you, the Brewing Network Army, how much we appreciate your support, we're offering you 10% off your first order on our website, keystonehomebrew.com. Just use coupon code BNARMY at checkout, and I'll get your order out the same day. My goal at Keystone Homebrew Supply has always been to have a complete supply of everything a brewer could want. When you place your order online or when you come into our store, it's our goal to have everything on your list and more. One aspect of KeystoneHomebrew.com that we're really excited about is the ability to fulfill customers' exact grain bills. Do you hate to wait? Keystone Homebrew Supply can get your precious yeast and hops to you within just one day if you live between Connecticut and Virginia and within two days east of the Mississippi. KeystoneHomebrew.com I'm Jason Harris and I approve this message. This Sit down next to it, grab yourself a paper towel, and watch those yeast have sex. You're listening to the Brewing Network. 
Welcome back to the program. Thanks uh, for sticking with us. Having a little trouble with our video, apparently. I'm trying to sort it out, but um, I'm doing about four things at once. So hang in there. We'll see if we can get it working. In the meantime, just use the normal listen link on the homepage. Podcast listeners, you don't care. You don't watch the video anyway. Scott Rudich, he's the founder and brewmaster of Round Guys Brewery uh, from Pennsylvania, Lansdale, Pennsylvania to be exact, is on the program with us. Scott, how are you, brother? Good, man. How about you? Doing all right. Thanks for joining us on the show. No problem, man. Thanks for having me. We're about to crack open some beer of yours. It's being passed around the room, so thanks for sending that in the first place. No Um, problem, man. And just the the asshole in me wants to ask you, like, nothing's going to explode or anything, right? I was just going to say that. (laughs) No. uh, However, uh, ironically, shortly after uh, the can debacle, I got um, some Sprite from Costco, and I had three cans in the case that had the seams ready to burst. Oh, really? The cans were all swelled up. So. Karma. Yeah, it was payback, huh? Bevo happens to the big guys. As you can maybe tell, Bevo's still very upset, very offended that she w- that, that her shit exploded. Yeah, right in the taxi cab on the way out. Well, her in her defense, her cab driver was Middle Eastern, and it kind of just set the whole stage for being very frightful about New York City. It was real scary. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm sorry about that, Bevo. It's okay. <laughs> well, let's start with that, Scott, because, uh, and, and for those uh, who weren't at NHC or haven't heard, uh, you know, I think that sometimes on the show here and in, in beer forums, we actually make a bigger deal out of things than, than they really were. But the, the quick backstory, as I know it, and, and Scott, you can help me along. But um, Round Guys Brewery was uh, commissioned to to brew a beer for the National Homebrewers Conference, and some of those uh, beers, uh, they were in a can, um, began to explode. Uh, so there were some complaints. Scott, you still there? I'm still here. Okay. So, so what happened? What were you asked to brew for the conference? So. Um I was approached back in February before NHC about brewing a commemorative beer. And, um, you know, I'm, most of the guys that ran the NHC were BJCP judges. And, um, you know, I'm friends with all of them. I'm a, I'm a nationally ranked BJCP judge myself. And so they asked, you want to do a commemorative beer? And, you know, we were just coming out of, um, just, you know, it was February. It was, you know, we're trying to get our seasonals together and all that kind of stuff. And I'd, you know, I was kind of on the fence with it, but, you know, being friends with these guys, I said, yeah, sure, I'll brew it. You know, how hard is it going to be? And then, you know, I found out that it's a donation. They're not buying the beer. <laughs> right. So um, there's that. Then I found, then I found out they wanted, they wanted them packaged. So now I'm down, now I'm thinking, all right, 3,400 bottles or cans or something along those lines. You know, it's not that, it's a 10 barrel batch, but still for us, a 10 barrel batch is a significant hit. Okay. Um, and uh, Philly Beer Week occurred right before NHC. Um, so logistically trying to get everything out for Philly Beer Week. I mean, we made our last delivery for Philly Beer Week um, the Wednesday of Philly Beer Week because there's you know so much volume going out. So, um, you know, we were asked – and that was the thing. Like, they they kind of chose the recipe, and they said they wanted us to make a, a Pilsner with American hops. These are the and, BJ – these are the organizers. It's not the yeah. AHA per se. It's the local committee. Yeah, no, the local yeah. committee. Okay. They're, like they're all good friends of mine, so they kept asking me, and I said I would do it. And I think they gave me about twelve opportunities to back out. And I'm just, I'm not that kind of guy. Like when someone says, "Hey, do you want to brew a commemorative beer? Do you want to brew a a beer for my restaurant?" I'm like, "Yes, let's do it." You know, like just right. I want to, I want to do that for people. And um, it just got to a point where it was painfully obvious that I was running out of time to make this beer. Um, and we don't make lagers; we make ales. So to go with a pilsner. Um, you know, it was a little bit rough and, you know, also I'm not, we, we don't, we, I don't brew a lot of Pilsners. I just, you know, I've done some, uh, 
you know, I've, I've done some, uh, you know, Oktoberfests and some, uh, some dunkles and that kind of stuff, but right. I just I hadn't practiced the recipe at all. I hadn't used the yeast before. So, Are you sure um, that your friends here weren't just fucking with you? I mean, if they know you, they're like, yeah, hey, and by the way, it's a pilsner. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't think they were because, again, one of the things that we kind of, uh, you know, made our reputation amongst the homebrew community was being able to make, you know, the Kolsch's and the Alpiers and a lot of these beers that, you know, require a lot of technical skill. And, you know, our first our first gold medal in a homebrew conference was for an Oktoberfest. So, you know, our fourth batch was a, a gold medal winning Oktoberfest. So we certainly had the chops, but that's on the five gallon, 15 gallon scale. I hadn't brewed one, you know, at the 10 barrel level um, with any, you know, degree of confidence, so to speak. Got it. Did you ever consider saying, uh, yeah, I want to brew a commemorative beer, but, you know, maybe can I pick a different style or you were just like, I'm going for it? Well, originally what we settled on was a sour mashed pretzel alt beer. So it was going to be a, a sour mashed beer with um, with Philadelphia soft pretzels in the mash. Um, and then uh, I was going to age that in um, mead barrels for however long it was going to take to get to the conference. And okay, of, the po- of all the stupid experimental beers I hear of, that one sounds awesome. Yeah. That's a, <laughs> that one's a great idea. Well, the, the problem that I've learned and I've, with playing with Berliners, and I've got a couple Berliner uh, pilot batches in the basement, when you brew a Berliner with a highly roasted malt, like a pale chocolate, or in our alt beer, we use Carafa 3 from Weirman, um there's a, an acrid character to it that just takes four to six months to fall out. Okay. So after I brewed the pilot batch, I'm like, there's no way this is going to be ready for NHC. And as much as I would like to, I would have loved to come to you know the table with a uh, a wicked exotic sour beer. I just I knew I couldn't do it. Uh, it's right. actually still sitting in our basement um, in in the mead barrels that we're hopefully going to be bringing out by Christmas time. But just for some beer information for the listeners real quick by doing a sour mash it would have been sour right away right you would that you wouldn't have had to age to get sourness you just were looking to get rid of that acrid flavor yeah i mean that's and that's again we did a we did a um a berliner vice with black patent and with pilsner and we had the same result i mean now it's wonderful but it's been sitting in in homebrew buckets i've got like four homebrew buckets in the in the basement of our brewery and it's wonderful but for the first six months that i couldn't it, it was impalatable and i wasn't going to put it out there Got it. Okay. So that doesn't work out, and then they give you the, the, the Pilsner, and you say, yeah, we could do it. We're going to go for it. Yeah. Yeah, and I, what I did is, because, you know, I figured let's do a classic American Pilsner. My idea was to make something that would be similar to what they're making in the colonial times. So um, part of the disconnect with that is that I couldn't really explain that. So was it a fruity Pilsner when it didn't explode on you? Yes, because I brewed it warmer. Because even though they had caves and all kinds of um, you know places to store the beer and lager the beer, most of the time in colonial times or in you know the the uh, time of the revolution, going with their theme, you know they're probably fermenting it at you know at ambient or in a basement is pretty much what they're doing. And then um, in Philadelphia, they didn't really have access to maize or corn. All that was being grown across the uh, um, the mountains, and that was coming into Philadelphia's whiskey. But what? What uh, Pennsylvania Philadelphians did have access to was corn and cane sugar coming in from the colonies because Philadelphia was a huge port for bringing that in. All right. So I figured I'll brew a classic American Pilsner using cluster hops, which were the native hops around here, the uh, you know the the Pilsner and the Munich malts that I have, and use some uh, some good old table sugar um, in order to make it, and that would be kind of what was available at the time. Okay. I figured it'd be easy. We we use we use uh, table sugar all the time. I'm real familiar with the malts. You know, cluster hops are, you know, they've got their own characteristic to them, but, you know, it is what it is. So this all sounds reasonable enough. Yeah. What goes wrong? 
Um, well, what goes wrong is I misunderstood. We have a, there's a couple a couple mobile packaging units around here, and one of them says they cannot fill out of kegs. They can only fill out of bright tanks. And when I brought the mobile canners in, I didn't pre-qualify them as to what they can fill out of. So the one bright tank I had was um, was overpressurized. It was at probably about three volumes, two point nine volumes, um, because our our temperature. It's hard to get our glycol our glycol system down to like thirty two for packaging. It usually settles at like forty forty one, and then we'll put them in our kegs, and then we'll hand bottle with a Blickman beer gun out of our kegs. And that's how we supply bottles to our markets and everything. You guys, you know, are drinking or filled out of Blickman beer guns. Okay, nice. Um, and uh, because it was Philly Beer Week, I had all my bright tanks backed up. So I didn't, uh, and I had to brew two batches of this beer. So I didn't brew the second batch of beer until eight days before the conference. <laughs> As a, a pilsner, yeah. As a pilsner, and it, it got <laughs> it got down within four gravity points of terminal. But again, not being really familiar with the uh, with the um, uh, with the yeast, you yeah. know, I was like, all right, this is within the realm of what a final gravity should be. And so what I did is I blended them, and I I kind of said, all right. I took my lesson. I went to uh, I went out to CBC in San Francisco, and they handed us a nice four pack of commemorative beers. Every single one of those beers was gone within two hours of me landing in San Francisco. Right, you know, long right. long flight, long drive. Pick up my stuff, go back to the room, have a couple beers, and you know then go out, put it in my fridge in my hotel room, and you know then finish them off the next day. So I never intended or thought that people would be putting this in their luggage and flying it back to San Diego. So this just, was kind I, of my thought, too, and Tasty also. We, we thought, well, you get there, you maybe, maybe you wait a day. Like you said, it might be the next night. But uh, I, I would have had the same thought as you, like we're going to do this quick. Right, and there's, what I found out, a lot of people were hoping to take them home. Right. And, you know, and that's, you know, that's a bad risk on my part that I kind of I gambled. Um, I also thought the beers would be kept refrigerated for most of the time and then just pulled out, you know, when the – when it started, and I don't know how they did things there. Maybe they did. You know, maybe the damage was done when I drove it down to uh, to Philadelphia in a ninety six degree day. But what I basically <laughs> wound up doing was blending the overpressurized batch at two point nine volumes with a beer that was about four four specific gravity points away from terminal gravity, and you know it probably got to about three point two, and that's about the limit of the seam of the cans. Got it. Okay. So literally, so, it just began refermenting in the yeah can. yeah. And it, and I'll tell you what, the ones that we put in the walk-in where the yeast actually did lager and it, you know, it sat there, they're still overpressurized. When I, when I, when I pop them, they still fizz a lot, but they're really clean. The, the, the yeast did their job. It was just, you know. <laughs> right. I mean, and, it, and that's where, you know, a lot of people are upset and I get it. You know, some dude, you know, tweeted me that he lost his laptop and oh. I get that, but I don't put beer in my bag with my laptop. You know, it's just kind of the way i operate you know right I apologize and sorry that he did that but you know it it is kind of what it is i i i, I like i like the experience it actually you know i i've had my stomach in knots for about you know a month before and two months after but right right so did you get a lot i mean other than a, a tweet like that did you actually get a lot of direct feedback or, or mostly just kind of hearing what people were saying um i got a, i got a lot of direct coming it, it was okay. you know, actually about um you know, I try not to be a dick on on Twitter, but sometimes I can't help it. Um, <laughs> right? Yeah. Especially when people are using Untapped and they like say things like "ugh, terrible beer." I'm like, you know, you just tweeted me that. You know, it's not like, <laughs> right. Yeah. It's not like it's on a forum somewhere. Like it's not like on Beer Advocate where I don't ever look because I don't want to read it. But right. Um, you know, you actually you actually called me out. I'm going to call you out. And, uh, you know, one guy I think like three weeks ago tweeted me that his can exploded, and I just I said, dude, are we still talking about that? And, like I, I, I moved on. You know. 
<laughs> yeah, I was sorry a long time ago, and now I don't know what to tell you anymore. All these exactly. tweets are just from Bevo using different aliases. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. No, I lost nothing other than the four billion stickers that they give you at the conference. Right. It's fine. Because you didn't put your laptop in your bag? I'm not retarded. <laughs> right. Uh, well, it is unfortunate, and uh, there's no way to tell, I guess, what conference goers are going to do. They, you know, they're going to save it. They're going to drink it, and uh, I don't know. What are you going to do, right, Scott? You, you you donated a beer. You spent your time brewing it, and um, you know, there's not too much people can complain about for that. How does that work with the donation? They, they just expect you to suck up all the costs. Well, so again, we're only been open for a year and a half, and our our folks over at our buddies over at Sly Fox. They went to Brewer's Supply Group, and they asked them to donate the malt. They went to Pop ah. Union. They asked them to donate the hops. They oh, went cool. to, um, you know, I don't know how many donations they got, but if you look on the, the, the side of their Saison bottle, it had all the logos of places where they donated from. Um, I'm, I, I, I'm the like, uh, we have one sales guy who also helps me brew two days a week, and he sells three days a week, and me. I don't have time to be tracking down, you know, the people who do donations at different malt suppliers in order to get my ingredients, you know, discounted or anything like that. I just, I just don't have time for that. So when push came to shove, I was like, all right, I'll suck up and absorb the roughly two batches of beer that it took right. um, in order to do this. And it's, you know, to me, it was kind of like a marketing expense, um, you know, a very painful expense. <laughs> yeah. Well, expense. listen, all press is good press, man. <laughs> Well, and, you know, to that point, we I did get a lot of people, um, a lot of homebrewers, um, NHC attendees, who did say, hey, you know, sorry about this. Um, you know, it really sucks for you, but thanks for, you know, supporting us. And Right. Um, we actually saw, I mean, I think, I don't know how many of you, you folks around Philadelphia, you know, bitching and complaining about the cans, but we saw a huge uptake in buying our beer afterwards. Oh, is that right? Um, nice. I don't know if this is people heard it round, they heard people talking about round guys. All these, you know, conference goers are talking about round guys and they didn't get the context, but... Right. Hey, I'll take it, man. <laughs> Whatever it is. I'm telling you, that, that old saying is there for a reason. <laughs> you, Probably right. You know? And by the way, I think, you know, I can understand folks, you know, being a little, uh, you know, maybe frustrated if something got wet in their bag and, and, and this and that. But but overall, I think the correct response is the one that you got from the one guys, or from the, you know, maybe several people who said, well, look, it, it didn't work out, but thanks for, for trying for us. Thanks for doing this for us. You know, because yeah. in the end, we're just a bunch of homebrewers descending on your city, and we're we're lucky enough to have a local uh, commemorative beer, I think. And like I said, what are you going to do? Shit happens, man. Yeah, I can't always be perfect. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was the most that was the most popular question at Pro Brewer Night. So what's up with the cans? Oh. Like, just have some Berliner Weiss, man. Just have some Berliner <laughs> yeah. Weiss. Let me make it up with this awesome Berliner Weiss. Exactly. I, I heard it early on was the can a couple of cans were exploding. It wasn't all of them. It's more like, hey, you might get one of the lucky ones. Right. But people stepped up as home brewers and they just said, make sure you keep it cold. They didn't say anything bad about it. They just said, you know, this has happened. People keeping them warm. They, they just keep it cold. Just keep it cold. Which, by the way, I'm glad you mentioned that, Doc, because that's the message that I got. So, sure enough, I, I went back to my room, put it in the fridge. So I. I ended up drinking that beer that night. It was yeah. fine. You know, Me too. <laughs> keep it cold. <laughs> oh, well, that happens. Well, we got a lot more to talk about with you, Scott, and I think more important stuff anyway, uh, because we've got some of your beer in front of us now, and I, I wanted to find out a little bit about the history of Round Guys, too. Um, Moscow, what are we drinking first? Well, we started with the uh, the Saison, Saison du Palm. Super interesting. It says, uh, ale aged in an apple brandy barrel. Nice. Yeah. Uh, does it have any... I'm, I'm struggling between... Whether it's the barrel, the, the kind of apple brandy tartness I'm getting, or if there's actually Brett in this beer, and I can't figure it out. Scott, 
Can you tell us? It, it is it is a sour beer. Okay. Um, we have uh, we have a natural. We have a um, a basement uh, underneath our um, our uh, fermentation room, and it's a wonderfully dank cobweb filled basement much like you might see at canteon awesome. um and all of our barrels you know we could probably get like one use out of our barrels of um of a a clean um beer and then after that they get infected and the brett is more like brett cassini um it's got more uh pineapple-y and um uh, more tropical fruit flavors and a little bit less funk okay um, but it's a it's a natural it's a natural infection that occurs so at this point i've just been like you know what we're gonna we're gonna keep using these barrels, and when they're neutral, we're gonna do lambics. We're gonna do you know we're gonna do Flemish red. We're gonna do all kinds of stuff like that. But um, you know the Saison du Pomme, the first batch was an absolute clean barrel aged Saison, um, and by the time we got to batch two, we were getting a nice you know that's actually a blend of four barrels. Um, so I'm a firm all of our all of our barrel aged beers are a blend of something fresh and a blend of um, of uh, of aged beers of different uh, character. So. That one, I know the one barrel has a, a really, it's starting to get a real acetic character to it, um, which is great because I can use that for blending and then the, the natural brett that comes in um, with the beer. And so you do get a cidery character. You do get a bit of a sour character. Mm-hmm. Um, and you do, uh, you should get your, you should get your oak and your vanilla notes are in there a little bit. Yeah, you're doing a, a you're a great blender. Your palate's good because the, the acidity that you mentioned that's in there, um, it's very subtle. It's just enough to kind of cut through it rather than, have it taste like vinegar or something else. Um, yeah. So it's a nice blend. So let me get this straight. The, the the only yeast that you did put in this was actually a Saison strain. Yeah, the, we use the French Saison strain because okay. of the uh, particular peculiarities of the Belgian Saison strain of sometimes just stopping fermentation. Um, where the French Saison yeast we use, we actually ferment it at about 94 degrees, um, and it's done in about four days. So um, we do seasonal Saisons. We do a... Um, in the spring, we do one. We'll brew it probably in the next uh, month or so. And we'll age it on mangoes and cherries uh, for about oh, about four months, and then we we'll release it in the spring. Um, and that comes out very, uh, very wine-like. Um, it's not barrel aged, but it does have that kind of uh, citric acid from the fruit because we're soaking on the fruit for so long. Right. Um, we do an IPA saison, and then uh, we do the saison du pomme, and then our Christmas beer is based off our saison yeast, and that allows us to. Um, you know, kind of bring the style out that is mostly seen as seasonal in Philadelphia. Um, it's mostly a summer beer, and we're trying to, you know, kind of work with the guys like Tired Hands who do saisons year round, and kind of get that more in the mainstream of here's a, a beer you can drink. Um, right, there's a lot of character to it. Well, I don't know why I'm telling you this as a consumer, but if you were to put this beer in a 750 mil bottle, I'm paying you more money for it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's a, just it's got a nice, like, subtle sour quality to it. And if I have to pull a cork off the bottle, the the experience to me is assumes that you've, uh, you know, that it's just a, a beer that is meant to be sipped with friends. Uh, I, I say that because uh, you've sent it to us in 12 ounce bottles, and boy, I, I would drink every drop of a 12 ounce bottle, but. Uh, this is a high quality beer. I That's I would expect good. to see in a 750 normally. Yeah, yeah we're, we're we're slowly getting into the bottle side of things. I mean, we um, you know we 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 did our we did draft almost for an entire year with just some hand bottled stuff for sale in the pub and occasional accounts, but um, it just was a time factor. And now um, we're starting to get and you know, we just bottled 31 cases of Berliner Weiss on Saturday, um, all hand bottled. Um, actually, mostly bottled by me. Wow, for 12 hours with the Blickman beer gun. With a Blickman beer gun, man. Oh, man. When did you, let me ask this just to get a perspective of where you are and, and how far you've come. Uh, when did you guys open? 
Uh, we got um, we opened March 9th. Actually, yeah, March 9th of 2012 is when we got licensed. Okay, um, to brew and sell beer, and um, we actually had a. Somehow the PA Liquor Control Board approved us two months previously without ever having inspected us or ever seeing where we were. So for two days, we were actually licensed, and we were trying to figure out how to get beer out the door right. you know, before they before they became wise to it. And then they called us back. I'm like, we're rescinding your, your approval until you actually come and check you guys out. <laughs> Did you tell them, uh, that's cool and all, but we put out beer for the last two days? <laughs> no, we didn't do that, but we did have one rip-roar on St. Patrick's Day party. That <laughs> nice. Uh, so wait a minute. I, I have a question about the uh, the the apple flavor because is it? It's like a one of the most common off flavors in beer. It's a acetaldehyde, right? Like the apple flavor. It green, can be. It can, it can be. Yeah. It's a green apple. It's a little bit different. And yeah. you would you would classify this as what kind of apple? Uh, more of a fresh tart apple. Okay. Rather than that, uh, I, I think a lifesaver is the green lifesaver apple sour apple lifesavers. Yeah. But this is a more of a tart. Uh, cider kind of. Exactly. I was going to say this one. You would be more apt to to describe as cidery. In fact, that Scott said that too. Whereas any one of us would probably pretty quickly call out acetyl aldehyde rather than apple. You would okay. if it were that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, this beer is delicious, but I just wonder, Scott, like if you have a what is the approach there to? I mean, because I mean, like in other words, if you, you would make a buttered a a buttered popcorn beer, what's like the worst thing, a worst way to start? Because you're just kind of starting yeah. with an off flavor. I mean, it's a great beer. What, what's the how to use apple and not have yeah, it taste exactly. like an off flavor? Thank you. Yeah. Um, well, I, I actually found that. Um, well, first off, when you talk about a, a subtle aldehyde, um, my assistant brewer Bill McGinney is very sensitive to it, and he is the first one on my ass if there's any acetaldehyde in a beer. Right. He's the, he's the first one to tell me. Um, but what I found with the Saison is that um, the Saisons the, the that we make, as we age them and introduce oxygen into the process, either through a barrel or through some of our other aging methods with um, you know the fruit or some of the, or the dry hopping that we do and, and hold on to it for a while, that seems to occur with the, um, with the oxidation process. Um, that's the only way I can, that's, that's the only, I mean, the non-scientific way I haven't studied a lot. Um, but trying to avoid the acetaldehyde and, and get in that cidery flavor is not something that, you know, this is the second batch we've done. The third batch, um, we, uh, is still, is still in the barrels and people say, when's it going to be done? And I always tell them, I always tell them the barrel is going to tell me when it's done. You know, it, it, it's not, it's going to be just from tasting it and sitting down and trying to do blends and figure out when it tastes like this again. Right. Um, but you know, I, I can't. I can't claim to be like, you know, like, like, um, you know, the guys from Jolly Pumpkin or Vinny Slurs at Russian River and tell you I know a whole lot about barrels. All I know is you put it in and if it's sour and you get that oxygen exchange, you get some really cool flavors. And I'm recognizing this cider type flavor seems to occur with our Saisons as we, um, cause we age our, uh, our, our, uh, our fruit age Saison. That's aged actually in a plastic tote. So there's going to be some oxygen exchange across that plastic tote and we get a, a very similar cider character. Um, with that beer, um, so that that's that would be my only explanation. What What do you mean a plastic tote? Like literally a a, a big plastic fermenter? No, these um you'll see them once in a while. They're um these uh these three hundred gallon square totes with the uh, the metal um, rails around them. Um, they we get them from uh, a local meat company that uses them for water or you know something like that. Okay. Um, and it's just a, it's a place for us to put beer when we don't have kegs and the bright tanks are full. Got you know, it. You've, you get, or, you, or you want to age something or do something different and not get the uh, um, not get the, the the barrel character. Or you don't have money for stainless. 
Well, that being said, and you talking about the introduction of oxygen, I'm not picking up any of those like cardboard flavors or oxygen off flavors in in this beer. So you're you're doing something right managing that. You know, even though you're kind of admitting it's going to get in there. Um, I don't know if it's just part of your blend or what, but it's well, it's, it's got some acetobacter to it, which is that uh, I want to say vinegary kind of flavor to it, but it's it's it really in the in the smell. Okay, uh, and that's the first thing I got of it. It's Rodenbachy, basically. Okay, and that's from the oxygen. That's part from some of the it's oxygen. Not, it's not super strong like a Rodenbach, right? But Which it, puts a lot of people off from a Rodenbach. Yeah, I actually kind of like but, it. But in a lot of people like Rodenbach too. Yeah, so it's got like that that kind of little bit to that. But so that's pretty subtle. It is pretty subtle. But that's where he's getting it from is any kind of oxygen uptake. Got it. Okay. All right, well, Scott, we've got more beer to try from you and a lot more questions, but i got to take a quick break. Can you hang out for a sec? Absolutely, man. All right, let's do that. We're going to take a real quick break. When we come back, more beer from Scott over at Round Guys. And uh, also, i got a lot more to talk about, some some crazy stories from the brewery. Plus, let's find out about some Berliner Weitz tips from, from Scott. I think we're even going to get a recipe. So hang in there. It's the session. We'll be right back. Listening to the Brewcasters. Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. BN Army, it's trivia time. What's the only homebrew shop with over 1,000 recipe kits, $4.99 shipping on orders over 100 bucks, and is also home of the Wolf Shirt? The one and only answer is Austin Homebrew Supply. For over 20 years, they've specialized in creating recipes such as the best-selling Texas Blonde Ale, Apocalypso, Hot Bomb 2.0, and Double Chocolate Stout. And they just recently unveiled their small grain kits that produce one gallon of beer. Visit Austin Homebrew to browse their extensive catalog of equipment and ingredients. They also have many clone recipes of your favorite commercial beers. They're the exclusive retailer of Brew Vent Yeast Fuel as well, Yeast Nutrient, and the all-new Bodybuilder. Follow Austin Homebrew Supply on Google Plus to participate in video hangouts on popular brewing topics. So visit AustinHomebrew.com today and make sure you sign up for their weekly email with news and specials. Austin Homebrew Supply, AustinHomebrew.com. Have you ever dreamed about attending the World Brewing Academy? This year, thanks to Lalamond and Danstar, one lucky brewer will make that dream a reality for free. Lalamond and Danstar invite you to enter the Beer School 2014 contest. One lucky grand prize winner will receive fully paid tuition in the 2014 World Brewing Academy web-based concise course in brewing technology worth almost $4,000. From now until December 13, 2013, every Danstar yeast packet you use is your ticket to enter. Visit danstaryeast.com for the details and to print your official entry form. There's no limit on the number of times you can enter. So get brewing with Danstar and get your entries in to the Danstar 2014 Beer School Contest. Whether you want to build your home brewing skills or build a career as a professional brewer, this course will change the way you think of beer and brewing. Enter at danstaryeast.com and get the dry yeast advantage with Danstar and Lalamond Premium Brewing Yeast and enter to win. 
BN Army, I'm here to talk seriously for a second. You all are partially responsible for something explosive, and it's time you answer for it. Moonlight Meadery is exploding. Yeah, exploding across the country with insane quality meads. With nearly 70 different varieties of meat on the market, Moonlight Meadery has blown up the meat category and completely reinvented it. Seriously? What? Seriously? What? You're paying money for that watered-down meat when you could have a Moonlight Mead? Moonlight doesn't stop at 14% like most meaderies to save 40 cents a gallon. Moonlight Meads explode with quality and flavor. They're a party in a bottle. Did someone say party? If you want mead and want the best, you want meads from Moonlight Meadery and will accept nothing less. Be a part of the BN Mead Explosion and ask for, no, demand Moonlight Meads at your favorite bottle shop. Moonlight Meads. Girly names, manly meads. Hey, sign me up for that party. Hey, my Bruin brothers and sisters. This is Jamel Zanishev, and I want to tell you about my favorite heretic beer, Shallow Grave Porter. I love the rich, malty character of this beer. While full and rich, Shallow Grave has an easy drinking finish that isn't too sweet. I've always loved my homebrew porter recipe, so when it's time to brew Heretic Shallow Grave, I started with that in mind. But I tweaked it with all my latest recipe ideas. Just like in homebrewing, I made sure we used only the finest malts, malts that would produce the ideal flavor for this beer. We used select British malts to get the rich chocolate and caramel flavors that we spared no expense. The result is a beer as dark as a moonless night with hints of vanilla, coffee, and chocolate. Perfect for a cool evening out in the woods. Cheers. funny is brewers will say yeah i don't brew to style i'm brewing my own beer and it's like a german pilsner but it's black yeah it's a sports sports beer the home of live beer radio the brewing network.com because like beer radio shouldn't suck you're listening to the session Yes, ma'am. Thanks for sticking with us. Got a lot to do today. A lot of good beer to taste. A lot of good beer stuff to talk about. We've got Scott Rudich. He's the founder and brewmaster at Round Guys Brewery. You can go to roundguysbrewery.com right now and check it out. It's from Lansdale, Pennsylvania. And Scott, in front of us now, and I'm, I hope my notes are right because I'm surprised to hear it, is your best-selling uh, Berliner Weitz. That is correct. This is at, Your Berliner Weitz is the style that's your best-selling beer? It's our flagship. I don't know if that's a testament to the sophistication of Pennsylvania beer drinkers or how awesome your Berliner Weitz is. A little bit of both. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, you actually started the company with this as your flagship beer. Yeah, it was a, a late. Um, it was a late comer to our flagship or our, to our uh, our portfolio. We, okay. uh We launched in. Um, Hold on, Scott just has to chug a beer. 
That a boy. I'm uh, I'm I'm getting over a cold, so every once in a while I'm trying to cough very quietly. But no, we um right before we launched in um in December, we talked about having a sour, and we wanted something that we can brew and brew um, quickly. And you know, we love the the Flemish sours and the old brunes, but they just take a while, and obviously lambics as well. So yeah, um, we played around with a couple uh, um, Berliner Weiss recipes, and um, we were able to turn around a Berliner Weiss in about ten to fourteen days. Um, the first time we did it, it was really cheesy, and uh, I, I called up uh, Gene Brolet over at Tired Hands. Um, I think at the time he was still at uh, at Iron Hill, and I asked him, "How do I get rid of this cheesy smell?" And he's like, "Well, hold your nose and drink the beer. Um, <laughs> but if you want to do it um, without doing that, then keep the oxygen out." And so we went back and, and brewed another batch, and um, and and kind of perfected it on the homebrew scale. And um, that was one of the first beers we came out with, and uh, we did have one commercial batch that came out cheesy and we didn't catch it in time so if you go on rate beer the beer has a 48 because that's that's the people who are drinking the cheesy batch and you go on beer advocate and it's got an 85 because that's you know the people had the the batch that wasn't cheesy got it okay i don't go on either by the way because i feel like i feel like my palate can tell me if if your beer is shit or not Um, but maybe that's not always true for everybody it's only when that matters that's for sure (laughs) right exactly so I've got it in my glass now, and this is a nice Berliner Weitz. Um, I can see why it would be a good seller. Uh, does it sell more in the summer than, than the winter out there, or does, do you even notice a difference? Um, I mean, yeah, we definitely have an uptick in the uh, in, in the summer, but we still, you know, we'll still probably move. I mean, our, a fifteen barrel batch will probably move eight barrels, um, eight barrels a month, just in the uh, Philadelphia five counties in the winter months. Okay. Um, We'll push the uh, the syrups, um, especially around Christmas time. They can do the woodruff, the uh, raspberry, and then peppermint, and uh, do that as like a Christmas special. People seem to dig that. So, do you provide that to the bars uh, along with the beer? You you basically um, also give them a syrup. We 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 can our, our distributor in the uh, Philadelphia area sells the syrups as well. Okay. Um, we also. You talk to beer bars and places that are doing some really cool stuff. A lot of the chefs will make their own simple syrups. Nice. Um, We'll, we'll offer to come in, teach the bartenders. We actually use um, the same stuff they package in Star Sandin. We'll actually give bottles to the bar and say, pour your syrup in here, and it's you know three-quarters of an ounce per pint and so that we can get consistency out there. Um, right, right. And it really, for us, it depends on how the bartenders present the beer because some, some bars it's gone into – and it does really well, uh, and some it hasn't just because you know the bartenders don't understand it and the clientele doesn't understand it. But um, even people, you know, they take the first sip and like, wow, that's sour. And in the pub, we'll say, well, now take another sip, and now that your palate's used to it, it, it kind of it cleanses your palate, and then you'll get a chance to taste again. And most people, upon a second sip, agree with that. And then you know we know that they don't really like sour beers. We'll give them with the raspberry or with the Woodruff. And we've got a new customer hooked on on Berliner Weiss. That's a good point. And you know, I ran into this with Doc over the last weekend. We had given somebody a sour beer, and and they didn't like it. And I usually quit right there. And Doc was persistent. He said, "No, just take another sip. Take another sip. I want you to take another sip." And we did find that the second sip was uh, was more palatable. It's that yeah. that kind of shocker of the first one. I tend to just back off. I don't want to freak anybody out, right? But but the second sip is different. Yeah, you're you're. Your mouth is not uh, puckered as much, and, yeah. and uh, it's not so much of a shock. Right. Uh, but then Scott brings up a good point. If on the second sip they still are offended by that sour yeah, flavor, right. then they're a candidate to add the syrup. Right, exactly. N- now try it with the syrup. That's a good method you have there. 
I like it. And it also works too a lot at beer fests. We have, you know, you know, the, the big macho dudes at a beer fest that, you know, what's the, what's the most alcohol you have or what's the hoppiest thing you have. <laughs> right. And they'll come over to us and like, what's the, you know, what's the hoppiest thing you have? And, you know, <laughs> we'll say, well, we don't have any IPAs here. Try this Berliner Weiss. And they're like, wow, this is really sour. I'm like, but it cleanses your palate. And they say, yes, it does. And they'll go, we're off to go get more Russian Imperial Stout. <laughs> yeah. Back in our line. Every time, every, like every like probably like half hour to cleanse their palate and then go back out and get more double IPAs. Wow, you found a way to appeal to the blockheads at the at the beer <laughs> festival. You're like, no, it's cool because you go back there for the Berlinovites and then you could have another super hoppy beer at the next booth. It's perfect. Why are they all East Coasters? <laughs> I don't even think that's an East Coaster. That's some idiot on a movie somewhere. I don't know. Uh but this, what a great way to do it, Scott. Because me, I'm like, give me your, give me your strongest or hoppiest beer. I don't know. How about you fuck off? Uh, but, but Scott, you're like, well, here, how about you cleanse your palate and then you go to the next booth and find their strongest or hoppiest beer? It's a good method. Yeah. I mean, we had, we, we really believe in the beer and, and we get good feedback. So we really wanted to, you know, it's an education process for us. Most people leave the beer fest, um, with, you know, a, a better appreciation of who we are because we're, we're there trying to educate them about the beer and the style. Um, and a lot of times people come into our pub and they'll say, Oh, I'll have your, I'll have your Weiss beer. I'm like, it's not a Hefeweizen. And they kind of look at me and they take a couple steps back and we explain the beer and, um, all of our bartenders, you know, they, they know the drill as well. Right. And, you know, sometimes the answer is what they really want is a Kolsch, but they see Weiss and they think it's Hefeweizen. And <laughs> sure. What they're know. really looking is for a Hefner Weizen. <laughs> Some of yeah. the favorite. Hey, you got any of them Hefner Weizers? Yeah. <laughs> now, I want to come back to the Berliner Weiss in just a second, and I want you to, if you can, just kind of walk us through uh, how, how a good one is made. But but real quick, uh, because you just mentioned not having an, I, an IPA, and I've, I've got it in my notes here. Uh, when you opened the brewery, and, and by the way, just as a reminder, everybody, that was in 2012, um, you guys didn't have an IPA? Nope. We, we went an entire year without brewing an IPA. We did a black IPA. <laughs> Um, you might be the only brewery on earth to do that now and nowadays. And I, I did that on purpose. Okay. Why? Um, I mean, my philosophy is kind of like, you know, there's, there's the Brewers Association has 94 styles of beer and only six of them reference pale ale or IPA. Um, and so our, our, our idea was we're going to try to find the niche beers that people don't brew and, you know, try to make a stand there. And so that's why we said, but we needed something hoppy. So we said, all right, we'll do a, we basically took our black, or we took our IPA recipe and added a, a ton, a shit ton of uh, Carafa 3 malt in order to get it, um, you know, black as could be. And that was what we went with for a full year. Okay. But we, we have an IPA now. Now you do. Because I like to sell beer. Uh, well, that's what I was going <laughs> to ask. Like in some ways, commercially, you, you kind of had to do that, right? Well, we, we went on record um, when the people first interviewed us about how we're going to do our beer. I said, we will never make a Hefeweizen. Okay. We will never make an IPA, and we will never make a pumpkin beer. Wow. Now you have all three, don't you? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. We, we actually have some of that pumpkin beer yeah, in the we fridge. Did. Yeah. You know what? It's, uh, I love it's one of those things beer. of uh, it's nice to have principles. It's nice to have a vision. Right. It's also really nice to sell beer. Yeah. You know, I, don't, I hope you're not ashamed of that because I don't mind that. I think... It, we go out with these great ideas, and if you don't come out with great ideas and make a stand, then don't bother doing it. So I don't mind that you made a stand, but then later had to realize, well, shit, I could probably sell eight barrels a month of just an IPA or something, you know. Well, uh, the other the, the other side of it too is we weren't really we weren't really good on our process. Like we we did not have the the we have a Franken brew system. 
we weren't we weren't able to nail it down and we were trying to work out the kinks. If I put an IPA out the first month we were brewing, nobody would have drank our beer again. Oh wow. Um, okay. So I, I I went through, you know, we went to a lot of malty styles or triples, um, English brown ales, stuff that didn't require a lot of hops. And now we've got our system dialed in and now, you know, cuz I, I I listen to a lot of uh, a lot of Jamil show and a lot of the, you know, how he took a, a recipe from Stone and translated it to the home brewers and how you move the hop times around in order to, and, and we do that too. Like we have a 10 minute whirlpool. So, nice. you know, our flavor hops go in at 10 minutes because it's, you know, so, you know, I, I knew that we couldn't do that at the time. We just weren't that mature in our, with our system. So you mean to say, and, and I'd like to ask you about your system. You mean to say you were worried about, you know, hops getting stuck and, and not being able to transfer and things like that because of how your system is set up? No, we actually were, and we ran into this problem. So, um, in our, our brewery, we're at the back half of a building and our water has to run through 70 feet of, you know, steaming hot basement before it gets to us. Okay. So in the summer, our, our city water is 78 degrees. So in order to chill our beer down, we had to fill our, our whirlpool with ice and pump that through our, our, uh, our wort chiller in order to get it down to temperature. And, um, very homebrew. Very homebrew, but at the same time, what was happening is it was taking us, you know, four hours to chill a beer. Right. And anything that was anything that was in there was not getting cold fast enough. And you, you all of your flavor hops were migrating into your bitterness, and all your aroma hops were migrating into your flavor or into your bitterness, and you didn't have any of those hops. So, um, and, and what we found out is as the seasons cooled down, and we started being able to use city water again. We were getting again aroma creep and flavor creep. Uh, of our triple and our saison, you know, we we're getting that Haller Tower grassy character that's normally in the aroma of our saison was now flexing into the flavor, and we we're noticing an off flavor. So, you know, we kind of revised our brewing setup and rethought how to get everything down to a um, a science so it was repeatable. Because you know, it, when you're dealing with eight barrels at a time, you need consistency from batch to batch. But for the most part, you're only putting out twelve kegs, and there's a thousand accounts in the five counties around Philadelphia. So the likelihood of that beer being on tap in the same place at the same time is, is, is minimal. So you have some flexibility batch to batch, but by batch five, six, seven, people are going to start rebuying and you really need to have your flavor profiles nailed down. Well, this is good stuff for homebrewers to keep in mind. And it takes you just a, a guy after your own heart who's, who's paying attention to what the Whirlpool does. And if his beer is sitting on that stuff for four hours, yeah. it does actually affect the recipe that he calculated. Right. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. certainly the, the initial uh, process to blend itself to lower hop beers. And IPAs, yeah, wouldn't have worked on that sort of uh, long uh, Whirlpool kind of thing. Right. Well, good paying attention, Scott. Keep hey, you know, I, I actually listened to. Almost all of your programming, you know, as I was driving to and from either work or, you know, to and from the brewery for the first year and a half to try to absorb as much as I could, especially listening to, you know, some of the pro brewers you had on and, you know, sure. what they were going through and, you know, it helped. I love it. I'm glad to hear that it helped. And and you weren't a home brewer when you decided to open a brewery, I'm reading in my notes. Yeah. It, uh, the other founder um, texted me one night back in like 2008 and said, we should start a band or open a brewery. <laughs> Huh. So let's see. One makes zero money and, and one makes almost zero money. What should we do? One will get us laid and the other one... One costs nothing to start up and all the other one doesn't. Right. One requires more tattoos. <laughs> right. Which one? What a weird text message. <laughs> well, I, I also had the image of two guys and they're, you know... Because by the time we got everything, you know, by the time we got uh, all our shit together to form a band, you're going to have two, you know, overweight 
bearded dudes sitting on stage playing music and just how pathetic would that be? You know, <laughs> easy where right. our physique and our facial hair is much more suited to the brewing uh, industry. Mm. <laughs> Although, let's be honest, it is a fine line. Uh, I've recently discovered that if you put up a photo of a homeless guy and a photo of a brewer... You'd have a, diff- a difficult time deciding who, which was which. <laughs> yeah, maybe all these downtown Martinez people, they're just all brewers. <laughs> right. So, or work, because they couldn't make money at it. That's because brewers and uh, homeless people have about the same amount of cash. <laughs> right. That's true. How, can I ask you this? How did you get to cash to, to start the brewery? Um, well, I'm taking donations because my daughter doesn't have uh, any money to go to college anymore. Got it. Um, I got, actually, we, we got... Um, we got some gifts from family, okay. um, but it was all personal investment gifts. Um, we got some uh, equipment donated by you know, a great friend. Um, so, you know, just kind of put everything together. We did stuff on the cheap. You know, we tried to finance what we could. Um, and there are companies out there, yes, that will, you know, give a brewery, you know, $12,000 for kegs or, you know, um, they will give you, uh, you know, $15,000 for a chiller. Um, on a lease and then you eventually own it you know so there are companies out there through the brewers association that do that you just have to be patient and find them and you know make sure you make your payments and all that kind of stuff and sure if you fail you have to pay it when you're working at chick-fil-a <laughs> right um so you you're just going out on a limb and making it happen yeah man if you, if you don't believe in yourself the world will eat you alive right that's true i agree with that uh, wholeheartedly now let me since we're talking about your background a little bit too um you were you went to school for biology, is that right? Yeah, I wanted to be a doctor. Is it really? Yeah. See, and then I met people that really wanted to be doctors and I said, I don't want to be a doctor. <laughs> you could tell the difference right away? Yeah. <laughs> what uh in biology, what you know, what was your emphasis? What did you end up studying before being a brewer? Uh, I did a lot of biochemistry. I was actually I was a biochemistry major for a long period of time and then my senior year hit and uh and didn't do well in my biochemistry class. So I was able to switch to uh, biology and I'd done research. I was actually, after I figured out I wasn't going to be a doctor, I thought I'd be a, a PhD. And then I realized I hated research as well. So right. um, I just wanted to get out in four years. That's really all it was. So I had the credits for a biology degree and um, enjoyed the, the topics, but just, you know, we really, I, I worked a lot. I have a lot of chemistry background. I have like 27 credits in chemistry. I never needed. Okay. I have in my notes that you were, you know, some early fermentation was fermenting vaccines. Yeah. Yeah. I worked for, uh, Merck pharmaceuticals, um, uh, and, uh, a lot of, um, a lot of the vaccines they make are actually, they're actually grown up in yeast. They actually, they have a, um, the protein is produced by the yeast and it, um, it will replicate within the yeast and then they will, uh, will break the yeast open and purify that protein. And that becomes the vaccine that, you know, goes into a, a child's arm or, you know, an adult's, uh, adult's arm for, for vaccinations. Wow. So going into brewing, you, you know, with a scientific background, it sounds like you were pretty comfortable with, with the fermentation process. Well, actually, it would help more. And our uh, the other partner of the, the brewery that, that is there, uh, John Hartman, um, he, he and I both have experience in industrial processing. So the tanks we were using in the pharmaceutical industry are 3,000 gallons which makes, you know, homebrewing and some of our systems look tiny and, and miniature. So yeah. it's not so much the science, it's the understanding of good manufacturing practices, practices and um, and how to op- operate a factory is really what it is. Engineering. Got it. And now you mentioned your, your system, speaking of kind of operating a factory, but you 
you pieced together a brewery, it sounds like. Yeah, um, we had a, a gentleman, um, good friends of uh, co-founder Rich. He, um, he said, hey, I've got these, uh, I've got a 600-gallon, actually, I've got a 2,500-liter um, jacketed tank and a 1,500-liter tank. Do you want it? Yeah, dude. How do we get it? He's like, I'll put it, drive it out. And he, was, he lives in Iowa. Um, <laughs> so he threw in a chiller and uh, threw in a couple other pieces of you know stainless steel that he had. And uh, we got we got these bakery vessels. One actually, our our mash tun still says bread slurry tank. Nice. Um, and our our whirlpool says yeast propagator on it. You know, it's it's the, still the same stuff they had there. And we have a local uh, local machinist that uh, uh, built screens for us and kind of helped us along the way. And uh, for our boil kettle, we went and bought a uh, a thousand liter. Um, Actually, through um, through our friends at Freewell Brewing Company, we bought a, a, a thousand liter uh, um, wine fermentation vessel that we use as our boil kettle. Got it. So you lit, and then to kind of piece, you know, we talk about these, you know, brewers doing this and grabbing a vessel here and grabbing a vessel there, but the hardest part is making them work together and how you're piping these things and running liquid from one to the other and the pumps and all that. Is that something that you had to figure out? Um, actually, actually the the co-founder a lot of the engineering. He had um, he had actually built a uh, well, helped build a facility for work that um, fermented the ammonia vaccine. So he was really familiar with how to burn a factory. And um, without his knowledge, you know, I would still. I, would, I mean, once he said, "Here's basically how to do it," I could and be like, "Okay, you know, this is how the recipes that taste like they did in my garage." Um, you know, piecing that together and knowing how to get you know the flow rates right and um, you know. Wasn't my my experience. I'm I'm the I'm the yeast whisperer. I'm the cold side guy. That's what I'm I'm best at. I'm you know get it out of the kettle and get it into kegs and make it tasty. Um, you know it's been over the years that I've really you know been able to work all those things back into the hot side of things and been able to um, you know kind of make sure that the beer we match at the right temperature and you know we had, that's one of the things I had to figure out was we had no calculations that we could put into our software to uh, um, to actually get a consistent like we would match in. Like, hey, the software says we should mash in and we'll get 150 Fahrenheit, and it would be 146. And the next time it would be 153. So I actually pulled up Palmer's book and went back and worked out all the calculations for the entire brewing system. And now I have a little spreadsheet that I take the stuff out of out of Beersmith and say, all right, now this is what Beersmith says. How do I actually get it to work? And it's all those calculations I had to pull out of, uh, you know, how to how to brew. See, I am such. You're describing exactly my brew day, except that I'm such a lazy douchebag that I would never think to open John Palmer's book, and all the answers are right there. I just come in here and bitch to Tasty and Doc about it. Why my temperature one time is 146 and the next time it's 153. It's exactly what you're describing, except that you fixed it. Yeah, well, see, Scott, you think you don't like uh, research, but in fact, you do, as long as it's about subjects you care about. Right. Dude, get me on Wikipedia, and I can spend like 13 hours just clicking links. Like, oh, I want to learn about this. Ooh, and next thing you know, I'm on like Vietnamese prostitutes, where I started out like reading about like the bull weevil or something like that. Well, hey, don't be so hard on yourself. That happens. It's okay. Uh, Scott, let me do this. We're having a couple audio problems with your Skype, so I'm going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to get back to this Berliner Weiss. If we can do that. Um, So hang in there, uh, guests and uh, listeners. We're going to take a real quick break. When we come back. We'll learn how to make a great Berliner Weitz, which is what we have in front of us here. Hang in there. It's the session. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. 
for all the stuff you need to brew. Homebrewstuff.com, of course. In their Boise, Idaho storefront and warehouse, they have more than 750 craft beers and 8,000 square feet of homebrew products in stock. The staff at Homebrew Stuff are homebrewers themselves. They try out just about everything, including the beer, so they can answer your questions knowledgeably and correctly about brewing, kegging, and anything else you might need to ask. Don't live near the Homebrew Stuff store? Visit homebrewstuff.com online and take advantage of their $7.95 domestic shipping available on most orders. Homebrewstuff.com is a proud sponsor of the AHA, NHC, GABF, and countless other acronyms. So if you're a homebrewer looking for great people, a great selection, and great deals, head to homebrewstuff.com online or in person. Visit their YouTube channel for loads of free how-to and product videos. All of the stuff you need to brew. Homebrewstuff.com This is a public service announcement. (laughs) Hey, dude, I think there's... uh, (laughs) What's wrong? You don't look so good. There's there's something wrong with your beer. It's making everyone sick. Let your beer make your loved ones ill. Proper cleaning and sanitation is the key to avoiding puke on your shoes. But I used an all-in-one. Cleaning and sanitizing cannot be done in a one-step process. No cleaner can sanitize and no sanitizer can clean. The amazing chemists at Five Star Chemicals have your solution. Clean with BBW and sanitize with Star Sand. Fantastic! Your friends and loved ones will thank you. Five-star products are available at fine homebrew shops near you and online. Put your best beer forward with five-star chemicals. Your one-stop for the cleanest two-step solution. When you hear Blickman Engineering, think innovation, passion, quality, and customer service. Blickman Gear is designed by brewers to give you a sense of pride in your equipment. At Blickman, they know what makes brewing a pain and build gear that makes it fun. Like the Intuitive Beer Gun, a completely different approach to filling bottles. The Therminator Wart Chiller, a new take on a plate chiller that's sized for flow, performance, and the high groundwater temps homebrewers face every day. The Brewmometer, a brilliant well thermometer design with brewing parameters right on the dial. The auto sparge, ultimate simplicity for preventing an overflow or running your mash tun dry. And much more, like the modular top-tier brewing stand, conical fermenters, and their boiler maker brew pots. With more cutting-edge equipment coming soon, keep up with the latest from Blickman at BlickmanEngineering.com and stay on the cutting edge. When I order a beer, I want my server to know more about it than I do. I want someone who enjoys good beer and loves helping others enjoy it, too. I want someone who knows how to pour a perfect pint for any beer style. I want a Cicerone. The Cicerone certification program is creating the type of people who help you enjoy great beer. Home brewers and craft beer lovers know beer is more flavorful and complex than ever, and it takes some serious knowledge to store and serve beer right. Cicerones, no beer. There are three levels in the Cicerone program. Certified Beer Server, Certified Cicerone, and Master Cicerone. Cicerones are truly the sommeliers of beer. The best beer locations have a certified Cicerone on staff. Relaxed and unpretentious, Cicerones are tested on storing and serving beer, beer styles, flavor and tasting, the brewing process and ingredients, and pairing food with beer. Learn more about your next beer guide at Cicerone.org. Certified Cicerone, because it takes top talent to present a perfect pint. 
A few things happened 30 years ago. ARPANET migrated to TCPIP, and the Internet was born. Revenge of the Jedi was renamed Return of the Jedi and opened in theaters. Mila Kunis and Emily Blunt were born, beginning a rad fantasy in my mind. But all of that pales next to the fact that HopTech opened its doors and began blowing homebrewers right out of their mash tuns. HopTech doesn't fuck around. Real people shipping awesome shit straight to you. Their new website is fast and easy to navigate. Or just call 800-379-4677 and let badass bitch Jade and Bruin brother Roberto blow their warm load of customer service all over you. So visit the site or visit the store in Dublin, California and support those that support you. Get your brewing on at HopTech.com Mix me your 100 grain amber recipe and I'm going to eat it. And then it can ferment in my gut. It totally works. The beer is almost identical to the grain sandwich. Your colon won't know what hit it. <laughs> the, the home of live beer radio. TheBrewingNetwork.com Because like beer, radio shouldn't suck. You're listening to The Session. Eight 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 four zero one beer. This is the session. Welcome back to the program, and thanks for hanging out with us. Hey, don't forget about our good friends over at Adventures in Home Brewing, a proud sponsor of the Sunday Session and the Brewing Network, and they've been with us for a good amount of time now. We love them over there. Uh, check out homebrewing.org. they got a great, easy-to-use website. You can find out... Uh, uh, all about their products right there. They always have more than 70 items on sale. There are gift certificates. Uh, they have a rewards program. Uh, they're from Taylor, Michigan, and uh, even all the way out here on the West Coast in California. We love our friends at Adventures in Homebrewing. So uh, go check them out. They're good people, and thank them for supporting the BN, like you should all our sponsors. But send a, sp- a special note this week over to Adventures in Homebrewing, and just thank them for uh, helping out the program and keeping us on the air. Homebrewing.org. There you go. Uh Scott Rudich is still on the air with us. He's from, of course, Round Guys uh, Brewery. A great name, by the way, Scott, especially seeing the photo of you on Skype. Thank you, man. (laughs) Thanks for nothing. Yeah, exactly. Um, So I wanted to get back and talk about Berliner Weitz with you. We're we're actually opening your um, uh, pumpkin porter in front of us right now, but um, I I promised that we'd talk a little more about uh, Berliner Weitz. Can you walk us through the process a little bit? And, and specifically, you know, I'm interested that you, you kind of get this sour, sessionable beer, but that you don't have to age it to get there. You, you get it relatively quickly. So can you walk us a little bit through the process? Yeah, sure. It's not really even a... Uh, um, it gets a little difficult in terms of uh, um, trying to brew it, because I, one of the things I never liked about listening to uh, people discuss how they brew it is there's a lot of voodoo and you know how professional brewers describe how their beer is made and i didn't want to do that but to me there's some voodoo in this beer there's stuff i'm probably i probably shouldn't be doing and someone's going to be out there listening saying he's not doing it right but um at at this point we've had so many different you know we've had so much uh, variation in the initial batches that it it works the way we do it it works okay so i just want to start with that caveat so people always ask us is it sour mashed and my answer is sort of and I say sort of because 
we um, we can't heat our mash tun. And if I, I left it overnight in the mash tun, I would come back to a sticky, ooey-gooey mess, uh, all kinds of glutens and stuff like that that you know, I wouldn't be able to, to get it out of there. Okay. So, so what we actually do is we will, we will mash the beer. Um, we mash hop it. We do not boil it. And then we will run it off into our fermenter. Um, our fermenter is completely purged with CO2, so there's absolutely no oxygen introduction once it gets into the fermenter. And then uh, once we um, get it in the fermenter, we will take a healthy dose of lactobacillus that we grow up, and we'll put it in there. And the reason why we grow up the lactobacillus is um, lactobacillus actually creates a, a toxin which will keep Acetobacter and E. coli at bay, um, and those create the baby diaper enteric and, uh, and, and, um, and vinegar flavors. And then once we get once we get that done, I actually will take a big hop sack, fill it full of grain, and uh, put that in the fermenter and let it sit for two days. All right, hang on, Scott. You're blowing my mind here for a second. So we got <laughs> we got to back up for a second. Sure. You, you skip the kettle entirely. Nope. Yeah, absolutely. It goes right from the mash tun into the fermenter. What are you mashing at? What temperature are you there? About one forty-two. And you hop. In the mash. It's a low-hop beer anyway, so I suppose we're not talking about too many IBUs. Well, we actually we joke around and we say it's one, got one IBU. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. And, wow, so do you just throw the hops in loose uh, into the mash? Yeah, we actually have to do that. Uh, for federal regulations, you're required to use hops. If you don't use hops, you have to go to the FDA and it's considered a malt specialty beverage or something else. And it's... It's just easier to throw, you know, a quarter of a pound of hops or, you know, a pound of hops in the mash tun. So if you if you could, you wouldn't even do that? Oh, I don't need to. Yeah, okay, got it. So you just, and you just throw, I guess it doesn't even matter what form they're in because you're just doing it for regulation. You just throw a, a quarter pound of pellets in there. Yeah, it's actually, well, it's actually for this recipe at this size, it's uh, 14 ounces of uh of Apollo hops, or we've been using Nugget lately, so you're probably talking about 17, 18 ounces of Apollo hops in, in 500 gallons of beer. And is it a normal mash otherwise? you just taking an hour or so and, and just mashing? Uh, yeah. Okay. And then you run that off, but you run it off into a fermenter? Yep. Okay. So that's my first thing. And you're running off at that 150 to 165 or something like that? Actually, we sent it through, sent it through a heat exchanger. Oh, so you're cooling it? Into the fermenter, and what, what what temperature are you going in at? About 105. 105. Then you add the grain at that point? I'll add the, the, the uh, lactobacillus culture that we oh, have. Culture. Okay. And then I take a like one of those big nylon hop sacks, like almost like a burn the bag type of pack. Yeah. And I'll fill it with you know probably four pounds of usually malt. That's usually what we have. And um, I'll suspend that in the fermenter and just let that sit for two days. What's that for? Well, that's where you're going to get like so. I'm putting lactobacillus oh, in there, lacto. and it's it's mimicking the sour mash process. So, all of the wild yeast and all of the native lactobacillus that lives on the grain have a chance to get in there, and so that's where you get a lot of the funk and a lot of the you know the character of of our Berliner Weiss. Um, our Berliner Weiss is actually part Berliner Weiss, part Goza. I just don't add coriander and salt. Um, okay, a, a Goza is supposed Thank to be a, a spontaneously Brett fermented style beer. The Berliner Weiss traditionally uses a clean yeast. We just choose to use lacto, and then, um, so getting ahead of myself, two days later before the grain gets rancid, I'll pull it out of the uh, fermenter, and then I'll put a, uh, a Brett Brux culture in there and let that finish the fermentation out. Okay. And all this at 105 degrees? 
Well, I mean, by the time you get down, it's you know probably somewhere around eighty-five by the time I put the bread in there. But there's there's wild yeast. I mean, that thing is usually it's it's usually fermenting pretty um, pretty vigorously and smelling like you know a really bad fart um, <laughs> by the time I get in the second day. Okay. So, so there's there's, nat- there's natural yeast and bread on the grain that's starting the fermentation. Right. We just I just put the Brett Brooks in there because I wanted something that could operate at a low pH, and our pH usually comes in around. By the time I put the bread in, it's usually somewhere around like three, five, somewhere in that area. Um, and I just want to make sure I, you know, I tried to find something what ferments really well at low temperatures or I mean low pH, and you know, look into the the lambic brewers, and you know, Brett does a really good job at that uh, at that pH. Are you getting a pellicle that early? No, we don't actually get a pellicle at all because it's completely under CO two. You only get a pellicle when the uh, the bread is in presence of oxygen. Yeah, it's trying to block it out. Yeah. So as long as we keep we, we keep it under CO two the entire time, because um, if you if you're under if you're and one of the problems that we had with our early Berliner vices was we get oxygen in there and we get baby diaper, enteric, uh, Parmesan cheese, um, all these kind of off flavors. Which you know you close your nose and you drink the beer, it tastes exactly like what you guys tasted tonight. But who can get past like you know Parmesan? Right. Serve it with spaghetti. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. That's all you could. That's all you could do. There's no saving it. So if I'm home brewing this and I transfer from my mash tun to the fermenter at 105, if I have temperature control, would I want to keep it at 105? Or it sounds like you're just not doing any temperature control. You're you're transferring it at 105 and then just letting it drop to wherever it ends up at. It's 500 gallons of, of wort, so right. it's gonna it's got enough thermal mass to hold, especially in the the tanks that we use. Okay. Um, I mean, you can transfer over. What I what I when I would do it on the homebrew scale, I would do it typically in a bucket because um, that's the easiest to to get it into, and uh, would um, would because you can actually take the the um, the airlock off the off the bucket and stick a thermometer in there and, and check the temperature. And once it got to the right temperature, I would pitch in the lactobacillus, um, and then I always had my uh, canister of CO two, and I would put that you know, the hose right over the grommet, wait for the bucket to swell push the lid back down, you know, expel everything, and then, you know, fill it up again and put an airlock on, and it would be fine. Okay. And the right temperature to put in your lacto is, is what? That's where you're at your 85 or so? I mean, Weight, weight Labs weight lab says, even you know, as far down as 75, but you know, lacto and bacteria tend to grow faster at, uh, at higher temperatures. So the Weight Labs lacto has a range between, like, 75 and 105. Okay. Um, and bacteria will grow up until like 121. I mean, if, if you have your, your food serve safe certification like I do, um, you know, the bacteria grows up until you get to 160. So, but we just, we, since we're using White Labs commercial strains, um, we generally put it in about 105, which seems to be a good temperature for it to grow. I mean, I've done it as low as 70 and it's been fine. Okay. Again, there's, there's, I'm sure Chris White would be shaking his head listening to me, and but it's just it's the voodoo that we do, and it works. He actually would just say it depends, and it sounds like whatever works for you, it's fine. Uh, okay, so you, then you later on you you add some Brett and you let it yep. finish out. How long is a is a full fermentation of this beer? Uh, Ten to fourteen days. Okay, and at that point, you have what what we've tasted as a Berliner Weiss tonight yep basically absolutely it's yep. a done deal okay but it's it's the two-stage fermentation you need a lot of the berliner weiss strains or a lot of the recipes have you putting both of them in there and then you have to wait for the lacto over time um to uh to sour it or you have to wait for 
any of the, if you sour mash, you have to wait for the, you know, the, the, I mean, if you sour mash it, that's the, that's the way to get your sourness and keep it there. And you can kind of taste your beer and do your pH. And that's a traditional way to do it. I just, I can't do that because I can't heat my mash ton. Now, when we do some of our other beers, we'll sour mash in the kettle and I will, I will boil, um, the beer and kill all the, the souring bacteria and add my hops and do that. But, um, I'm taking advantage of the fact that I've got a 600 gallon mash ton and a 500 barrel fermenter. And I'm just running it straight into the fermenter and sour mashing the fermenter. Okay. And what is the pH that you're looking for approximately for a sour mash? Um, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't really check. I just, you, you mentioned that I, yours is around three and a half or something when it's done. Right? For the, for the Berliner. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we, we've taken a couple strips and tried it, but now it's more based on taste and gravity. Okay. You know, we kind of have a method and we first pulled out the strips. It was coming around three when we had the bread and it was, it was running fine. Got it. Well, it tastes fine to me. I'll give you that. Thank you. Um, can we get the recipe for this one? Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, it's, uh, I'll just give you the percentages because that's, that's probably the easiest. That's fine, yeah. Uh, it's 42% uh, Pilsner malt, uh, 33% wheat malt, or, sorry, flaked wheat, flaked wheat, and I guess whatever's left, 21 or 22% flaked rye. Okay, pretty simple malt bill. Yeah, and it, it's my favorite beer just to actually like mash. Like the smell in the brewery is amazing. So that's what goes into the mash tun. This doesn't count the grain bag that you're putting in the, um, no. the ferment. Yeah, because the grain bag you're just you're basically just taking the uh, the wee beasties that live on the grain and, and introducing them to your uh, to your uh, your word. I mean, not that there's not enough of them already in there for mashing. It's just it was something that we did in order to. You know, that's probably voodoo. We probably don't need to do that. I probably don't need to add the bread, but I do anyway. You just do. Okay. So for me, if I'm taking the the, the grain recipe that you just gave me, I'm I'm just I'm act, I'm probably not going to add the the bag of grain to my fermenter. I'm I'm going to do this sourness in my mash by leaving it overnight or so. Yeah, you could, or you just you run it off in your kettle and you leave it overnight in your kettle. Okay. Um, if you're gonna if you're gonna do it in your kettle, uh, take saran wrap, put it over, like actually saran wrap your kettle and. Make sure it's tight. You know, put saran wrap over, then wrap it around the edges in order to make sure it's tight, and then bubble CO2 through. And that will make sure that you get a clean lacto fermentation instead of an acetobacter fermentation or an enteric fermentation. Okay. Doc, why didn't I brew Berliners a long time ago? It's su- it's such a dirty process. I this it's perfect. <laughs> You'd fuck that up too. <laughs> right. Well, I'd, I'd probably do, I'd fuck up with the oxygen part or something. I like the method that you're talking about. I'm, I'm actually picturing uh, wrapping my kettle in with the with the saran wrap. I can do that. It's a very like hypodermic process. It's like I'm like getting rid of germs. And then what am I? I'm just somehow running CO2. I'm just trying to picture on my system through my bottom spout or something. I don't. How yeah, am I that's, getting CO2? that's what we've done. We've yeah. actually literally hooked up our CO2 connector to our um, our kettle, and you, know, you see the, the saran wrap will start to bubble a little bit, and you'll just vent it a little bit, and you know do it again, and you should have all your oxygen out, and should have tons of CO2 in there, and be enough to keep it um, anaerobic for you. And because I'm not a professional brewer, I don't have to throw a handful of hops or anything into my mash like you do? No, not at all. Just don't even worry about it. It's not, I'm not missing out on a flavor by not doing that. I don't think so. Okay. All right. I may, I may, I may or may not, depending on if anyone from the TTB is listening, forgotten to put hops in the mash. Got it. Fair <laughs> enough. Well, there, there could be Fair some enough. preservative quality uh, from those hops, right? Uh, there could, but I mean, you're, you're talking... Five hundred gallons and fourteen ounces. Yeah, yeah, you'd hate to get sour. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, hate for it to go bad. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, we we sparge with a we have a 185 degree hot water heater. So when we sparge, you only have 185 degree water going in there. So you really shouldn't be isomerizing, but there might be some oils that come through and, and help out. And sorry, once again, what temperature are you mashing at? Like 142. Okay. Low, think, low, low, low. I mean, we we do that just for fermentation or fermentability. I mean, Brett will eat whatever you got. Okay. Um, but when this thing's done, it's usually done based on pH, and it's not done based on gravity. It's usually if the pH gets low, hmm. then we have a variation of about 3% for our terminal gravity. It would be anywhere from you know 1.002 to 1.006. Um, but we haven't had any bottles explode. And trust me on that. We have or cans. We, all, right. all our bottles sit in the brewery, and you know it gets really hot in the brewery, and nothing's exploded so far. Doc, let me ask you this about the mash. This because the pH is is a factor. I'm looking to sour this thing. This isn't something I want to put. Some of the things like like I usually put 5.2 pH stabilizer in my mash. I don't want to fuck with that stuff. On no, this you don't one, need right? to. No, you want to let it get kind of funky and and just let the natural stuff happen, right? Well, the 5.2 is more to get your extract. And to maximize that. Oh, it is. It okay. Yeah. It's the, the lacto is what's going to push the pH down. I see. Way past that point. With or without 5.2, it would yeah. have done that. Yeah. I see. Okay. And actually, the 5.2 might mess it up some because of the buffer. That's what I was worried about, yeah. that it might counteract what I'm looking see, I told to you do. You fuck it up. <laughs> That's why I'm asking. <laughs> okay. Um, all right, and so then I, I put this in my. If I'm doing it as a homebrew, I, I take the grain bill you just gave us. I, I I bring that over to the kettle. I leave it overnight, and then I put it in the fermenter and, and pitch some lacto. If you're going to do it that way, and you have like so again, the reason why we don't boil it is because I've only got an eight gallon, or I only have an eight barrel fermenter. But if I do go straight into my mash tun, I can make fifteen to sixteen barrels at a time. Okay, and because I'm I'm not boiling, my brew day is four day, four hours. If I boil, my brew day is eight hours. Because one more vessel clean, you know, I have to heat everything up, all that kind of stuff. So I love brewing Berliner, especially in the summer, because I don't have to, you know, heat up the brewery. Um, I go right into the, uh, the the fermenter. But if I do anything else and I'm going to be fermenting it on clean yeast, I'll actually boil it for, you know, a, a period of time in the kettle in order to stop the fermentation, to stop the whatever, you know. Because if, if you have a mash tun and you have a, a boil kettle, then you're going to be introducing it into your fermenters, um, you, know, you, you can have a dedicated set of sour fermenters, but this is a way, if you boil it for 15 minutes, you'll kill all the bacteria and kill all the brett. You'll still have the sourness, and then you can ferment it out with the yeast of your choice. But if I don't want to boil it, and I'm just leaving it to sour, you're saying I don't have to pitch anything. I just have to then put it in a fermenter from the kettle, and everything I need for it to turn into a, um, a Berliner is already in it. It should, yeah, okay. it should. It, it. I, I just put the yeast in there because um, um, I want to get it out in 10 to 14 days and it works. I see. But it probably, you know, if, if, I, if I was a home brewer, I wouldn't pitch anything in there. I would just run it off into my fermenter, let the yeast naturally do it. Because any wild yeast typically has an al- alcohol tolerance to like 4 or 5%. So it should be able to ferment everything out without a problem. Got it. So not only do so I get to skip boiling, I don't have to fuck with a yeast starter or anything else. Be clean. I get to leave it sort of dirty, and then it just and then it's just done after you know fourteen days in, in my fermenter. I, where Berliner Weiss, Where have you been all my life? <laughs> this is perfect. I should have listened to Icky a long time ago. I'm sure he described this. I just never listened to that guy, and uh, I could have been doing this all along. And now this is your most popular style, Scott. 
Yes, it is. I love it. So I don't need to know it. The listener, that's the whole recipe, the grain bill you gave and the process we just talked about. That's that? Yep. Wow. What a piece of cake. Pretty straightforward. Well, I almost feel like this is is not useful, but if you do need a place to keep your recipes and and manage your brew day, go to (laughs) beersmith.com right now. You get a free 21-day trial of the brewing software. Even for, I guess, a beer as simple as your uh, Berliner Weitz, you do still want to take notes on how it went and and what happened. And you can do all of that over on the Beersmith Brewing Software. A free 21-day trial, so you don't have to take our word for it, but we all use it. And um, just go to beersmith.com and check it out and punch in the recipe. Even by percentages, I think you can put in there, um, and it will calculate out what you need for your system. I think I'm reading. I'm reading out of Beersmith right now. Perfect. I gave you the recipe. (laughs) It's it's version 1.4 or whatever. I haven't upgraded yet. Oh, you got to upgrade, man. The new one's rad. It's awesome. I'm lazy. (laughs) You and me both. Uh, Okay. Well, it was a fantastic beer, and uh, let's go on just quickly. We're, we're running out of time because i got to do our Brewcaster Challenge update here, but I just wanted to mention the uh, the pumpkin porter we have in front of us. What can you tell us about this this other beer that you vowed never to brew? Well, it's, again, we had uh, Dan Brett as our sales rep, and he was uh, he was out at an account, and uh, the um, guy said, I love your beers. I want uh, 25 kegs of your pumpkin porter. And Dan came back and said, uh, I just had someone, some or pumpkin beer. Dan came back and said, an account just asked for 25 kegs of our pumpkin beer. And I was like, we don't make a pumpkin beer. He said, they want 25 kegs of our pumpkin beer. We make a pumpkin beer now. <laughs> yes, we do. Yeah. Uh, I like my sales price. guy. Yeah, he's a smart guy. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a, it's a brown porter base. Um, I wanted to do something that was, um, was uh, going to be drinkable i mean we've got you know pumpkin and imperial uh, imp- or, uh pumpkin and weyerbacher's imperial pumpkin around here so um i wanted to find something that was a little bit uh, uh a little bit more sessionable um we did a we did a pilot batch which everybody in the brewery agreed was an absolute knockdown hands down awesome brown porter but it was it was not sweet enough so we had to add a little more crystal malt in order to sweeten it up in order to complement the uh the pumpkin spice but the 4.5 uh you know brown porter that we had uh we actually get canned pumpkin puree and put it in the mash so that we can call it a pumpkin beer because the TTB requires you to use pumpkin if you're going to call it a pumpkin beer. Okay. And uh, we used uh, we actually used a flavor extract because I didn't want to, you know, it's great being a home brewer and getting, you know, a certain vial of Ceylon cinnamon and, you know, fresh ginger and, you know, grating that and putting it in there. But um, there have been times when I've left, uh, I've been forced carbonating a keg and left it in the back of the walk-in for four days at 30 PSI and came back to, you know, an absolute like, you know, Mount Vesuvius. So, um, <laughs> because it's, I'm, I'm a little ADD when it comes to this stuff. We went with flavoring cause putting the same amount of flavoring every time tastes the same and it's consistent. Okay. You know, an interesting thing about this pumpkin beer that I've not tasted in another one is it has a little bit of a cola flavor, yeah. like Coca-Cola, which and is nice. And coffee. Yeah, it's a little coffee. Which, and, which really kind of rounds out. You don't get that uh, sweet spice in your face thing. It's Yeah. It's, uh, it's just a little more complex than, yeah. than that, too. Uh, you know, Coca-Cola is, like, really secretive about their recipe. They should sue you because you're kind of close. Like, you're onto something yeah. with that cola flavor. It definitely spices. does, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you've done, like, just the right combination, but it's close, man. I feel like this it's actually it's a brown malt base, is what it is. Yeah. It's like forty percent brown malt is our uh, our yeah. base malt for that. The brown beer. malt really comes through. Yeah, very manly pumpkin beer. Like I don't right. know many oh. girls who would like like we like the cinnamon and the nutmeg and the 
right this girly crap that. and this is not that what's an what's an example of a that kind of a beer that the you know the girls like the buffalo bills the right your typical yeah run of the mill the, the spice forward yes yeah no this one's got some balls to it it does, it yeah, does. It, was right it's, it's a very good masculine like i could sam doesn't like pumpkin and i think that he might enjoy that i mean he's not very masculine though. well that's a good, beer. A good, good point <laughs> yeah that's fair okay there's pumpkin in here pumpkin yeah, the brown malt does really come through too, doesn't it, Tasty? It really does. Yeah. yeah. Um, I get I get lampoon or uh, I get I get uh, digs from my brewing staff because we basically um, you know, we have a lot of home brewers that come in and help us, and we basically use uh, pale ale malt and pilsner malt because you know, it's nothing worse than hey we have to we got a demand for this beer and we have to make a beer and we use pilsner malt and that basically most of our beers are pilsner malt Munich malt based or pale ale malt and Munich malt based. Because one, I love Munich malt, um, so I as a you know kind of a um, listening to my staff, I said, all right, we'll use brown malt as our base malt for this beer, just to to kind of shake it up a little bit. Got it. Yeah. It, it works. It does work. Yeah. It's a nice. you know we were just talking. We had a, a, a meeting with Scott and JP talking about doing a you know it's October coming up, and we're talking about doing a pumpkin show, beer show, and we get a lot of bad feedback on our pumpkin beer shows because just most. I don't know most of our dude listeners just don't really want a, a spicy pumpkin beer, but this would have this is a good example to talk about because it has a little more balls. It's got something else going on with it, like the use of a brown malt instead of just relying on some of that nutmeg and cinnamon shit. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, find brown, that brown chocolate. <laughs> and what? Sorry, pale chocolate malt. That's the brown malt, just pale chocolate. No, brown no, malt brown and pale chocolate. Oh, brown and. malt's a, a, a style of a, a style of roasted malt, and pale chocolate is the other uh, key malt in that beer. Got it. And any others? Like you, you did mention pumpkin puree, but did you also? Uh, did I miss that you also do put some spices in it? Yeah, we have a, a, a flavor extract company down oh, in right, um, yeah. in Baltimore that, or so, somewhere in Maryland, and uh, the guy came up one day, and we were actually playing with all the extracts in our Berliner Weiss. And trying to see if we can get flavored Berliner Weiss using the extracts. And um, I asked, do you have a pumpkin spice? Because I knew we had to make this pumpkin beer. And again, I just, I want consistency. I just want, you know, each batch to taste the same. And spicing and, you know, Tasty can tell you, you leave spices in for two days and it's fine. You leave spices in for four days and it's as stringent as all hell. Okay. So the extract is is a little easier to manage. Yeah. Okay. Got it. I have a bunch of, like, uh, the new neighborhood I moved into, Halloween's big, there's fucking kids and parents everywhere. So I want to have a kid's side and a, and a parent's side at my house this year, because I was sort of caught off guard last year. I didn't, I had to go out for more candy. I was like the asshole who didn't have any candy, I'm knocking on my door. Well, this, this would be the type of pumpkin beer I would serve to the parents, that I wouldn't be ashamed to serve to the guys who came up. I go, hey, we got a, we got a pumpkin beer, too. This one, it's got a little bite to it, so... It's a good yeah, we, have a, we have a kegerator at uh, Halloween in our house, and, and now people know that you know I'm here, and so we get a lot of angry parents if I don't have beer outside now. Right, I bet. That's what I'm afraid of after this year. If I do the parents' side, i got to do it every year. I'm going to be pissed. Or just move. <laughs> I'm it, hoping to get some parents It gives parents you a lot drunk. of leeway with your neighbors, man. That's what I'm thinking. Like I'm going to get some parents drunk this year, and I'm feeling... Like I'll be, I already have the big green Volkswagen with the Brewing Network logo parked in front of my house all the time. So they're all curious. They just stare at me weirdly. I'm hoping that a little Halloween time, I feed them some beer. They're going to get it, and that's well, it's going to help me. They also see you never go to work. <laughs> yeah, they're like, we don't even know what that fucking kid does. 
He just walks out in his underwear every now and then and gets something out of the Volkswagen. That's it. Bends yeah. over and gets the paper and I can see his ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I like this. This is a, a fine example of a pumpkin beer that you should be proud of, man. Thanks, man. So bef- before we run out of time, I just had a couple of, of things in my notes here that I, I just I have to ask you about. Uh, if I wasn't so concerned about getting beer information to our listeners, I'd have spent the whole interview on this stuff. But um, let me just start with this. Apparently, you had a woman um, ask us if you had a, a basement in the brewery. I think she was maybe hanging out at the brewery because she couldn't find her friend who was flirting with one of your employees. Um, do you know what story I'm talking about here? I, I do, actually. What um, happened? Uh, well, we were we were sitting at the bar, and she just came up and asked. We had a basement, and the bartender and I kind of looked at each other, and we knew they were talking about our our. One of our employees, he's uh, um, we we affectionately call him one of our man whores, and uh, <laughs> I mean the girl the girl in question was uh, had had been at several events of ours, and uh, we said, well, we have a basement, and I, but I just shut the I shut the door and I turned the lights off about ten minutes ago, so if they were down there, they're now stumbling over each other and don't know how to get out. So she said, can you please check? And I went down and I checked, and um. No one was down there. I mean, I, I was actually, and of course, as I'm going down, the bartender's like, we want video. We want video. We want video. <laughs> yeah, if you're going to find something, let's get a video. And, and I'm, I'm, of course, going downstairs and stomping and making as much noise as I can. So if there's somewhere in the basement, um, you know, they, they, they'd hear me. And <laughs> right. there was no one down there. So we told the um, told the girls, like, no one's down there. And finally, like, what kind of car does he drive? I'm like, that's nah, Subaru Outback. And about three minutes later, you see him walking doing like a slow walk through our windows. He came in and all the guys stood up and just gave him, you know, a standing ovation. And he's all sheepish and everything like that. Um, they're out in the parking lot and the, the neighbors, uh, or the not the neighbors, but the uh, the friends, uh, you know, uh, interrupted them with what they were doing. And, you know, in the Subaru Outback? And, they, that's where they yeah, found him? Yeah, I like this guy. Uh, can I ask this? Was the, was the, um, the victim in question, not the friend asking you, but, you know. The, the participant? Was she a mess or did he do well? Um, does it matter? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm thirty nine, and she's you know probably about my age. Our you know the our employee is significantly younger and gets a lot more uh, tail than I do because I'm married, and that's what I have to do is sleep with the same wife for the rest of my life. So right, you have no choice. You know. uh, but he went for I it. I would have done her, you know. Okay, all right, good to know. I'm just trying. You know, there's a gauge here. I have to know, like, because it helps us know is his is the bartender in question was he really hammered, and so it didn't matter, or are his standards more like Schumann's? And well, it- he's a man whore. I was just gonna say, I immediately flashed back to that Havasu year where Schumann was hanging out with the girl who looked like Monica Lewinsky. <laughs> Yeah, that was every year. Wow. Oh, okay. <laughs> Obviously, this well, guy I, likes to give the tour of the basement. He was, yeah. Uh, except that he gave the tour of the Subaru instead yeah. this time. I think he would have demurred and not done it, but she told him, I'm too much. You wouldn't know what to do with me. And so he's like, well, bring it on. <laughs> the, the man whore and the whore whore. I love it. And the plain old whore. <laughs> no, 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 the coog whore. God bless whores of all genders. Uh, okay, here's another question for you. I see that you hired a bartender... Um, her sole qualifications, if I'm reading this right, were that she walked around a beer fest with beach balls under her shirt and got in trouble Absolutely. for it. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and the, uh, we have a beer, we have a huge beer fest right in town. It's actually three blocks from our brewery, the Lansdale Beer Fest. 
it's, it's awesome because uh, the first year we did it, we actually ran out of beer. And I went, I told the organizers, like, I'm going back and getting three more kegs, and you guys are paying me for this. And we just restocked because people were all excited to have our, have us there. And uh, one of our bartenders, she's our resident Brit, and she's uh, absolutely, you know, fun, um, brings in a crowd, you know, makes people smile. But apparently she got really, really drunk at the beer fest <laughs> yeah, and uh, put beach balls. Now, granted, she's very well endowed to begin with. Okay. And she put... <laughs> She put beach balls, and I'm talking about beach balls. These are like you know standard beach balls. Wow. And so, at a staff meeting later, uh, the, afore- the aforementioned uh, uh, gentleman who made the slow walk from the car and got the standing ovation, he had a picture of her on his cell phone in the be- in the beach balls, like with beach balls <laughs> in her shirt. He's like, "I know you. You're right here. I, I remember you from Beer Fest. I have you." <laughs> yeah. Um, and apparently, the the segue after she got she uh, she was the only complaint that anyone got from the uh, to the police department was that there's this really drunk woman wandering around with uh, beach balls in her shirt and uh the it was the, the, the she wasn't went to another bar and started dancing on the bar and got thrown out because she was knocking glasses over and you know so when she came in to interview we're like yeah we'll hire you come on in we'll be <laughs> right great here yeah uh, I can understand the dancing on the bar, but by the way, since when is putting beach balls under your shirt illegal? And calling the police. Huh? Yeah, that's weird. You know, as I go down some of this list, Scott, I, I think you're going to end up with a bunch of weird people lining up at your bar for a, a job this week. Where's the girl with the beach balls, man? I have another one <laughs> of one of your most valuable employees um, showed up, and his, his name is Ross. It's in my notes, so I'm just going to give it out there. His only skill when he showed up was that he was real good at holding shit. Absolutely. <laughs> what does that, what does that mean? Yeah, what does that mean? And you hired him. We're we're brewing. We're, we're not. We we're, weren't brewing at the time. We we're just building the the place out. And so you know, you know trim had to be caulked, and you know, uh, yeah, drywall had to be spackled. So he showed up. He went to um, another brewery down the street, Prism, and said, and wanted to volunteer. And they said, we don't have anything for you, but go find round guys. So Russ came over to us, and, and he said, um, Hey, I want to help you guys. I'm like, Well, can you can you put up drywall? No. Can you spackle? No. Can you caulk? No. What can you do? I can hold shit. All right, great. I have to get this ladder. Here, you hold this stuff for me. And for like a year, he would just, he would wind up, um, you know, following me around and I have to replace lights or I'd have to do plumbing. And, you know, he was the guy that had all the tools that I needed. And I would just, Russ, I need the wrench. And he would hand it to me and Russ. And then he learned how to brew and he learned how to, he did all of our cold side stuff. And it wasn't until he got a big boy job. And, you know, he's a, uh, a CDL and he has a hazmat license and can drive all kinds of like, you know, trucks and stuff like that. That scares me. And, uh, yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> and, um, he, uh, he got a, a big boy job and all of a sudden we lost our best sellerman. And I was like, we, and we were like, for like two months, we were just, we were struggling to get stuff out the door because you just, he's the kind of guy that he said, go and clean this, this keg or go and clean this fermenter, and he would come back and he would ask you all the pertinent questions. Like, not one of those guys is like doesn't know what he's talking about and just wants to, you know, he just, he just knew he knew the right questions to ask, and he knew the qualifying questions, where sometimes I'll say, hey, go make a firkin, and then I'll come back, I'm like, um, I have this primer of sugar, you didn't put that in there to, oh, I didn't think I needed that, you know, see, he was just, he knew all the right questions to ask. Got and it. And when he went to a, a big boy job, it was like, but it's funny, I and mean, he's, he's a cool dude, whenever, um, I'll send him over to Keystone Homebrew to pick stuff up, and I'll call Keystone and I'll say, "Hey, look, you know, I'm sending this guy over to pick up some grain. We're, we're low." And they said, "Well, great. What does he look like? I mean, he looks like a roadie for any '80s rock band, <laughs> right? And you'll you'll know him because he'll just be standing around holding shit." No, oh, yeah. I had him pictured exactly like that. <laughs> Doc had already figured oh, that I out. I figured it out. <laughs> 
Yeah, he's a, he's, a, he's about five, he's about five nine, red hair, long like oh, like yeah. long red hair yeah. with a beard. And uh, you know, I would get texts back from people, and I'd send them out, and it's a good description. <laughs> you know, oh, hey, you must be uh, you must be Russ. And, and, yeah. and who dressed you? Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's great. It's you know, it's it sounds silly for a guy that's good at holding shit, but when every company kind of needs that guy, like what do you, you have nothing specific for him to do, but there are things for that guy to do, right? Or you could just go to Home Depot and buy a tool belt. <laughs> Rather, <laughs> yeah, yeah might have been cheaper, but less fun. That's I mean, fun, definitely. He got to hang out with a soulless ginger for a couple years. Yeah, and I guess a, to- a tool belt wouldn't learn how to brew ever. Correct. You know? Correct. Actually, we've registered, we've registered a beer name called Soulless Daywalker. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> and, oh, and you actually registered it. We registered it with the TTB. So God bless you. We have uh, our resident ginger, Bill McGinney, is, is uh, responsible for creating a hoppy red ale that may or may not con- uh, contain ginger. Perfect. Do I, do I get free cases of that for life, then? <laughs> you should. <laughs> You should. Uh, all right. Here's a couple questions from the chat room. Um, one of them, just to go back to the Berliner real quick. Eagle Dude wants to know uh, if, without a boil, you have any issues with DMS in the Berliner Weiss. Um, I'll tell you, it smells like a, uh, a skunk's ass for two days. But no, we don't really get much DMS. Does it? Does somehow the the yeast scrub it out? I don't know. I mean. It, it, I would love to be able to, you know, channel you know Charlie Banforth and give you the answer, but right. you guys smell it, and you're not if you're not getting DMS. It's not. I there. don't really know what to tell you. Okay, you know? that's fair enough. Uh, a guest in the chat room wants to know uh, how do you fare with brewery uh, with seemingly uh, kind of behemoths in your area like uh, Victory and Yards and Trogues and all that? Do you find it difficult to get your beer on tap? Um. The only the only difficulty getting on tap is uh, there are um, our, our distributor has a two half minimum, so um, it, it, that's the only difficulty is getting on tap is that we have to sell two halves to an account. Which when we're starting out, it's it's been you know rough. Everybody wants a sixtal, you know, but our distributor is not going to drive you know twenty five miles from their location to drop off a sixtal. So you either have to um, you know, tell them, hey, you know, talk to the sales rep from the distributor, and they've got all these other great beers like you know Ballast Point and Coronado and the Chamonix Creek, and you know, generally a sale gets made. Um, but uh, you know, for the most part, we we aren't going to be in every bar, and we can't be in every bar. So if we if we have trouble getting on tap in our local area, we just wind up expanding our area um, and expanding our distribution, and it winds up, you know, we finally find the right the right mesh and the right mold. Um, but in terms of, like the yards and the victory, how we fare with them, I mean, those guys are actually, I was on the phone with Tom Kehoe, uh, about four days ago, just talking about a, a brewery, you know, question. Yeah. Um, so we have problems, you know, every once in a while with, you know, nobody's really stealing taps from each other. It's not really that. Okay. Um, it's, uh, but it, you know, it's, it's more of just, a um, just trying to make a name for yourself because, you know, and, and. In Philly, I mean, Philly's like, you know, they always say in New York, if you can't make it here, you can't make it anywhere. And Philadelphia's kind of the same way. If you, you can't make it in Philly, you're going to have, you're going to have trouble. But it's a really demanding draft market and it's a very good draft market. Um, but you have to really have your stuff together. Even though you guys aren't necessarily competing for taps, I'm sure that occasionally in smaller places, it does happen where they'll take another brewery off to, to put you on. Do you ever get a phone call about that from another brewery that no, goes, hey, I heard not you? Not usually. I mean, it's, okay. <clears throat> most of that stuff happens at the distributor level. I mean, we, we're, right. uh, uh, I mean, 
we're a three level, you know, control state. Actually, um, our, our distributor in the Philadelphia five, actually all of our distributors in Pennsylvania own our brand rights for life. We have no rights to our brand where we've signed with a distributor. Um, they own them if they want to change, if they want to, you know, if I want to sell and say, you're not doing well, it's, uh, it's a, it's a really, uh, really big hassle. Um, so you have to find the right partners. It's kind of like, it's kind of like if someone said, you're going to get married to somebody and divorce is not an option. You know, that's, that's kind of, um, Catholic. how the distribution is here. <laughs> it's very, Catholic. very, it's very Catholic. <laughs> you, you've signed up with that's, a bunch of Catholic distributors, by the exactly. way, no matter how bad it gets, you're fucked. <laughs> No, the Catholic distributors would only carry Lost Abbey, you know, with the crosses on the tap handles. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And our distributor is great for us. It's just, you know, as a new struggling brewery, you're always just, you know, you're struggling for taps. You're struggling for market space. You're struggling for, you know, attention. Um, you know, when you got, you know, you got some really hefty brands in, in the in the distributor's portfolio, it's, it's you know, it's great. But our distributor out in Lancaster just picked up yards shortly after we started, which is great because now... You know, they can go out and they can say, hey, buy a half of yards and buy a half of round guys. And okay. that seems to be helping us a lot because it uh, it, it really, you know, it, it, it strengthens the brand. Got it. That does sound kind of gnarly to you. So, round guys, so you'd like us to distribute you. Uh, all you have to do is sign this paper that says you belong to us forever. <laughs> yeah. That sounds harsh, man. I'd be afraid of those contracts. But you know what it's like in Jersey? If you don't like it, give us 30 days notice and you're out. So it's kind of weird. You know, I'm used I to see. like this. You know, you're, you're, you're blood brothers with somebody and you have to, you know, kind of work through all your kinks, you know, where in Jersey, you're just kind of like, eh. And in some ways it's good because it's really, I mean, it's made us better brewers. It's made us better at, you know, supplying the market. Cause if not, we would still be, you know, some delusional brewery that thought that we could exist without an IPA and people would pay attention. But, right. you know, people want, I, I mean, we, we just, we brewed a fresh hop IPA. You know, we have, we have a, a, a pale ale that we brew. It's a, it's a, a session IPA brewed with Brett. Um, and people love that too. I mean, it, now our portfolio has switched where we're probably 40% hoppy beer heavy. Where we started, it wasn't, but that's what the market wants. And if it wasn't, if it wasn't my distributor who's saying you cannot leave, right. and slapping upside the head and saying you've got to make beers that people want to buy then you know it, it wouldn't have led to the success we have so it's it's a double-edged sword you know you're you're locked in for life but at the same time you you, you learn a lot more about the industry really quickly sounds like you're becoming a soulless ginger <laughs> <laughs> you know i'm just a businessman yeah, um, i don't you, man and, of course you know family man i'm just I'm, I'm everything you know of course well you're making great beer and it's working for you and you've got a lot of fans out there because uh, uh, we got a lot of emails about you uh, both before having you on the show and then once people found out you were on the show so keep it up man you're doing a good job Thanks, man. Uh, all right it's Scott Rudich he's from round guys uh, brewery in Lansdale PA and uh, what is it roundguys.com right Brown guys brewery Roundguysbrewery.com. Go check it out. You can find out, uh, you know, where you can get the beer and, and where they're distributed. Are you outside of Pennsylvania yet at all, Scott? We are launching in Jersey in the next week or so. You are? Okay. Nice. Why Jersey? Why is that the spot you picked? Um, well, it, if I want to go out to Pittsburgh, it's a five-hour uh, five truck drive or you know, to come pick up. Jersey's 45 minutes. So it was kind of a – let's cross – for us, I need people that are going to come and pick up our beer. I'm actually from Buffalo, and I looked at distributing up in Buffalo because my dad has given me a ton of money to build this brewery and would really like to see us on tap. Right. Um, <laughs> I just but now want I a goddamn beer with, out of the thing. <laughs> yeah, but now i got to deal with 
Victory and Southern Tier and these, you know, big breweries that, you know, drop beer out at the distributor for, you know, prices that I can't touch. So I see. I need to get I need to get distributors that can come drive a truck, pick it up at my place and get it out. And if I get enough of those, then I can afford to, you know, send some beer out so my dad can walk around town and say, Hey, my you know, my son's beer's on tap. Right. I like your philosophy, man. You're outsourcing the delivery to your uh, distributors. This is good this is a good move on your part. Hey. Gotta do what you gotta do. <laughs> yeah. All right, Scott. Thank you for all the info. Thanks for sending beer, and I hope some of our folks brew your uh, Berliner Weitz because it's it's pretty badass, man. I'd like to taste some listener Berliner out of it. Cool, um, cool. Thank you for being on the program, and I hope to see you in Philly, man. Absolutely, man. Cheers. Take care. See you. There you go, Scott Rudich from Round Guys Brewery sent us some good beer, and uh, it sounds like the kind of guy we want to get drunk with. I think. Yeah, and I think he would want to get drunk with us. Yeah, or anybody else. I mean, I'm glad that we did the tame. Yeah, exactly. I'm glad that we did the tame show so we could get the like good information out of him. But I feel like we're missing out on the other show. Yeah, you got to come in studio, uh, Scott, and then we can have the no information show with you. Right. Oh yeah. That's. I think that's our next uh, our next show with Scott. We get him down here and we just start drinking. You know, it, it would be fun if somebody out there wants to uh, brew this Berliner and then uh, send it in. You know, the, it'll last for a while, and we got some extra bottles of uh, Scott's stuff, and then you know maybe we could taste it side by side. It'd be interesting. That would be good to do. Take his recipe down and and see what you can do with it. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, it's our Brewcaster Challenge update. Plus, we got some beer news. We're going to bet on who's going to win the Brewcaster Challenge. All that and more. 888 beer We'll be right back. You're listening to the Brewcasters. The Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. Brewing announces their first customer recipe issue since 1991. This free 64-page catalog includes 27 of the best home brewing recipes submitted by their regular customers. Best of all, this paper-only catalog is free for the asking. Just go to williamsbrewing.com and click on the free customer recipe issue link. This offer expires October 18th. While you are on the site, check out some of the latest exclusives like the Williams Oatmeal Stout Malt Extract, the Big Oxygen System, and they even have their own line of precision hydrometers. Go to williamsbrewing.com to browse their vast selection and enjoy their famous customer service. That's williamsbrewing.com. Orders placed by 4 p.m. Pacific Time weekdays ship the same day. Brewing is easy the Williams way. Know the Brewing Network's very own Code Writing Fool's son, Ryan Wolf, has opened a beer mecca in Missouri. The Wolf Brow House of Beer has hundreds of beers from all over the world and is conveniently close to I 70 in St. Peter's. Free tastings Saturdays, 4 to 6 p.m., featuring special guests from local breweries. The best build your own six pack around with every style represented. And kegged craft beer available for your kegerator, too. There's always something new at the Wolf Brow House of Beer. New and hard to find beer every week. No two visits are the same, just like passing out at the Rat Pad. Hi, this is Ryan from Wolfbrow House of Beer. Mention the Brewing Network when you stop in for some cool free stuff. Mention JP for a swift kick in the ass. The Wolfbrow House of Beer. Beer with personal service from a member of the BN Army. This is code. Visit my son's shop or I'll yank the fuck BN website down. www.wolfbrow.com 
Here's a bite for beer lovers. Soft caramel made with real craft brew and coated in chocolate. And hop drops. Hard candies made with real hop oil. Introducing Beer Candy from BeerCandy.com. Beer Candy's amazing caramels come in four mouth-watering flavors. IPA, bitter gold wrapped in smooth white chocolate. Lager, made with a familiar beer from Boston and coated in milk chocolate. Lambic, soury Belgian goodness full of fresh raspberry and dipped in dark chocolate and stout roasty cocoa chocolate insanity hop drops are made with fuggles or cascade hops and are known as the candy that bites you back choose from sampler and full sizes of both and make your mouth jump to life all at beercandy.com hop drops and beer caramels satisfy your sweet tooth as only a beer lover could with beer candy visit beercandy.com today Hey, Wooly, I'm beat. Can we find a nice tree to just hang out in for a while? You're beat? I've been swinging through this forest for 50 years, ever since we... Ever since we first escaped from the circus. I know, I know, but there's got to be more to life than exploring this creek and trying to populate the valley by copulating with loose, hairy girls. Mark, we stop. Look! What is that? It looks like a man-made treehouse. With fresh food. And craft beer. Welcome to the Creek Monkey Tap House, boys. Grab a seat. Creek Monkeys drink free. <laughs> awesome! The Creek Monkey Tap House in Martinez, California, takes their mission of fresh food and beer seriously. They only serve locally raised beef and chicken, as well as local sustainable produce. It's better for you and the planet, and it just tastes better. The beer and wine at Creek Monkey Tap House are chosen with the same care for the highest quality and Rotate frequently to make each visit an adventure. Swing on into the Creek Monkey Tap House and enjoy a new legend of amazing food, beer, and wine. The Creek Monkey Tap House online at creekmonkey.com. What'd you get? More brewing ingredients? Yep. You know what I love about Brewmaster's Warehouse? The $6.99 shipping. Well, yeah, but... Oh, the in-store classes for beginning brewers. Yeah, that's cool, but... Oh, oh, the brew builder. Creating and saving your recipes online is awesome. No, I'm... Yes, but the cheese-making supplies. No. Oh, the wine-making supplies. Oh, the distilling equipment and liquor flavorings. All that stuff is awesome, yes, but what I really love is that the guy who runs it is totally hot. And, and that brew builder software is awesome. Oh, yeah. Brewmaster's Warehouse brings you flat rate shipping on great equipment and ingredients to make beer, wine, cheese, and spirits at brewmasterswarehouse.com. And if you're in Georgia, stop by Brewmaster's Warehouse Monday through Saturday from 10 to 6. Visit brewmasterswarehouse.com today because it's totally hot. Oh, yeah. Wait till you can pour it out of your own kegerator. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, your friends will look at you with awe. And it's just hot. It is? It's so super hot. <laughs> the, the home of live beer radio. Because like beer, radio shouldn't suck. You're listening to The Session. You're listening to The Brewing Network. Because like beer... Welcome back to the program, 
ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for hanging out with us. And thanks to Scott Rudich from Round Guys Brewery in Lansdale, PA. Uh, go to roundguysbrewery.com and uh, check them out. Thanks for sending all that beer to Scott. It was good stuff. And uh, I'm a big fan of a, of a good Berliner Weitz. In fact, all of the sours that we had were nice. And the pumpkin. Uh, pumpkin porter, to be exact, was, was Man, also Manly nice porter. Yeah. Manly pumpkin. Right. Uh, all right. So we got a couple things left to do here, and, and one of them is to get ready uh, once again for our Brewcaster Challenge, which, uh, as you might remember, uh, this year, or, or sorry, this uh, time around, is against uh, Moscow and Jamil. And, round four. Uh, round four. It's, uh, it's round four. Now, of course, we gave Jamil a little bit of a handicap. He's not allowed to boil <laughs> you could do you could do everything else, but he's not allowed to boil. So uh, at this point in time, they uh, both Moscow and Jamil should have uh, brewed their beer. We're going to talk to them a little bit, and then what we'll do is is actually bet and and place our our bets on them. Then we'll go more into depth. I don't want to get every detail about their brew day before we place our bets because that's uh, an unfair advantage. Uh, hey, Jamil, you with us, buddy? Yep. Good to have you back on the show. And, uh, you know, when we last spoke to Jamil and, and Moscow about this, when we got an update, the odds were still at, a, at about 10 to 1. Uh, yeah. Now, <laughs> Jamil, at the beginning of the show, Moscow says once we hear a bit about his brew day, that the odds, they'll no longer be 10 to 1. Yeah, they might be like 20 to 1. <laughs> uh, or at least 9 to 1. my brew day. <laughs> Uh, I'm excited to hear about Jamil's brew day, not just because he had the no boil handicap, but because we all know that motherfucker hasn't homebrewed in a long time. So yeah, blew the cobwebs off of that thing. Right. So I feel like we might just get some good action in in that regard. Um, so here's what I'd like to do. Uh, let's start with Moscow. And like I said, don't give us too many details. Let me. I'll I'll kind of guide you with some questions. I'll do the same with Jamil. Then we'll we'll bet, and then I'll go back and let you guys just tell us the, the routine. Uh, Moscow, how did you decide to, to do your brew? Because you were thinking of, of all grain or, or partial mash, and you weren't sure. Yeah, well, that was part of why the, the odds were so crappy, right, is because I didn't even really know what my approach was going to necessarily be. But I <laughs> right. decided to take your advice and kind of stick with what I knew. And, you know, you're, this is a competition, so you're not trying to experiment. Just stick with how you what you've done and, you know, what you've yeah, okay. what you have experience with. So I decided to just, you know what, I'm going to go to more beer and I'm going to grab uh, a kit because the person who put the kit together, the club in this instance, knows a lot more than I do about recipe formulation. Okay. And so I just went, you know what, I'm going to do what I've done and, and grab a kit. Got it. Yeah. Which, so, which club was that? That would be Doze. Oh, good. Ah, so you grabbed a Doze <laughs> Black IPA kit. Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, so it's all extract with some steeping grains. Exactly. Yes. Okay. And how many gallons did you brew? I, I filled the kettle up with six, but you know, five gallon batch. It's five gallon batch. Yeah. That you did on your stove. Yes. Okay. I got a nice, powerful uh, uh, commercial range in my kitchen, so the the burners it works quite well. Got it. So you got it moving. Uh, did you? Is it a partial boil? Uh, so did you have to add water at the end, or is it a full boil? I did a full boil. I, I've I've heard enough horror stories about adding water in there at the end. You hear that, Doc? The man's listening. Uh, oh. And and Jamil, I, that should make you yeah. proud too, right? Yeah, the, the, that the guy could boil. <laughs> yeah, right. Hey. hey, you couldn't do that in this competition, <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, well, we do. Uh, we have said in the past that the first step up uh, should be going to a full boil exactly. if you're an extract brewer. Yep, so yep. Uh, you get a little more control out of it, and you're not adding some dirty water from the sink or whatever else. Uh, okay, so you did the brew day. Uh, you followed the recipe uh, without going into too much detail. Let me ask you this: Did it go as planned? 
Yes, okay. yes, because the plan was really to just focus on keeping everything sanitized. Just don't don't mess around with the sanitation. Yeah, and uh, I took. Uh, well, that's what I'll say. Yes, it went well. Uh, yes. What are you fermenting in now? Uh, a carboy, a six-gallon carboy. Uh, is, glass carboy? Yes. Is it temperature controlled? Uh, via uh, um, not complicated methods, yes. In other words... It's not just sitting out. It's not just sitting in your closet. So you made an effort. I made an effort, yes. I mean, it is in a closet, but but there's you know there's adjuncts that it's not just sitting by itself. Okay. Out, exposed to the you know light and whatever. Is there any sort of a temperature controller keeping it at one temperature connected to it? Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. I like the vague. I like that as yes, but clearly there's a but. I like this. Well, would be he, good for the bedding. He's making sure it's not sitting in the corner of the kitchen somewhere. Right. Next to the oven that gets preheated <laughs> right. once yeah, a night. In the window. <laughs> yeah, that is not happening. Okay. Uh, is for, how, When did you brew? Uh, that was last uh, Friday night. It's been over. It's been over a week. Okay, so it's it's probably about done fermenting. Yeah, yeah. A couple of days ago, I would say. Did you take like a, a original gravity, and you know what your final gravity is supposed to be, and things like that? And yeah, I took a reading of the original gravity, and I know what the target for the final is. I have no idea if I'm close or not. Okay, you haven't checked it yet. Uh, no, because I've been out of town, and I took Doc's uh, statement uh, from a couple weeks ago to heart that you can just leave it sitting on the true. You know, for a long time, yeah. right? And wow. Which surprised me, but so yeah. it's just kind of uh, I mean, been waiting for me to get back to town. Yeah. I mean, necessarily a long time. Well, I'm not, I'm not going to wait a month. We're, we're talking about no, two weeks, so. Oh, it yeah, makes a difference, yeah. yeah. No, a few days, and if it's, as you say, temperature controlled to right. a point, yeah, you're fine. Okay, good. Okay. All right. Any other uh, generic well, questions, guys? I was wondering you? if you're going to dry hop it. Uh, yes, absolutely. Okay. Per the uh, recipe. But you haven't done that yet. No, that'll that'll happen as soon as I uh, attend to it. I, I literally was on Interstate Five today, okay. coming back for the show. So. Got it. Anything else, guys? Uh, generically, before we get to the to Jamil, I think that's a pretty good idea. What he did. Okay. Yeah. All right, Jamil. Uh, what did you decide on uh, method of brewing, uh, extract, or how did it go? Well, I mean, I had great great plans in mind, and at <laughs> all. <laughs> Sorts of ideas about different yeasts and uh, experimentation and uh, things like that. And then, um, so I got myself ready for brewing. I uh, printed out a picture of Moscow and then rubbed one out all over it. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, to get, get, get my, uh, my vigor up. And then I, after that, I was tired. So I, I rested. <laughs> And nap, and then uh, and then I was busy. So um, in between working the tasting room and and working on this, I did down at the brewery, and uh, I did not measure. I did not boil. I did not measure anything, and uh, I did not make a starter, <laughs> and uh, I did not do any temperature control. And I did not add any oxygen or any nutrients. Wow. I think it's 10 to 1 still. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, yeah. 9.5 to 1. My measuring was handful of this, handful of that. You're an artist. Wow. Uh, Now. So, uh, 
This I'm is totally fine. This is completely against what you've you've always done. <laughs> Where, did you feel liberated or extremely perturbed by this process? A combination of both. Liberated. If it should turn out decent, then I could tell everybody. You know, you're worrying too much about you know yeah. making work. Right. But then I didn't. Uh, make a starter and temperature control it and add nutrients and oxygen and all that and which is you know that's that's really where i believe the beer is made had i done that <laughs> i'd feel a lot better about it instead uh there was some leftover yeast from uh taking uh, samples we we take samples from the fermenters and uh and we play them out and check for contamination in our yeast and all that and there was a couple of Containers left over in the uh, in the lab fridge. What's this shit? And so I uh, I went ahead and threw that in there. <laughs> I love it. It's it's like uh, you brewed a Salvation Army Black IPA and just whatever was left over. Yeah, yeah, I I did too. I did two different beers. Okay, and uh, uh, one of them looks uh, black, and one of them uh, not so much. <laughs> I get the feeling that Jamil is now thankful for the no-boil process because he's just sort of like, well, fuck it. i got to make some liquid and put yeast in it. <laughs> I guess yeah. I have to yeast laying around here. I guess i got to throw that in there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, and then uh, I, I was telling Chris about it, and he said, uh, well, you know, I, I my rationalization was that, you know, I could tell everybody how... You know, you don't have to focus so much on all these things. You just have to focus on fermentation. And he said, really, you're just giving yourself an opportunity to, uh, you know, e- explain why, you know, you lost to Moscow. <laughs> 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 Further screwing up the uh, screwing up the process. <laughs> right. I'm like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Now I get justification. If I lose, then uh, I can just blame it on all of that. <laughs> you're going to lose, I'm thinking. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, okay. My, my vote's changing. Wow. Uh, okay, anything? I put hops in there. You did put hops oh, good, in? Oh, good, and, good, and good, you, good. And, I out in two days. I don't know. Two it days. Well, yeah. What'd you have it at 90? Between <laughs> 87 yeah, and 90. Did you temperature 95. control? You didn't temperature control, control the ferment? No, I did. No. Yeah. You didn't even do I that. Pushed it, I pushed it cold, closer to the cold box. <laughs> I put it next to the door so that every time it opens, it gets a little blast of cold. I didn't want to do that. It would have been in the way. So I, I just pressed it up against one of the walls. I thought it might be cooler there than in the middle of the brewery. I think I think Jamil fancies Moscow. I think he's gone against everything that he's preached uh, because he likes our little Moscow. He's throwing the competition for me? Yeah. He's, wow. he's worried about your fragile ego. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, somebody needs to be. <laughs> yeah, nobody else is going to do it. Well, what if he still wins? <laughs> that's yeah. That's, that's going to stomp you and farther into the ground. But see, that's the Jamil that I know. He is a compassionate and loyal friend. Who, if it just so happens that he gets to dominate you, that's also awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the Jamil I know. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he's sort of looking out and and sort of wouldn't mind winning at the same time. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Well, that's enough info at least to to set the line 
and 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 bet and to help us and to cast another vote you know we don't have uh, jp in here tonight but we'll we'll make sure he casts his vote as well i thought i'd bring in a uh, um another co-host to to help out so we've got our friend andy wood on the line oh, to, to no. come in here and he's going to actually place a bet on this brewcaster challenge as well andy are you with us well 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 can you hear me yeah we got you buddy yeah you sound great hey i feel great thank you so Thanks have you so have you heard the descriptions from our two contestants tonight? Uh, yeah, I have. Okay, so let's start with this, guys. Uh, we got to make the line. It, it's been you know arbitrarily ten to one. Um, based on Jamil's admissions tonight, I I feel like we could reduce it a little. I do too. Um, nope. <laughs> and, and he says no. no way. I don't know. Uh, What's a what's a should we cut it in half? I don't know seven three, seven three. That Jamil's still is Jamil still, still in favor. No, no, I don't know. I don't, I I'm gonna. I'll take Scott seven to three. I'll take him at. Uh, you think he? Has I'll take more him at ten odds. to one. I think. I think he's got a good chance. You still take him, but he doesn't have better odds of winning. You're just voting on him. In other words, no, it wouldn't be seven I'll, to three that Moscow's going to win. No, it would be it, seven it, to three. Jamil's going to win, but I still take Scott. Yeah, I'll go. I'll take seven three. Seven to three. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, wow. Yeah. That, that seems I, generous. I would, I would take Scott at, at one to one. You're giving it one to one. I don't Heads know. up. Ooh. I have zero. I don't have that much. One. I don't have that much faith in Moscow. I don't know. He's a uh, maybe you it's think that he won't get liquid in the bottle. <laughs> I think it's. You know what it is? I'm projecting. Is what it is. Yeah. I feel like you know when I was Scott and, and even me now. There's no fucking way I have a chance against Jamil. So I'm pro- I'm projecting is what I'm doing. Um, maybe it is one to one, but. Doc, what do you think? It, it, it's not one to one, is it? Now, is it even? I got this feeling that Jamil just like got overwhelmed. Oh shit! I got to do that still. All right, what am I doing this afternoon? And then just threw some shit together and right. rolled that thing next to the cold box, and I'm done. Yeah. Okay, so Jamil mailed it in. So therefore, <laughs> yeah. what? that's the only reason it could be one to one. Is what you're saying? Yeah, it could be one to one at this point. I could see that. Yeah, even, huh? Beaver. One to one? What do you think? The odds? I don't really understand odds. I'm just going to vote for Scott. Oh. <laughs> that's fine. Well, the way the voting's going, it seems like it might be closer to one to one. Well, that's... That's what drives you up. I think it's going to be a very interesting race, uh, give, right. given what we just heard. How about that? How about two to one? Let's make it interesting. That way, you're going to get something out of voting on Moscow, right? Because if it's one to one, you're not going to get extra points in, in the line. So... What do you think about two to one? Two to one, Jamil wins, right. and that way, if you if you guys are going to take the chance on Moscow, you, you get a reward out of it. Double your money. I think three to one. Three I, to one. I, I need three to one just to get back in the points. Yeah. Hmm. What are you talking about? <laughs> just, well, we got to we get well. It's it's we got to swing people over to Moscow side. You've got to make it worth their while. Oh, that's a good point. It helps. Mo- All right, three to one. I'm going to call the line at three to one. Okay. Three to one, Jamil's going to win because, for one, you know, we haven't heard it. He, he, Jamil always has a, a trick up his sleeve. I don't know. There's always something going on there. And, and, and he's not just going to throw the competition. I mean, have you ever known Jamil to deliver a bad beer? No matter what. He's never delivered no, a bad he knows beer. We're be no, it. but you know, he could spill it all on the way over here. Now I don't. <laughs> well, that's that. Well, yeah, you don't really have the option to dump. You do have two of them, though. You could dump one. 
Or, or we could just spill it on the way over here. Something happened to the car. <laughs> oh, darn. All right. Is in a fatal car wreck? The, odd, the line is this. Rather than losing, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jamil might just do this. He'll give up everything. Uh, all right. Three to one in Jamil's favor. Those are the odds. Um, Andy, for you, that means if you vote on Moscow, you're going to get more points. Uh, if he wins, uh, if you vote on Jamil and he wins, you'll get less points. Um, and so on and so forth. Yeah? yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Then uh, uh, these points, can I ask a question about the points? Yes. Okay, um, can these points be redeemable? I mean, are they redeemable in the Brewing Network Sky Mall, or is this something that I would use for something else? You, w- you would use them in your own personal Brewing Network Sky Mall account that only you have access to. Yeah, okay. but is no that still in, value. in construction? Yes. Yeah. The, the Sky Mall, I mean. Or is it more of a walking mall? I. It's a sky mall, and it's right next to the blow-up dog bed that hides underneath your own bed. Oh, I like that. Okay. Yeah. Okay, uh, so I'm ready with my vote, um, but I'll let everyone else go first. All right, let's, well, taste, I, let, we'll, go with, we'll go with Tasty, because I think he's already cast his vote anyway, but the, what do you think, Taste? Yeah, I'm going to side with uh, Moscow on this. I, uh, he's sort of a you know, underdog, and uh, certainly, you know, I liked his, uh, his regimen, the fact that he stuck with his normal brewing process, and uh, right. obviously... Upped his game with a temperature control of some sort, and uh, he's pretty smug over there. He's got that sort of like uh, <laughs> Cheshire cat look about him. It sounds like you're choosing the brewer that cared. <laughs> yeah, the other guy that gave a shit. <laughs> <laughs> the guy yeah, that's right. where I go. Why? Well, yeah, that's it. Yeah, that sums it up. Uh, uh, no offense, Jamil. Yeah, no. <laughs> None taken. Right. <laughs> uh, all right, Bevo. Uh, Scott. You going with Scott on this one? Any reasoning behind it? Uh, is hoping for the best, or do you really think he can do it? I want to know. I have faith in my team. Okay. Yeah. The team. Right. Team Moscow. Love you, Beef. Doc? <laughs> well, with, with all this new information, it's, it's making it really tough. Yeah. And Moscow's definitely stepped his game up. And Jamil skipped, stepped his game down. <laughs> <laughs> Jamil fell off a cliff. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Uh, I'm still going with experience. I'm going with Jamil. You're sticking with Jamil? Yep. Okay. Um, and it, that, that's what it is. It's just experience. You know, before t- listening to Jamil tonight, I, I was 100% Jamil. I mean, I figured he's going to make this incredible yeast starter, and it's... Uh, oh, it's, de- it's definitely narrowed. But he still did take... Uh, I mean, it's yeast from the brewery. Okay, it's yeast that has fermented. He, te- you know, that went to the lab and, and he took like a pitch. So with no label on it and just pulled it out from the refrigerator. <laughs> well, that's true too. But it could have been could have been the contaminated sample. I don't know what it was. Who's in charge? Who's the in charge of your lab? You or Beardy? Um, we well we had uh, well we had a, we had a. <laughs> Uh, PhD student from uh, UC Davis that was was working. Okay, what she looked like? He's still doing some work there, but uh, I think Beardy pulled those pitches. Oh, okay. Well, that that that, <laughs> that, that brings it down for me. I was hoping it was you because was he wearing like a beard net? <laughs> well, it's not. Uh, Beardy's wonderful, but even when Jamil is tired and lazy, he's still a stickler about things. So I was hoping he was in charge of the lab. That would have reinforced my vote for him, but uh, I'm getting nothing but negative signs here. Um, It definitely brought the odds a lot closer. Right. Still, and really, Jamil, this 
this vessel is just sitting outside of the cold box in the brewery? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> pushed it up against the wall there. Are it you felt like <laughs> it was two or three degrees cooler. Yeah, it got next, next to the cold. Next to it was in the middle of the brewery floor. Right. Are it you going to... Oh, so what, at what point did you decide to wheel it over there? At day two, three, four? Yeah. yeah. What? I just kind of dragged it over there. and uh, That's a good spot. Cause I wanted it out of the way so nobody tripped over it, too. And uh, Yeah, you really care about that beer. Uh, right. Are you going to yeah. dry hop? I did already. I oh. uh, you did that at the beginning. days, I went ahead and threw in a couple of handfuls of hops. Oh, with your hand, huh? Ah, shit. Yeah. With my hand. With the hand you were rubbing things out with? <laughs> that's the only one I use. Well, that's my dry hop that, That's my dry hop hand. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, don't need to, you don't need to measure exactly to make some... I mean, when I make an omelet, I don't measure how many chives I'm putting in. You just right. Your experience tells you how much you can kind of throw in there, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, actually, I put it in a glass. I uh, a clean I glass. glass in the tasting room because because otherwise the bags are in the uh, cold box and the fermenters were out, uh, you know, out in the brewery floor. So I didn't want to carry it in my hand the whole way. I figured <laughs> they'd a- drop a lot and make a mess. So I just shook them out of the bag into a cup, and then I went over there, and then I made a big mess as I tried to throw them in through the uh, a narrow opening of the uh, better well. Did you pick the ones off the floor that dropped and put them in also? <laughs> no. Okay. No. All right. Good. I wasn't. I was too lazy to clean that. <laughs> right. Ah, uh, shit. Who made the recipe at Doe's? Does it say which? Uh, uh, we, oh, it took months to make this. It was a whole. It's a club. It's a whole I club thing. It took months. Yeah, the, the, participating in that. Uh, yeah, you were there the one night. And everything. Yeah. Yeah. The the Morbier guy was like, uh, you know, they went through many many batches before they settled on the oh, one they wanted. It, mm. it, it got brewed and then tested and evaluated and then reformulated. It just went months. Is it just because this is an impossible style to make well? No, no. We just, it was our no. first test at this and we didn't want to suck. Yeah. And everybody had an input with it and we picked the best one and then tweaked on that one and then brewed it again the next month and it just... Mm. It, 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 it's All a good right. kit. I, I can't decide. I'm going to go to Andy and we're going to come back to me. I need to mull this over. Because I I still tend to think that, I mean, it doesn't matter what Jamil does. A, a good beer is going to come out of there. But Moscow, I'm starting to have faith in you. I feel like you did the right things and you, you looked at You spent time. You cared. This feels weird. Yeah. <laughs> did I care? Yeah, that I feel like you did something good. Yeah, yeah the faith thing. Yeah. Uh, all right, Andy Wood, you've listened to this conversation. Uh, what do you think? Well, you know, I'm, I'm hemming and hawing because I love Jamil so bad. I mean, I love that hand that he's talking about that he uses a lot for most things. Right. He's I'm very handy too. Hand, so, uh, but I also know Scott is very meticulous and he's a thinker. And it sounds like he was uh, very uh, non-specific with how he fermented this thing. Yeah. Um, I didn't hear what kind of yeast he used. I, I didn't hear that part of the conversation. Um, we could ask I, that. What kind of yeast did you use? Oh, a one. Oh, oh, one. There you go. Favorite yeah. yeast. Good job. Good choice. Was that was that with a starter? Did you do a yeast? Start? No, I pitched two vials. Okay. Okay. Nothing wrong with that. Did you uh, calculate the uh, uh, born on date on the yeast through Jamil's yeast pitching calculator? Uh, no, that I did not do. <laughs> oh, that would be cheating shit. and or uh, you know. 
Yeah. What were you going to do? If for all you know that Jamil has access to that stuff and, right. and, and would have revealed too much stuff. Well, he could have, Jamil could have programmed in Moscow's IP address right. and, and, and given <laughs> wrong information based on any <laughs> any query from that IP address. That would have been that's, caring, because uh, Yeah, I was going to say, because obviously he cares <laughs> so <laughs> much. Right. right. Well, that's what I was thinking, because Jamil obviously spent a lot of time um, with the strategy part, but not necessarily the brewing or the fermentation part. So, right. Or the strategy probably, part. Did what he could to uh, sabotage whatever he could from the technology side. Well, listen, like, don't forget, he is a, as much as he is a world famous brewer, he's a world famous programmer, too. Oh, so it yeah. would be simple for him to, uh, you know, just throw a line of code out there that could totally fuck up Moscow's brew. It's day. an interesting approach. Like, yeah. I don't have to brew a good beer if the other guy brews a horrendous beer. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Right, or he could throw out a line of coke. I mean, that's Jamil. <laughs> right. So it is good to know that you did not use Jamil's uh, yeast calculator. Thank God. Okay. Right. Smart. Okay. So that that plays in your favor. In that case, and also, I'm imagining a uh, a wet T-shirt, um, you know, in like the most sexual way, but laid over the uh, carboy with a fan going on it, something like that to to keep the um, fermentation temperatures down. And we all know fermentation is the the key to beer. Um, that's something that I just coined. It's uh, something I believe in, I guess. See, I'm so feeling given- that you're right on that. I, by his vagueness, I, Andy, I think you're right that he went the t-shirt method for temp well, control. The, yeah. Right? Yeah. He's but got the fan t-shirt he's thing. He's got the moist closet right now. But he also lives in the city, I, I recall. No, no. He's out here in Concord now. So mm. it's been about, it's been in the high 80s uh, since he brewed, essentially. Uh, okay. So it that's- would do the trick. A wicking t-shirt... In a in a dark corner with a fan would would get it you know down where it should be right guys in well, an air conditioned room yeah with yeah. a thousand butterflies well, yeah in the house right. it's not eighty six in the house so if yeah I think he's probably like at seventy and after a week it'll be covered wait in it costs money to run the air conditioning yeah well, he probably didn't run run the AC I have double pane windows uh, and good insulation though for what it's worth oh, shit mm-hmm. I did not know that <laughs> no. okay, that, that changes uh, everything nobody wants to, yeah. nobody double wants to vote against Neil. Yeah. Okay. Well. Well. Given all this data, I'm. Uh, I've calculated it into my uh, my app that I've um, been working with here on my iPhone, and I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Scott on this. Yes. And, okay. Um, love you, just because I, I love him, I love Jamil too. But I mean, I love Jamil differently. If right. You know what I mean. Sure. So, Scott, I, I hope that uh, your fermentation control is what I'm imagining it to be, which is a an old T-shirt, like an old T-shirt from a work uh, like- retreat or something like that, covered in mold. <laughs> Team building and, um, exercise ninety nine. Yeah. yeah, and and are you uh, are you <laughs> bottling or kegging, Scott? Uh, I think I'm going to bottle uh, half the batch and keg the other half. Are you okay. kegging so from the which, bottle or bottling from the keg? What are you bringing into the competition? That's the question. keg. You're bringing a keg. Right. Yes. Okay. I don't. Yeah. There's no time to bottle. Yeah. yeah. Bottle condition. Okay. All right. That's another. Have you dry hopped yet, Moscow? Not Leave yet. Him alone. <laughs> He's <laughs> just a boy. Yeah. He's just a boy. <laughs> Not yet. He's got a week, less than a week. A week, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. A week. I dry hop uh, tomorrow and then get it out of there on Wednesday and start carving it up. Yeah. yeah a couple days gotta, is fine. Gotta, you gotta get cracking on that because uh, not gonna. You gotta get that glass and walk it across and then maybe throw some well, in. Right you want you want it to clear. I feel like uh, Jamil is like the clubber Lang in this scenario. He's like so <laughs> yeah. much full of intimidation. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? Like Clever Lang, killing Mickey. I mean, what's going on? Take it easy. That's why I dry hopped a couple of days ago because I realized I was completely out of time. Mm. So, so uh, 
Yeah, yeah I mean, dry hop right when you get home. Jamal, how, uh, Jamal, how many gallons did you brew? Uh, worked out to be, I don't know, I didn't really measure. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> somewhere around maybe seven or eight. Okay. Oh, you so did a big one. Wow, you really didn't measure shit. Uh, all right, so right yeah, now, how do you anything. how do you brew without measuring? Like, don't you have to? Well, I can, you know, it happens. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost it as good as not. No. I just mean, doesn't that have a huge effect on like what you put in the beer, like or what, like or a recipe? What comes out. <laughs> it's no been you know, not happen. You kind of get a general idea. Oh, jeez. Justin's really struggling with this uh, decision here. I really am. So, so here's what we have. We have Bevo, Tasty, and Andy Wood all for Moscow. Doc's the only one going Jamil on this one. Um, you know, all the See, signs... Doc should get some extra points for being the only one crazy enough to no. vote, vote my way. Right. Yeah, what a nutcase. <laughs> Voting for the owner of Heretic. The thing is, is that all of the, the signs... makers would... would uh, be given given uh, you know better points for people to vote on me. You see, they might. Except what they did in Vegas. But that's the twist in this, and this is why odds makers make all the fucking money. This is why the bookies make all the money because all signs point to Moscow. But What's Jamil it has that wild card. He's got that thing. He's Mister Ninkas. He's Mister October. You know, <laughs> right? He comes through in the clutch. Thing. He comes through in a clutch. He's Mister October. And I feel like despite all of the hardships and lack of doing anything that he's mentioning, <laughs> he, he comes through in the end. Has, let me ask you guys this question. As long as you've known Jamil, Tasty, and Doc, has anything he's ever touched, business or otherwise, failed? No. No. I'm going Jamil. I'm sticking with my gut, and I'm oh. going Jamil on this one. <laughs> he doesn't, the man doesn't know how to fail. Well, he's Rudy. It's, it's like, He's like a more retarded Rudy. <laughs> and Rudy. It, it's like the star pitcher that they find in that shitty motel with the hooker, all, all hungover and drunk, and they just put him up on the pitcher's mound and let him pitch. And he still throws a no-no. His yeah. name is Dwight Gooden. <laughs> yeah, he's Dwight Gooden. He's Rudy Gooden. Is <laughs> who Jamil is. <laughs> All right, I'm I'm sticking with my man Jamil on that. I'm sorry, Moscow. I God, I tried to believe nothing, in you. It's you know, it's nothing personal. And <laughs> the fact is, if you do come out ahead, my hat's off. To <laughs> right, we'll all pat you on the back and hold you up like you're Rudy. Well, look, I'm not taking it personally. If I was voting, I would almost vote for Jamil. So. <laughs> oh, no, you would not, never say that. Well, and, as your and, mentor, I forbid that kind of language. And the beer's not out of the fermenter yet. Yeah, not yet. Not yet. Jamil? See? Well, and what I was kind of hoping was nobody would vote for me, and then I wouldn't have to put any effort into packaging it up and bringing it in and making sure it's carbonated <laughs> and all that stuff. Oh, that would just be the end of the competition? <laughs> right. Jamil well, got no votes? Yeah, I'd be like, well, yeah, now it doesn't really matter. But now, you're making me feel like I actually have to do more work on this thing. Right. You see what Doc you and I did? We we, yeah, we played upon your guilt complex and your loyalty to your friends. Yeah, you I'm can't let us down. We believe. What, what it looks like now. <laughs> He's actually... I might actually I measure the, it. <laughs> I may actually taste it, yeah. yeah. No, I'm not measuring any gravity. I'm not measuring anything. Oh, I'm, su- I, did, <laughs> I'm surprised... Nothing. I'm surprised Moscow didn't put the caveat that you can't taste it either. <laughs> <laughs> right, I should have. Yeah, no, no boil, no tasty. 
<laughs> I, yeah, I, I didn't measure the gravity. I didn't measure anything. Oh, man. I bet it. Watch, it's the best beer he's ever brewed. Watch, we've never had a you better know, Jamil beer. Holy ever. crap! A good black IPA. Yeah, I had a yeah, black IPA to my lineup. If it is, what are you going to name it for your next uh, line? Soulless ginger. Black I don't know. <laughs> it's always soulless. No, that's ginger. already taken. <laughs> oh, he did register. That's yes. what the round guys did. All right, Jamil. Well, that's that. Uh, this is our last update because uh, a week from today we'll be tasting these two beers. And uh, Jamil, don't. Don't break a leg or fake a heart attack or anything else. you got to be down here with that beer. All right. <laughs> hey, fatal, fatal car crash, not withstanding. I'll, I'll be there. Right. Well, at least and if Maybe it, the beer will be carbonated. <laughs> it might actually put some effort in. Yeah, it may have to send a chase car. If you are going to yeah. do the fatal car crash, at least do it on the way here, because that gives us some good press to talk about. Right. You know. right. Don't do it like oh, on yeah, your way I'll, to get yeah, milk. You, yeah, yeah. Oh crash right into the building. <laughs> he was so close. <laughs> oh, yeah. He almost made it. Uh, all right, Jay-Z. Thanks, man. career. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Cool. Cheers. Looking forward to it. All right. Uh, well, there we go. That's our, uh, that's our brewcaster yeah, we challenge. Can't ha- we can't have him pull a James Dean. <laughs> right. Yeah, he's uh, just just off the, a random cliff. Over the top of his career on his way to do something for his friends. Right. But he'll take off. I mean, uh, I should have bought shares in the brewery and uh, and then cut his brake lines. You got, you got a whole week to do both. Yeah. How come I'm not in first place? Why? Um, have you chosen every... Yes. You've chosen every winner? Correct. Every time. Really? How do you know you're not in first no, place? No, you didn't. You picked Nate in the Tasty Nate matchup. Did uh, I? Yeah. Fail. Damn and it. you Never pick yeah, a loser. You missed that one. <laughs> Never bet on a loser. to live by. <laughs> Yeah. Did I really? Yeah, and also you you know you picked JP in the first competition and he was the favorite, so you I mean you didn't get that many points oh. for that. And so I mean you're on the board, but you know you're not. Damn. I'm, I'm actually in the lead of the competition. Really? Yeah. I'm at 254, and then uh, where am I? Jay, you're at 187 in second. Uh, Beaver at 134 in third, and then uh, Nate's got uh, 67 in fourth. Everyone else is a skunk. Wow. Bunch of zeros. I have nothing to lose. Yeah, let's go for it. Andy, we should have had you in on every one to see where you'd be at. Well, I have been in on everyone. I've been um, sending you in by uh, snail mail my my responses, but you haven't been responding. Uh, Well, it hasn't come yet. Yeah, Martinez mail is really slow. (laughs) I I bet somebody out there stole it. Right. Probably. (laughs) All right. Well, we'll find out next week uh, who the next winner is. And then uh, I think we've got maybe one more competition in this year's Brewcaster Challenge. You mean the the prelims? Uh, Exactly. In the first round. Who um, is it going to be? And then we move on to, uh, yeah. Um, I don't know yet. Sammy to be honest with you, I don't know who the last Sammy one is. Sammy and Flabby. <laughs> <laughs> versus Flabby. I'm a, I, got, I got Flabby on this one. Um, yeah, this one um, is going to be tough. So, Andy, I have a weird thing because I have to play a piece of audio on the same pot that you're on. So why don't you, you mute have a, a- you have a weird thing? Just mute your, mute yourself for a second, will you? Whoa, whoa. So okay. I can do this I, thing, and we'll come back to you. Just mute yourself, and uh, we got to do some beer news, and for some reason my Skype pot is the same one as... Whatever, you don't care. But i got to do this thing. Uh, anyway, uh, who is... we? The, the options that are left are, um, for the last round, you know, Susie is still around, and we've talked about Terrence the Black, and of course there's Bevo. Uh, are there any other people I'm missing that could be our optional uh, final prelims? Uh, I would just like to not vote for myself on that. 
Because well, you want to grow. We had Terrence and Beaver yeah. win, but you know they're going to call in divine intervention. And and are we really going to learn anything from nah. that competition anyway? What not to do? I'd like to put Susie against somebody though, but I don't know who we have left that could has ch- skills. Yeah, could challenge the Sues. Maybe we're done in the prelims hmm. of this year. I got to think about this. Uh, it could be close. All right. It's time to do some beer news, yeah? We'll do some beer news. We're going to have Andy on the line helping us out, um, and that'll be it. Let's do it. Okay. It's the Brewing Network's Beer News, brought to you by Rod All Performance. Well, let me start off with a, a little correction from the uh, last segment, because you know we're committed to accuracy here at the Brewing Network. Uh, Tasty had mentioned that the uh, that mm hops beer, you remember the Hansen beer? Uh, when we were talking about the Hello Kitty beer being a low-alcohol fruit lager, and he was like, wasn't the mm hops beer the low ABV? And I, I said, no, nah, it was a pale ale at five, five and a half. Um, I was totally wrong. Tasty was right. It was a pale ale, but it was super low, 3.2%. So mm. hmm, maybe the Mops beer also marketed to kids. Mm. Yeah. Mm. 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 Anyway, all right, lead story. Play the song. Uh, a, uh, I got sent this one by about 10,000 freaking people. Uh, they were very excited. Maybe they were hoping they were this guy. Uh, 61-year-old man, who uh, is a longtime home brewer, went to a Texas emergency room complaining that he was dizzy. Nurses ran a breathalyzer, and you know, sure enough, the guy uh, came in at a .37, which is a, a pretty good uh, buzz. Uh, he's in Texas, this guy. Uh, and uh, he, he said he hadn't drank anything that day, though. So everybody was really confused, and you know, people say that all the time. And what it means is they have been drinking. They're just, you know, they're keeping the oh, bottle yeah. of vodka in the in the toilet tank. You know, heard that before, <laughs> right? Um, That's but, a good idea, by the way. The toilet tank, Doc. Yeah, I stashed many things there. Um, so the, this, tape it to the lid if you don't want it to get wet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this would happen a lot to this guy, and he, he really insisted, you know, no, I, I wasn't drinking. Um, so medical professionals, they decided we're going to run a, a study on him. They, they tested him for liquor, and they tested all his belongings, and then they isolated him in a hospital room for 24 hours. And throughout the day, uh, they fed him ca- uh, carbohydrate-rich foods, and the doctors periodically checked his blood for alcohol. And at one point, it rose to 0.12%. Mm. Uh, and eventually, the medical team pinpointed what was going on, which is that he had an overabundance of brewer's yeast in his gut. And the man's intestinal tract was acting like in its own internal brewery. So he actually had... I knew Justin would like this. I I thought of the the little... um, uh, rejoiner of the uh, you know I I eat it and it'll ferment in my gut yeah you know and this is this is what was happening this 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 guy I was going to say poor guy but maybe he was you know stoked I don't how know. did all the bre- so I read this story too uh, I did too yeah. and I did find it interesting it, by the way it seems I don't know why but completely plausible how did all the brewers yeast get in the gut just built up over the years from drinking beer <laughs> yes so wouldn't that mean see here's well, the problem I have with the story wouldn't that mean we all have this uh, quote unquote ailment well did uh, he have a blockage or something <laughs> uh, it didn't say that he had a blockage it just said that it, you know in incredibly rare cases this can happen like you know 99.9% of the population uh, you know it just the yeast goes right through you right. Um, but in it, it has been documented before there's been some cases out of japan uh where you know it just gets who knows it mm. just afflicts yeah. one in a million people well, maybe it gets through his stomach uh through the high acid and in, into the intestines and stays or, there or he was among the oh, he, he was doing lunch meat olympics mm-hmm. and, and he swallowed a vial of yeast a vial of yeast that's one thing or suppositories so this brings up a good <laughs> question and i'd like andy to be our uh, experimental guinea pig on this um 
you know, of course, a six pack of of quality craft beer is between you know eight and ten dollars right now, eight and eleven dollars depending on it. But a vial of yeast is like five bucks, right? Five six bucks. Uh, could I just get drunk by drinking a vial of yeast each night and making sure there's enough sugar going into my a gut? Sp- a spaghetti dinner? Yeah, to get to to sort of take it. It seems like a cheaper way to you know drink. I might also lose weight in the process because yeah. I'm taking in far less carbohydrates. Yep. Throw some amylase into it. Andy, will amylase you, pill and you'd be good. Andy, will you test this for us? I will. I, in fact, I've been working on this uh, the past couple of weeks in preparation for the show. And the funny thing is uh, drinking a giant vial of yeast every night and consuming an entire box of Kraft macaroni and cheese family size. Yeah. And along with ketchup and tapeworm <laughs> food, um, I recently had an x-ray done. And not only do you essentially create your own brewery in your in your gut, um, you also cultivate a gigantic... Uh, tapeworm, which um, helps right. with the fermentation process and also allows for your urine to be um, slightly toxic and alcoholic. So you essentially become a human tap, and it's it's been great. Everybody wins. Well, it depends. Well, not really. On um, who wants the tap. <laughs> right. All right. Well, it's just, I mean, it goes to my, my own mouth. I mean, it is a weird <laughs> phenomena, and I still find it strange, this rare occurrence. Well, it is but. really strange, and I, I think that they, they want to know more, but they're they're like, you know, this is a case study, and it's really hard to do a sort of controlled scientific experiment because right. these cases are essentially non-existent. This is why we should all volunteer to be the <laughs> controlled uh, study. Sounds horrendous. All right, what else you got? A Singapore nightclub has turned uh, to technology in an effort to tackle the growing problem of uh, drunk driving. Mm. Uh, so they worked with a local marketing agency and uh, a club there called Zok came up with a urinal-based system that detects the amount of alcohol in your pee before issuing a warning if you're over the legal limit. So what you do, you, you arrive at the club, you hand your keys over in exchange for a, uh, an RIFD, which is a radio frequency identification parking card. And once activated, the card is capable of identifying a driver and uh, recording information of the, the driver's alcohol level. So it does this by, uh, by way of urine testing, which is fitted there's a device fitted in the urinal, and that the manufacturer says it instantly resets uh, after each uh, a peeing person. And the urinal uh, system uh, basically pings the RIFD, uh, and it, it will actually speak to you while you're peeing at the urinal. It'll say, maybe you've had one too many to drive. Call a cab or use our in-house home uh, drive, drive home service. Right. And uh, so they're just trying everything they can to uh, get people to uh, not drive themselves home. I love the concept, but the last thing I need is the pisser telling me what to do. There are enough people telling me what yeah. to do. I got to stand there and and the and the pissers talking to my wiener and saying, "Hey, maybe you've had a little too much." Well, then there's always the other people thinking that it's getting beamed to the police department too. Oh, that's a good call. Yeah, and they're automatically getting your license plate yep. number right yep. there. Oh, it's the man is what it is. Is what you're saying? Uh-huh. It's 1984 for your penis. Exactly. Well, well, the- and my my alcohol system right and they're assuming that the person is not too drunk penis <laughs> it's not too oh. drunk to to focus on the words in front of them or understand <laughs> what's coming out of the urine <laughs> right you know or just you know too wasted to compute the information you know sure uh, but anyway so when you hand in your card at the end of the night in exchange for your keys the reader at the exit will convey again the information from the tag card to the valet and then the valet once again will suggest to the car owning clubber you know make alternative arrangements so but it doesn't stop them from taking their car exactly just a recommendation you're never, service. You're never coerced. You're just right. uh, suggested to along the way by, by the pisser and by the valet. And they're and, doing and everything. And the cop around can. the corner with your license number. <laughs> right. Now, that's, what, that's what we do here in the States. 
Hmm. What does that What does that voice sound like? Is what I want to know. Like exactly, how does that voice sound when it's coming out of the urinal? Like I, Stephen Hawking's voice box. I think they Maybe. probably make it sound like what your penis would sound like. So it sounds like it's your <laughs> penis talking to you. Okay. What would that be, Andy? Uh, well, I'd like to think that it's like a kung fu, like, you have taken too much a drink until your penis, we have detected this urinal. Yeah. I would like that, too. I, that's how I picture my penis sounds. Every scary, like something very uh, Japanese kung fu, Chinese, you know. Or just like the cop is going to be pulling you over any minute. <laughs> you know, I have to admit, I like. I really do like the concept. I mean, it's letting people know, like, look, whether you like it or not. You're over the limit. I don't like the 1980 penis thing that, you know, that the information could be sent elsewhere. Yeah. That bothers me a little bit, but I can't, I mean, who could be against information? If the information is telling you, look, dude, you're fucked up, who could be against that? Well, yeah. And then the databases and into uh, how many times you gotten hammered this week. And then, <laughs> right. then it goes to the insurance company. And it goes to your wife. It goes to the insurance companies. You can't get health insurance anymore mm. and, uh, or, and or your license and whatever else. Oh, boy, Doc's been paranoid for a long time. He's got all the right questions. Uh, you make a good point. Okay. And when exactly are the drones going to be taking over? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Drone they already comes- have, honey. <laughs> Drone comes in and cuffs your penis. <laughs> no, not <the> drones. <laughs> All right, what else? Uh, well, for those of you like me that are sick of uh, pipeline controversy uh, here in America, a lot of talk about pipelines and people like them and people don't like them. Well, here is a pipeline that everyone is sure to love. It's in Germany. They have created a, basically their their shipping uh, underground shipping method uh, for beer. So it's a beer pipeline. It's it's at the uh, Veltines Arena. It's a soccer stadium, a football stadium in uh, Gelsenkirchen. It's just north of uh, Dusseldorf. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, Germ- uh, so what, they're all connected by a special transport system. And uh, the pipeline uh, delivers beer. It's over 3.2 miles of pipeline under the arena. And the arena has big beer storage under the bars. There's multiple bars in the arena, of course. And it can hold nearly 14,000 gallons of beer. And then different channels are then used to take the beer to its drinkers at about 3.7 gallons per minute. So, Doc, how could this possibly work? I have a line in my kegerator down there that's too long and it's made for another type of beer than I have on it, so everything pours out foamy. How could they pour beer during like this amount of lines? First time you've ever had anything too long, huh? <laughs> oh, shit. It didn't come out right. Uh, <laughs> I just look at you know the downtime when it sits in the line. Like, I thought of that, too, because, for one, the Germans are at least smart enough to put glycol in there, too. But what about the carbonation? And then, but isn't there, there's like an equation for how long lines should be to pour correctly, what's, too, isn't there? Well, are they just pushing from the line over to make it uh, into their storage unit over there to cut down on, on the transportation costs? They're pouring from the where all the kegs are stored down below, or whatever tanks there are down below, through... How many miles through this enormous stadium to all of the stations that pour beer? So instead of the kegs being at each vendor like we're used to, it all comes from a central place in the basement. So we're talking about extremely long copper or whatever yeah, lines over three miles worth to pour beer oh, well, i don't think it's one line is three miles no to- but total but total. still very long lines still a huge distance right oh well the germans would probably work out the math to make right. it work but uh quite curious are they are they get to clean the lines yeah the downtime you know when they don't pour for a week or something right what do they do with that? Yeah. I mean, how much beer, even if it's, uh, obviously it's not three miles that one beer's going through, but it's a length. 
how much of a keg is in is in a beer line. Yeah, a lot. If oh, it's yeah. way at the end of the stadium, absolutely. And it's weird, right? Because Germans aren't exactly indiscriminate beer drinkers. So yeah, you think this would not be an easy a crowd to push? You know, shitty, foamy, whatever beer onto. So I'm not accusing them of not having figured it out. I just can't. Well, what's, I don't yeah, know what's how the, they figured the it advantages out. versus the disadvantages? Wow. Oh. I just think that you've all been to a bar where you've tapped the keg, oh. and all the foam comes out, and then they tap the put the new keg on, and then you get X amount of glasses of how is that going to work? Last one, yeah. That's going to be a giant pain in the butt. Hmm. Leave it to the Germans to figure out yeah. everything. I would like to know more about this system, and I then disapprove. I want to install it in my house. <laughs> I, I disapprove. Yeah. All right, one more quick one. This one is also from that uh, part of the world. It's located a few hours outside Munich. Uh, it's called the uh, Starkenberger Brewery Castle. It's, it's a, it is a full-on castle right out of a, a postcard, and it, it's one of the places in the world where, where you will find uh, beer pools, uh, where you can bathe in beer. Literally. Oh, yeah. So it's, uh, it, back in 2005, the, the fermentation cellar of this castle is like a 700-year-old castle. Um, was obsolete, obviously, because there's better ways to ferment. So uh, the brewers there decided to be on entrepreneurial, and they refit the space into a spa. They built seven pools, uh, about 13 by 13 feet each. Uh, it takes about 294,000 pints to fill them all. They do cut it with water, though. Yeah. Um, and then it's, it's all kept at a sweltering temperature, and it's, so, you know, it's made for spa sweating. Hmm. Uh, the soak in the suds is said to be good for the hair, circulation, and Justin, you'll like this one, open wounds. Mm. I just Google no. imaged that. Why are they sitting that in there? That looks nasty. Yeah, yeah. Why would you sit in there with... Why would they allow people to sit in there with open wounds? I don't, I don't know that they necessarily do them. Yeah. I think they just say it's good for it. I mean, yeah, but or it maybe means, they, do. It means they don't stop them. They, they just, someone walks in with a fucking gash on their face and they go, oh yeah, the beer pools would be great for that. Well, by the time or, they're done, it's not an uh, open wound any longer. Ah. Uh, uh, jewels. Uh, can, you, can you Google images? I just want you to see the second image. It's it's something. Yeah, you talk about foamy beer. What, do I, what am I Googling? Giant. Uh, uh, Starken whatever. S-T-A-R-K-E-N B-E-R-B-E-R. Brewery beer pool. Yeah. It sounds like a wonderful idea. I just understand why you are also so upset about it. All right. Is it this? Which photo is it? This one, Bevo? Oh, look at something different. Um, do you have the one with the creepy guy straddling in between two of the pools? Yes, that is me. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I do see a lot of photos. There's some broads in there, too. Uh, I don't see this. Oh, I don't see it, it on oh, yours. Oh, is it this guy? That would be the guy. Uh, oh, uh, yeah, that's a little. Just describe him. Well, he's kind of, he's a little bit larger. Kind of looks like Bub. He, I don't know, he looks like a normal guy, I guess. Uh, he, they kind of, it's... Looks it's like the, Alan Moore with his hair pulled back. <laughs> the photo's a bit like a painting. It's like someone took a painting of it. What about the photos with the broads in it? Those are some, oh, here's like a family where there's like three people in the vats, and then their kids and Asian wives are all standing on the outside, like posing with them. Because they what? don't want to go in that stuff. I don't know if I see now, especially that you mentioned open wounds. I, at first, I thought, well, I could maybe get into a vat of beer, but n- not with open wounds. The other thing is, you, you ever smelt warm beer? Like the you know the day after you left a glass out on the counter. Oh, you mean I mean like every day at the Rat Pad? It smells terrible. It's an awful smell. You can't imagine that that. Oh It yeah. smells nice to sit in that vat of beer. And you know they're not putting chlorine in there. <laughs> you they no. can't. Nope. Oh, and, no, they're, no, and they're, it, they're hoping that that low pH is going to kill everything. <laughs> and the alcohol. Oh, I can't do it. Andy, I can't do it. There's something wrong with you, Al. I think that uh, the instant that you put your balls inside this uh, giant vat of beer, uh, the wounds close up very, very quickly. And uh, 
I think that all of the AIDS uh, is expelled in the beer, and yeah. all of us are very happy. So, especially the Asian people who are actually our servants who uh, replenish the beer supply. Oh, that's who the people are in the photo. That's correct. I see. Well, it ain't cheap. It, it's uh, it's three hundred bucks for a session too. So that might really? prevent you. Yeah, if the open wounds wasn't enough, it's fairly expensive. Yeah, I'm out. I'm out. Um, let's oh, come uh, on. Let's wrap it up with uh, a quote quote of the week. I loved this one. It's not really a story. I'm just going to uh, read what he said. Nick Nunn, the founder uh, of... Uh, oh, he's the guy from the 12,000 years of porn, right? 25,000 years of porn, Nick Nunn. No, that... <laughs> wasn't that Al? That was Bebo That's made Alan a Moore. throwback joke a minute ago about him. That's yeah. the guy you want to get in the pools, Nick Nunn. Nick yeah. Nunn was the real good wall painter. He, Yeah, True Brewing, it's called. T-R-V-E. And uh, they had a... I guess there was a label dispute, but it, it wasn't news because... Uh, Nick and whoever he was supposed to be competing against decided we're not going to litigate. Nick's quote is, The end result of our discussion, as I mentioned before, is a handshake agreement that we'll both continue brewing our respective black cascades and that no harm will come of that. Our collective stance is that this industry is being infected with litigation. Mm. Why a bunch of breweries claiming to be humble, artisanal, community-oriented, small-batch, blah 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 need to sue each other is a mystery to both of our breweries, but we're not going to be a goddamn part of it. That's the news right, right. brought to you by Rodall Performance. Give Mike a call over there at Rodall. He does custom metal fabrication, brew, accessories, and stuff for your car, and it's high quality and great. RodallPerformance.com. I love it. Thanks for the beer news. Thanks to Andy Wood for sitting in for a few minutes with us. I appreciate that. Thank you. Twitter. Andy, did you brew today? Yes, he did. I brewed today, and I wrote a song while I was brewing. What was what? First of all, what did you brew? I brewed what else? Uh, American Pale Ale. That a boy. Wood APA. Very nice. And what was the song called? Uh, well, I think I, I think it's easier to uh, explain it through seeing it. Okay. More than, you know, so if you don't mind. It explains itself. I would never mind such a thing. Go ahead, please. Okay, so I'm not sure how my audio sounds, but I'm just going to go ahead and just whip it out. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, this is for Schumann. Why you coming home? Five in the morning. Something's going on. Can I smell your dick? Don't play me a fool, cause that ain't cool. What you need to do is let me smell your dick. Why you coming home? Five in the morning. Something's going on. Can I smell your dick? Don't play me like a fool, cause that ain't cool. What you need to do is let me smell your dick. Thank you. That was wonderful. That was wonderful. Thank you so much. Yeah, I just wrote that. Um, Yeah, American Pale Ale 1049, uh, Magnum Cascade Centennial, and, uh, and smell your dick. All right. Thank you, Andy Wood. Thank you so much, and have a wonderful evening. I'm going to go watch Breaking Bad now. You do it. Uh, Bevo already knows the ending. She's quite upset about it. Uh, Tell her to shut the fuck up. Well, somebody I would never, ever her. spoil it for another person because I'm not a dick. It was spoiled for her. In the chat room? Is that where it got no. spoiled? Or no, just in private. On private. Mm. Okay. I'll be cool. Let's stay cool. Be cool. Everybody, I love you guys, and stay cool, you know? Thanks, Andy. Stay. Bye. Cheers. Yeah. All right. Uh, is our work here done? Did we do Adam and uh, Twitter. Oh, we don't even know how to read through the Twitter things without uh, JP. No. I have no idea how to do it. God, I, I mean, well, up and if and I just pull up our, our Twitter page, is it just right on there? Should the, right. I don't know. Well, since what but JP he, usually JP, does is... Uh, he compiles he, the good well, ones. Well, he right? type... Yeah, that's true. Wow, does JP actually do something? I really could have been doing that we, while I was sitting here, and I didn't think about it. Good according to him. 
We don't get to even hear the other ones. I think we finally discovered something JP does that we need. It's weird. This is what we'll miss the most when he dies. (laughs) The one thing he does. No, it's discovering something new every day. Wow. All right, well, then we'll have to give the... It's more fun to give the answers when JP's on the air anyway. So we'll continue tonight's Twitter game to next week's show. We'll do it at the beginning. Just before we announce uh, next week's Twitter game, we'll have JP look through our winners, uh, our uh, options for this week, and we'll pick a winner. Well, even the pod- Assuming he lives. The podcast people can even get on it. Now. Yeah, that's true. Next year they can all vote, and we'll collect them throughout the week. We'll collect so. them. Uh, okay, uh, so that was that. Uh, hey, don't forget, you can go over to adamandeve.com right now and get yourself a, a bunch of cool stuff by using coupon code BNARMY, B-N-A-R-M-Y. If you do that, you get three free adult DVDs, 50% off just about any one item. Um, you get a free gift so sensual that it can't be talked about by anybody on the earth. Um, you get free shipping. I mean, why wouldn't you use the coupon code BNARMY over at adamandeve.com? Uh, you don't have to go down to the creepy corner store uh, like I do. You said good um, on occasional, uh, but you just do it all online, and you, you can get as freaky as you want because it's it's online, and nobody knows, and they don't see what you're doing or what Comes you're in ordering. A brown paper bag when it gets to yeah, it. I mean it's awesome. Uh, Adam coupon code BNARMY. Use it. I'm not joking. It, it helps us out quite a bit if you do. Uh, all right. Is that going to be it then? Uh, next week, it's our Brewcaster Challenge finale among Moscow and Jamil. We'll find out who the victor is. And uh, I've got a fresh new song to play for you on our way out of here. So, a Monday or Sunday show? Uh, it's a Sunday show, right? Yes, sir. October 6th. It is a repeat of Sundays. And then the following week, uh, it's GABF. I'll be a- away at the Great American Beer Festival, and you can look at tons of broadcasters, broadcasters uh, <laughs> <laughs> over at uh, thebrewingnetwork.com slash GABF. Uh, we'll see you next week, everybody. Enjoy this uh, to take you out of here.
And I don't give a damn what your homegirl seen When I was in the club, what the fuck you mean? They ain't got no business timing like that You ain't got no business trying like that I wasn't me feeling diamond like that I was wildin' but I wasn't clowning like that That's alright, that's okay Don't ever believe what your homegirl say A nigga like me, drink a lot of liquor Meet a lot of bitches, take a lot of pictures I might break bread with one or two strippers But that don't mean you gotta pull my zipper Thinking I'm dick down the whole town Even though I got dick to go around Why you coming home Five in the morning 